Welcome to Poker Fraud Alert Radio. I am Todd Dandruff with Telus. This is being broadcast live and recorded live on March 21st, 2020. The time, 6.55 p.m. Pacific time. An earlier show than you're probably used to in recent times. I decided instead of having a late Friday show, we'll just have an earlier Saturday show. This way, a lot more of you can catch it live. And more importantly, CalWatt, who has not been on the show in a while, has a much higher chance of making it. Eric Benzamokin revealed that he misses Calwatt, that he really would love to hear Calwatt on the show again. And the reason we lost Calwatt wasn't because of any kind of uh, dispute. It was just that uh, he got unused to being on here. When I had my problems a year and a half ago, and I had to stop the show for a few months, if you remember, uh, Calwatt just un- got unused to being here. And then by the time we came back, he just was out of the habit. And also, we came back later than we were before. So Eastern time, it was very late. And he just couldn't make it. And when I attempted to get him back, I, we'd always keep starting so late that he just couldn't make the show. So we've only had him on a handful of times in the last year and a half. And... Uh, Eric Benzamokin wanted to hear him again, so I was discussing it with Calwatt, and Calwatt, he never wants to be a bother. He never wants to be trouble. He always just wants to go with the flow, and he said, oh, just do the show normally on Friday. If I'm up, I'm up. I'll do it. I'll, you know, don't don't change the time because of me, but I, I wanted to change the time because of him. I wanted to give a better chance of him making it with the understanding that he's not expected to be here, but I'm going to put some additional pressure on him. I didn't want to have to do this, but I'm going to have to put some additional pressure on him because the free roll, which is starting in three minutes, but you have until 725 to get there. The free roll, the prize pool, is very much dependent upon Calwatt showing up. So let me explain what's going on. The free roll, which takes place on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, please go to pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, all lowercase, to understand the rules for qualifying for the free money, because you can't just get the free money by playing. It's on the No Fraud Online Poker Room, which requires a separate account on the No Fraud Online Poker Room. You can't use your main Poker Fraud Alert or your Poker Fraud Alert forum account. You have to make a separate account there, but that's the easy part. The uh, the rules you have to understand, it's, it, that, the whole thing's easy, to be truthful. You just have to understand the rules. Your account has to be validated. You have to allow sufficient time to be validated, and uh, you have to follow all the rules. But it's pretty easy. It's pretty easy. It's not like one of these things where it's claimed you can get free money, but then it's actually very hard to get the free money. Here, it's very easy to get the free money. It's very easy to collect. I can pay you by Bitcoin, by Cash App, by bank transfer, by Zelle, by other methods, like a service that's been around for 20 years that people have been using to buy things on auctions. I can pay you that way too. So I can pay you the money in cash through these methods. And once you're qualified, you're qualified. And provided you stay on the forum in good standing and you don't get banned or anything, you can play and you can win the free money. Those are the terms that you'll find for the most part on the Rule page, pokerfraudalert.com slash free roll, but you should familiarize yourself with the rules at least once. But here's how the prize pool will work tonight. 
if Calwatt shows up and plays, there's a hundred dollar free roll, or not for hundred, more than hundred dollar free roll, hundred dollar bounty on him. If you knock Calwatt out, you get a hundred bucks. That's if he plays. If he does not play, you won't get any hundred dollars for knocking him out because he won't be there. If he plays, there's also, or if he, not if he plays, if he plays and co-hosts the show with me for at least 50.01% of the time, it has to be a tiny bit more than half the time minimum that he co-hosts the show tonight, there will be an additional $300 in the prize pool. So he not only has to show up, he has to at least be here half the time. And I made the requirement half the time because I realized it's three hours later where he is. So I don't want to commit him to staying up till three in the morning. So I think like three hours are probably good enough, but we'll see. Anything that ends up being more than half the time, it'll be $300 in the prize pool. And it will be $100 the bounty on him. Otherwise, it's $50 in the prize pool and no bounty on him. Now, either way, there is going to be a $19 bounty. That was donated by Daly. The $19 bounty works differently. The $19 bounty is going to be on the forum user with the highest reputation, which might be hard to determine for you because some people don't play under their forum name. So we will have to determine later who the player was that had the highest reputation on the forum. The way you get reputation on the forum is you make a post and people can click the reputation button and either give you plus one rep or minus one rep or do nothing. Then it doesn't affect your rep. So every time you get a plus one rep, which puts a little green block under your post showing you got uh, a reputation increase with a comment, and then they, if you get a decrease, there's a red block on your post. But anyway, whoever plays that has the highest reputation of all the players, there's a bounty on them. Now, if Sonatine plays, who plays under totally teen, it'll probably be him. That's my tip to you, because he has a very high reputation on the forum. If he doesn't play, I don't know who it's going to be. But that's a $19 bounty. Why 19 In honor of COVID-19. Not my words. That came from Daily. Daily donated $19 in honor of the coronavirus. So that is going to whoever had the highest reputation on the forum, regardless whether or not CalWatt shows up. And if CalWatt doesn't show, it's just a $50 prize pool. And that will be that. So that's the condition for tonight. That was uh, mostly put on by Eric Benzamokin. The, the, the money came from him for this Calwatch showing up thing. And uh, I modified the conditions very slightly. So it's kind of just easier to determine what constitutes him being here. Now, if he co-hosts the show, let's say he doesn't play the tournament, because the tournament, you only have till 7.25 p.m. to get in there in late registration. It started two minutes ago. You can sit down until... 725. So let's say Calwatt shows up uh, like 730, 745. He obviously can't play the free roll. As long as he still co-hosts the show for half the time, then the $300 prize pool will exist. There just won't be a bounty because he will not get into the free roll. So I hope you guys understand all of that. Here's some other general information about the show, and then we will get going. If you want to call the show, our phone number is 775-FRAUD55, 775-372- 8355, that's our number. You can call the Mount Charleston line, 702-430-1808. 702-430-1808 is the Mount Charleston line. And that's an old 70s rotary phone sitting on top of Mount Charleston in a cabin. I haven't been around to check it recently because 
No, there isn't much of a reason to go to the Vegas area, which we'll get to. I think you guys know why. So that's the Mount Charleston line. Still works, though. 702-430-1808. You can text the show at any time. Not the Mount Charleston number. You cannot text that number, but you can text the main number, 775-372-8355. 775-372-8355. The main phone number of the show also doubles as our text number. You can text 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I may read your comments on the air, especially if I receive them during the show. Unless you ask me not to at the beginning of the text. Or unless it's obvious. Call the listen line. Can't forget that. This is a way to listen to the show without having to count on the internet, without having to count on having a data plan with enough data, or without needing a smartphone. It's just a number you call and listen to the show. Never freezes, never buffers, just plays, it just works. It can be used to listen to the live show, or when we're not live, it'll play one of our streaming reruns. Just picks a rerun from the past, from the past eight years of this show and plays it in full, and then when it's done, it moves on to another one and another one. You can just join it in progress at any time. So the call to listen line, 605-313-0736 is the main one. The alternate one, in case the main one is malfunctioning, which it's been known to do, 641-741-1095. That's 605-313-0736 or 641-741-1095. I have a little announcement about the archives. First, I'm going to tell you how you can listen to the show in archive format. You can use iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, the TuneIn app, the Bullhorn app. You can download or play the MP3 directly from the Radio Archives forum on PokerFraudAlert.com. But I want to give you a little update about the archives because there's been some complaints that some listeners, especially iTunes listeners who listen to the show in podcast form, have found that the show has been duplicating. And this has been going on for a while, like a year, where new episodes show up twice or more than twice, which is annoying. I admit it's annoying that these appear several times on your list of shows. Who wants that? You just want it once for every new show there is. I attempted to solve this. I attempted to look into it. Unfortunately, I could not solve it. Why? Because I could not figure out why it was happening. Everything looked good to me. When I tried to Google the problem, very little came up. What little did come up, no one had any answers for it. So I had not seen anything online of people solving this for their own shows. Nor did I see anything on Apple's website explaining why this might happen. So I was at a loss for it, nor could I duplicate it. I couldn't even make it happen on my end. I believe it's happening for some people. But I could not make it happen for me, even when I tried. So I gave up. There was nothing more for me to do. I had a listener to the show contact me on Twitter and say that they may have figured out why it's happening. And I'm not going to go into the technical explanation, but it was due to a bug in vBulletin. They didn't tell me that part, but they just they told me looking at the RSS feed, which is basically what tells all the podcasting apps what to do and what to get. It pretty much directs them when we have a new show, what shows are available, etc. That the feed that Poker Fraud Alert is sending out has an erroneous timestamp for when the feed was created. Basically, the feed should only create something new every time I post a new show. Otherwise, it's the same thing over and over. It shouldn't be updating the time. But that's what it was doing. The guy claimed that every time 
someone would look at the feed, it would update the date and time to that time. So if somebody looked at the feed today, it would show today's date, even if nothing had been updated regarding the programs we had available. So I think this may have been tricking iTunes and other podcasting software to believe that new shows were being put out when they actually weren't. This was not my fault. This is a fault in the bulletin, which is our forum software. And it has a podcasting portion to it, which I've already modified some, but it does have a, a built-in podcasting portion to the software, which I've been using to assist in putting the show up on iTunes and Stitcher and ones like that. But this was a bug in vBulletin software. So I had to go into the vBulletin software today and fix their bug. And I did. That's what I did this afternoon is I fixed their bug. And now that time and date is correct. Now that time and date corresponds to the last show I posted. So I think that will fix the problem. But I'm not sure. Since I can't duplicate the problem on my end, I can't see if it fixes it. So if this show, the March 21st show, shows up more than once, please let me know at 775-372-8355. Please text me and say, hey, I got it more than once, and send me a screenshot of it happening on your podcasting app or whatever, and then I'll go back to the drawing board. But I think there's a good chance this will fix it, and I thank that listener for pointing this out to me. Because I missed it. I was just looking at the format of everything. It all looked fine to me. I wasn't looking at the date, and he, he noticed the date. He noticed the date was today's date, and yet the last show I had put up was last week. And he said, hey, what about this? And I said, you know what? You might be right. So I, I fixed the bulletin software for them. and Well, not really for them. Everybody else who's using their podcasting uh, section of their software will still have this problem, but I won't, provided that this is what was causing it. Either way, it was good to have that fix in there, but still. I hope it fixes it, and I apologize that all of you had to deal with this for a while. That's just the way it's been. Okay, I'm going to give you the agenda, then we're going to put on Trader Ruski, and then hopefully Calwatt will show up. It's 10.09 p.m. where he is right now. It's not really late, but I don't. Uh, I still don't see him right now. I'm going to send him one more text. Maybe we can wake him up if he's falling asleep early. I thought this time would be fine to, I mean, like last night he said he's up, up till midnight. It's not even anywhere near midnight. It's 10.09 over there in New York. So here's the agenda for tonight. It's not going to be an all coronavirus show. I realized that having these all coronavirus shows or almost all coronavirus shows, the problem with them is they age terribly. That they're interesting to hear when it's all going on, like if you listen the day of or the next day or the next day after, after that they become obsolete and really not very interesting to listen to. And I have to imagine like years from now, no one's going to want to hear that stuff. They'll be like coronavirus out. <laughs> so uh, these don't make for very good archive listening other than a few days, up to a few days after I record it. So I want to have other content in here. So we're not even going to start talking about the coronavirus. And we're not going to end talking about the coronavirus. The coronavirus will be in the middle of the show. We do have a lot of coronavirus news I'll still cover. Uh, most of it related to gambling, but some of it not. I didn't say most of it, but about half and half about uh, the coronavirus stuff related to gambling and the coronavirus stuff just general. And I, I try to cover things that aren't being covered elsewhere on the web or on cable news. I don't like repeating that content because I want you to be able to hear things 
new on this show that you're not really hearing as much elsewhere. I can't say these will be all exclusives, but I, I'll try to do topics here related to the coronavirus that at least are ones you may not have heard discussed very much before. So here's our agenda tonight. We're going to talk a bit about Kenny Rogers and his song, The Gambler, and some things you may not have known about him and the song. Online poker. People have been returning to online poker. People have been starting online poker who never played it before because they cannot play poker anymore. Live poker has been shut down, effectively, because of the coronavirus. So people keep asking, where should I play online? And unfortunately, I feel that people have been going to the wrong places. I'm going to give you my suggestions. I'm going to tell you about the places that you should not be playing, in my opinion. And I'll tell you why to fear those places. Speaking of a place you can play, I wouldn't say it's a place you can fear. It's a good place as far as reliability and getting paid. But uh, we're going to talk about WSOP.com and how oddly their leadership is invisible despite this tremendous opportunity they have right now with the coronavirus. Traffic's way up on WSOP.com, but who is running it? Who's in charge? No one's taking the reins. We're going to do a lot of different coronavirus topics. I won't bother to list them all here, but a lot of coronavirus discussion tonight that will be in the middle of the show. After all that, we will talk about Doug Polk, that he has announced that not only is he quitting poker for good, but he's also not going to make poker videos anymore. In fact, Doug Polk is going to be shutting down his channel. You'll still be able to access the old stuff, but he's not going to make any new videos on his channel. That will be the end of Doug Polk and his poker content. We'll talk about that and what he's going to do. I'll play you his announcement about this. Phil Galfond, who was super frustrated with Venny Vidi just crushing him every time in their match, He's really turned the tables. Venny Vitti quit in frustration today after getting beat once again by Phil Galfond. Are we going to see accusations soon as to how Phil Galfond has turned it around so quickly? The UK site Lotteries.com has had its license suspended for money laundering concerns. Poker Stars has introduced a new game called Swap Hold'em. This is where you can swap one or both cards you've been dealt at any point in the hand. The question, is this a cool idea? Will this be fun? Or is this just another way that the luck fa- factor is being increased in these poker games on Poker Stars and to where the skill players don't have as much of an edge? We'll talk about Swap Hold'em and whether it's something that would be worth playing. Finally, you don't hear much about gambling in school. When you're in school, the gambling world pretty much doesn't exist. They don't talk about casinos. They don't talk about gambling. The The whole concept of gambling is just not discussed in school. It's like it doesn't exist. I don't know if I heard about gambling at all in any of my classes, pro or con. Like, I don't remember ever hearing anything about gambling in any of my classes. Well, the UK is going to change that. They're going to actually be introducing responsible gambling into their curriculum. Interesting. So that'll be our final topic tonight. Free roll starting in six minutes. If you're a new listener, welcome. I know a lot of you are pretty much stuck at home or trying to stick yourselves at home. I know you can technically leave the house, but it's it's strongly urged 
that you're not supposed to do that unless you need something essential. A lot of people are just doing as much as they can to avoid the coronavirus. A lot of people are trying to figure out what to do. I hope this show can be a source of entertainment and comfort and maybe information to you as well and helps you get through the week. I had some people texting me saying that the coronavirus is really stressing them out and that listening to this show keeps them calm. And I'm glad that that has helped some people. And I'm glad to provide something for you guys to do, or at least to have on in the background, as we all try to get through this very strange time, which is different from anything we've encountered in our lifetimes. doesn't matter where in the world you are. This is something that we are all dealing with, and we don't know what the future holds. Let me get Trey Ruski on, and then we will begin our topic. What's happening, Jeff? Trey Ruski, glad to have you here. We're going to begin talking about Kenny Rogers and his death. He did not die of the coronavirus, in case some of you believe that he did. He did not. This has nothing to do with the coronavirus. Kenny Rogers was going to die today, whether or not the coronavirus existed. Now, just about everybody here listening to this show is familiar with the song The Gambler, which Kenny Rogers released in 1978. I remember when I first heard it appear on the radio. I was a little boy. I was six years old in 1978. I didn't know much about gambling. I knew my parents went to Vegas and took me when they went. I obviously didn't get to watch them gamble, and they were never very big gamblers. They were recreational blackjack players at low limits, but they, they did go to Vegas uh, a few times a year and always took me. Uh, to be honest, that was the beginning of my fascination with Las Vegas and gambling was just seeing the city of Las Vegas, seeing all the glimmering lights, seeing the casinos we'd walk through. I looked forward to the day when I would be 21 in 1993 to be able to actually do it. Now, a lot of people believe that uh, the words in The Gambler were words that Kenny Rogers had written. Because the way he sings the song, it seems uh, it seems like it's his own. It, it, it seems like it's a story he's telling. You can picture in your head as he as he uh, describes what's going on there. He describes the the old gambler he meets on on a train that uh, gives him advice, goes to sleep, and then dies in his sleep, which Kenny Rogers says. Uh, Earlier in the song was the guy's advice to him that the best thing you can hope for is to die in your sleep. So you, you hear this and you think, okay, this is advice Kenny is putting out through this fictitious character, that, that he wrote all these scenes, that this is really his story. Even if it's a fictional story, it's a story that he put together and that he's singing to you. That's actually not true. What's most surprising about the song The Gambler is that not only didn't Kenny Rogers write it or have anything to do with writing it, but it was actually written by a 25-year-old. Those do not seem like words from a 25-year-old. I will say it's a very wise-sounding song. It sounds like something that would have been written by someone with experience in life. This this was written by a 25-year-old named Don Schlitz. And in fact... After Schlitz wrote this, and John Schlitz is still alive because he was only 25 and he wrote the song. After he wrote it, various musicians sang the song, but it didn't catch on. So Kenny Rogers wasn't even the first one to sing The Gambler. This was not written for Kenny Rogers. Kenny Rogers was the one who made it famous. 
And Don Schlitz then went on to write another song for Kenny Rogers 20 years later, which a lot of you don't know about. But uh, Kenny Rogers even joked that every 20 years I'll record a Don Schlitz song. But uh, he wrote the song The Greatest. That was in 98 and that was not nearly as successful. A little more successful was the song Points of, or Point of Light that was a number three country hit for Randy Travis in 1991. If the term Point of Light sounds familiar, especially thinking of 91, there's a reason for that. That's because this was actually written for President George H.W. Bush, who asked Don Schlitz to write a theme song for his Thousand Points of Light program. So the song was called Point of Light. It was a country song. Randy Travis sang it, and it became a hit. Again, not as big as The Gambler, which uh, not only was a huge hit, but also has endured over the years and has really become an unofficial theme song of poker. Especially, everyone thinks of the line, you got to know when to hold them, know when to fold them. Because Texas Hold'em became so popular. Now, Texas Hold'em was not that popular in 1978. Texas Hold'em exploded in popularity in the late 80s because it was legalized in the state of California in 1987. So Texas Hold'em was actually not popularized by Texas, where there's never been that big of a, uh, of a poker scene. Not by Las Vegas, even though it was played in the World Series of Poker. But that's not what really made Texas Hold'em explode. It was in the late 80s when California made it legal to spread. And the many California card rooms, especially the ones in the L.A. area, spread it and it immediately became very popular. Because the reason Texas Hold'em became so popular was because it's easy to learn. And it also doesn't require a lot of concentration. In Stud, which was the popular game up until Texas Hold'em exploded in popularity – in stud, you always have to be aware of what everybody has. So they, they deal a, a new card to everybody that's up, and you've got to look at everybody's up cards. You've got to figure out what they might have, what they now might have because another card came out. You've, you've got to really think of a lot during a stud hand. Some people at the time derisively called Texas Hold'em the lazy man's poker game. Because you don't have to look at anybody else's hand. You look at your hand, you look at the board, and then you look at your opponent's betting patterns and and whatever their mannerisms are. But that's it. You don't have to look at your opponent's cards. Well, I guess you do have to look at your opponent's cards if you're Russ Hamilton or Mike Postle. (laughs) But barring that, Hold'em is... An easier game from the standpoint of what you have to pay attention to. That's why people like uh, Nanonoko were able to 24-table Texas Hold'em. There's no way to 24-table stud, as you might imagine, So, or, or anything close to that. Anyway, Texas Hold'em became very popular in 87, but this song, you got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them, the, these popular lyrics from The Gambler, were written in, uh, I believe, 1977. You know, the, the song was done by Kenny Rogers in 1978, in 1977, I believe, is when the this, this song was written, or early 78, and uh, Texas Hold'em existed. People played it at the World Series of Poker, but it, as I said, it was not the main game. If you walked into a, a poker room in the 70s, the most popular game at the time was stud. And it 
took a while for that to change. And then Limit Hold'em actually became the popular game. And No Limit did not become a popular cash game until 2003. I was, I remember going to card rooms in the early 2000s and Limit Hold'em was far more popular than any other game, which is kind of hard to picture today. Of course, it's also hard to picture today that Stud was more popular than any other game prior to the late 80s. I was not playing poker in the late 80s. I was not old enough to play poker in the late 80s. I was a teenager then. I was could not do that, nor had I really thought of playing poker in the late 80s. So I guess in a way that song was ahead of its time, but that's that's also what made uh, people think of The Gambler because Texas Hold'em became so popular. And you hear Hold'em, you're, the, like the first time you hear Hold'em, what do you think of? Kenny Rogers. Now you don't think of Kenny Rogers as much because Hold'em's become so normal as the main game in poker. You don't think, oh, like the Kenny Rogers song. You think, okay, Hold'em, that's that's poker to me. But the first time you heard Hold'em described, or the name Hold'em, I'm sure you thought of Kenny Rogers first. And uh, he, he was highly revered by poker players just because of that song. Now, Kenny Rogers licensed his name and likeness out to make additional money. Some artists will do this. Some won't. Often it has to do with their personal finances. Some of them don't uh, save money very well or invest very well, and they have a need to make more money over time. And I I never looked into what Kenny Rogers' finances were. So I don't know if he needed the extra money or if he just uh, chose to get the extra money. It is sometimes hard to turn it down if, this opportunity sitting there, you don't have to do very much, and money just rolls in for li- licensing your name and likeness. But he did have a number of other ventures unrelated to his music. In 1991, he collaborated with the Kentucky Fried Chicken CEO, John Y. Brown Jr., to start up the Kenny Rogers Roasters restaurant chain. It was a chicken and ribs chain, and it was kind of similar to Boston Market. In fact, it even appeared in a Seinfeld episode called The Chicken Roaster. For those of you who are Seinfeld fans, I'm sure you remember that episode. And uh, there are still 156 locations of Kenny Rogers Roasters in the world. So it still exists. It's been going for 29 years. It still exists. I have never eaten in one, <laughs> but uh, I can't give you my opinion of a Kenny Rogers Roasters. But this was one of the many licensing partnerships that Kenny Rogers got involved in. This was basically just uh, using his name and likeness to attract people to the restaurant. And he also put his name on a uh, on a car racing manufacturer called the the it was called the Gambler Chassis Company he uh what else did he do he he oh yeah he he appeared in a Geico commercial in 2014 singing part of the Gambler while he was a dealer in a card game there were Kenny Rogers slot machines in fact a Kenny Rogers slot machine had a small part in the story of my current relationship. The slot machines, you started seeing them around Vegas a lot in the 2000s and early 2010s. Again, it was just a licensing thing. He had nothing to do with the design of the slot machine. 
but it was a Kenny Rogers themed slot machine with his face very prominently featured on it. Uh, when Benjamin's mom came to see me in Las Vegas, uh, it was the first weekend I had seen her or the first time I'd seen her in, uh, over 16 years. We had seen each other in college, but then had fallen out of touch and we reconnected on Facebook and we talked on the phone for three weeks and we were very excited to see each other at this point. We're hoping to start a relationship, but of course we had to see each other in person all these years later and make sure everything went okay because it doesn't really mean anything until you meet in person and everything goes well, no matter how good the phone calls are. So she came to Las Vegas where I was living at the time and uh, one of the things she wanted to do was walk around the strip. She didn't know very Vegas that well. She hadn't been there that many times. I didn't really feel like walking around the strip, especially this was a very hot night in August. It was 100 degrees at midnight. I didn't want to do this, but I didn't want to say no. So, so I walked around with her. We both got very hot walking around the strip at midnight with uh, 100 degrees. Even though no sun was out, it was still very, very hot. And uh, eventually we went inside a casino just to kind of sit down and take a break in the air conditioning. So we, I forgot which casino it was. We just went into a random casino and sat down at uh, a bank of slot machines where it looked like nobody was playing. And we were just talking there. And then a guy stumbles in, really stumbles in, sits down at the slot machine and his head like crashes down on the machine. And it was a bum. I look over and it was a bum stumbled into this casino, which, which it was a strip casino. It wasn't like a trashy casino. I've, I forgot which one it was, but it was, it was some normal strip casino, but this bum came in there to sleep. And he actually went in and sat down at a Kenny Rogers slot machine, <laughs> slammed his head down on the Kenny Rogers machine and fell asleep. And we were kind of amused by this, that he was sleeping on a Kenny Rogers machine <laughs> as we were talking. And I remember saying, that I wonder how Kenny Rogers would feel about his face being used as a pillow for a bum in Las Vegas. But that's what was going on. And it took a long time for security to notice this guy and kick him out. Now, we didn't complain. We just let the bum keep sleeping. But it took probably 20 minutes until the bum was noticed by security and they woke him up and got him out. I remember he was very hard to wake up, too. He was sleeping real deep. That, that's my memory of the Kenny Rogers slot machine. Never played that slot machine. I don't see it anymore. But my memory of it was a bum sleeping on it as I was trying to talk to Benjamin's mom, trying to uh, have the night go well, which it was. It obviously went well, otherwise this uh, relationship wouldn't exist, nor would Benjamin. That's my little memory of the Kenny Rogers slot machine. Kenny Rogers' death was not a surprise. Apparently he's been sick for a while, and he died around his family. So this wasn't one of these things where he just abruptly died and no one was expecting it. He was under hospice care at the time. He lived in Sandy Springs, Georgia. That's where he ended up dying. And that is in the Atlanta area, Sandy Springs. It's a suburb of Atlanta. Actually, there's not going to be a public memorial. They're going to have a small private service, but they're out of respect for uh, preventing the spread of the coronavirus. They are not going to have a public memorial, which they otherwise would have had. So they're just going to have a small private service with very few people. And then uh, sometime in the future, they're going to have a public memorial for him when it's safe for people to gather again. 
But again, this death had nothing to do with the coronavirus. I know you'd think, you know, Kenny Rogers, 81 years old, dies, coronavirus, everyone's concerned about it. It mainly targets old people as far as uh, serious illness and death. So maybe Kenny died of the coronavirus. His family's insisting that's not true, that he was actually already under hospice care and he died of uh, whatever his illness was had nothing to do with the coronavirus, which... I believe just because there's a coronavirus out there killing old people doesn't mean that all old people are dying from the coronavirus. In fact, most people who are dying, most elderly people who are dying are not dying of the coronavirus. Most people are dying of other causes. We just aren't paying attention to those causes because people are going to die every day. And this is just the new thing that's going on. This is the new thing that's killing people, especially older people. Kenny Rogers was born on August 21st, 1938. He died March 20th, 2020, which was yesterday. He lived till 81 and was about five months from turning 82. That is approximately the average age. Actually, he beat it by a little bit. A male in the U.S. Last I looked, the life expectancy was like 77, something like that. So he, he beat it by a little bit. Females, I think it is something like 81. And of course, as you get older, your life expectancy goes up because life expectancy is an average of everybody's lifespan. So every time a baby dies, that really drags it down. If you have someone that, let's say you have two people, one of them lives to 110 and one of them dies as an infant, between those two, the life expectancy is 55, which you think doesn't represent it very well because you had one that lived a very long life and one that had something very unusual happen that died as an infant. So every time someone dies of either uh, some sort of unusual disease very young or more often some sort of accident or drug overdose or violent death at a young age, that drags down the life expectancy. In fact, I have told people not to really look at the U.S. life expectancy versus other first world countries when trying to determine how effective our healthcare system is because the U.S. has more violence, because the U.S. has a drug problem, because the U.S. has an obesity problem. Uh, factors like this drag down the life expectancy where if these don't apply to you, if you're not obese, if you don't do drugs, if you don't drink and drive if you aren't engaging in a lifestyle where you're likely to be a victim of a violent crime like gang violence or whatever like there's a lot of that stuff you can avoid pretty well or completely avoid a lot of these are lifestyle decisions which a lot of this doesn't apply to any of you so i'm saying that uh, you can't judge the healthcare system by a lower number that's dragged down by more people dying of drug overdoses so you have to, when looking at the healthcare system, you have to look at uh, different numbers than life expectancy for the country. Or if you're going to look at life expectancy, you have to throw out deaths related to uh, lifestyle decisions or due to societal impacts which cause premature death. But yeah, 81, it's, it's above average, not by a whole lot, but above average for an American male. Anyway, rest in peace, Kenny Rogers. Obviously opened the show with that song, which is a pretty obvious thing to do, given... What just happened yesterday? And in fact, I probably would not have known about this in time had I done the show yesterday. So good thing I delayed it. 
Okay, so there's a, a husband and wife who listen to this show in Chicago. And one of them is uh, Ballhawknet, the other one's KitKat. And uh, KitKat said to Ballhawknet, so wait, Dreff went to school with Kenny Rogers' mother? How is that possible? He saw Kenny Rogers passed out on his own slot machine? <laughs> KitKat is not listening very carefully. She thought I saw Kenny Rogers passed out on his slot machine that somehow I went to school with his mother. That would have been a real tough one. His mother probably went to school in the 20s, in the 1920s, not the 2020s, the 1920s. And somehow I went to school with his mother 50 years before I was born. That would have been tough. Okay, let's uh, let's move on here. Go to our next topic about online poker. Online poker is one of the few industries that is gaining from the coronavirus and its effects on our economy. Well, just about every other industry is either struggling badly, struggling somewhat, or at least a little bit down. Online poker is one of the few that is now booming. It has benefited from this. The reason is very simple. Because live poker has disappeared. Just about every live poker room has closed. And this means if you want to play poker, you can go to a home game, which I wouldn't recommend. And in fact, it's being strongly discouraged by everybody. They shouldn't go to a home game and spread around the coronavirus. So you can either go to a home game or you can play online. And so the, for the first time really ever, it is considered the right thing to do to play online poker instead of live poker if you want to play poker. Online poker had its popularity during the poker boom, but so was live poker. And online poker had its big boom fueled largely by Chris Moneymaker who turned a like $27 deposit on PokerStars into a $10,000 main event seat in 2003, which he then proceeded to win for $2.5 million. Chris Moneymaker and every man, not a poker pro, he did this. Everybody wanted to be like him. He was a, a perfect, just average guy who had a success story in poker. So this really, really helped online poker's popularity. And poker's popularity in general exploded between Moneymaker and... The World Poker Tour and the World Series of Poker being broadcast on TV with whole cards, which made it a lot more interesting for people to watch. So the you guys know, most of you know about the poker boom, and some of you were around in those days, around poker, I'm saying. All of you were, were around on Earth in those days, but some of you were paying attention to poker then, some of you weren't. But it was hard to miss. It was, even for the average person, it was hard to miss. And I watched the evolution of how I was perceived for being a professional poker player where it went from a thing where I was almost embarrassed to tell people to where a thing when I would mention it, people would think I was just so cool. And they really, really wanted to talk to me and hear about it and get to know me because, wow, you're a professional poker player. Wow, you have a World Series basis. That was like a very, very big thing in the mid-2000s. But now we have the... I wouldn't call it a, a full second boom yet, but we have more people playing online poker now than we've had in many years. Just because if you want to play poker, that's basically what you're forced to do. And the question I keep seeing, I've had people asking me this directly in a private message or Twitter DM or on forums or by text message, the question I'm getting over and over, and I'm seeing asked in public over and over, 
Where should I play? Where is the best place to play online poker? What would you suggest? Where are the best games? Are there any scams I need to watch out for? Are there any sites or apps I need to watch out for? Is this private poker club I've been invited to safe? I've gotten these questions. I've seen these questions posted. In fact, Chicago Joey, I'm not sure if he's done it yet, but he's going to do a video exploring all of this. If he's done it, I haven't seen it. But regardless, I'm going to give you my own take, which will probably have some same opinions as what uh, Joey is going to present and probably have some differences as well. So I'll tell you the different options you have right now as an American. That's what we're going to really cover here. This is a U.S. biased show. So if you're in Europe or elsewhere, you can still get something out of this, but we're not going to discuss things like Poker Stars, which is not available to people in the U.S. And I'm not talking about things like Poker Stars New Jersey or Pennsylvania. That's a different story. So we're going to really talk about the U.S. options, though some of these options are available also to people outside the country. So you'll get something out of this segment anyway. There's various options that you can sign up for or get involved with if you want to play online poker. First, there's just the traditional online poker sites that still serve Americans. The two big ones are Bovada Ignition, and I put them together because uh, they're the same network. It's the same players, same games. It's just a matter of how you get into it, either Bovada or Ignition. I still believe it's the same company anyway, but even if it's not, it's the same network, so I'm going to consider it one site, Bovada Ignition. The other one, America's Card Room. Both of these are flawed sites. Both of these sites do some things I don't like. Both of these sites are places you may run into problems. Different problems, but problems nonetheless. I can't guarantee you're going to have a great experience on either site. Also, getting money on and off these sites is not trivial. You can do it. It's not impossible. It's not super, super difficult, but it's not super easy either. So that's another reason you may not want to play on those. On the very bright side with these sites is they will pay you. If you win, you will almost surely get your money. And that's a very, very big factor, which we'll be discussing during this segment. It's a huge factor that you will get paid. Aside from knowing you're not being cheated, that's the most important factor on these sites is, will they pay me when I win? And if the answer is, well, maybe, or probably not, or a decent chance not, or somewhat of a chance not, if that's the answer, you're playing in a bad place. So I can say that Bovada will pay you. America's Card Room will pay you. And that's the biggest reason to play on one of those two sites. They're big, they've been around a while, and they will pay you. Another option is the legalized online poker site, which may be in your state if you're lucky enough to be living in a state with such sites. Nevada is one of those states. Delaware is one of those states. New Jersey is one of these states. Pennsylvania is one of these states. Other states have legalized it, but there's no appreciable poker that you can find online, so don't bother. It's got to be one of those four states. In Nevada and Delaware, your only choice is WSOP.com. In New Jersey, you have WSOP.com as well, with the exact same player pool as the other two states. 
but you also have options like PokerStars New Jersey, Party Poker. So there's a few sites in New Jersey you can choose from. And in Pennsylvania, there is PokerStars. Not the PokerStars that you were originally used to, but a PokerStars that's only for the state of Pennsylvania, and the only people on there are physically located in Pennsylvania. Now, these sites are legal. These sites will have even a better record with paying you than Bovada and America's Card Room because they have to by law, and you have legal recourse in the country, in, in, in whatever state that you're in, against these sites if they don't. And they are backed by very large, reputable companies. And there are U.S. regulations governing them. So these are good sites to play on if they exist in your state. But for most of you, they do not. Where I am, in California, I cannot play on such a site. California never got that going. They've been trying. It just hasn't happened for reasons I've told you before. So you really have to be in Nevada, Delaware, New Jersey, or Pennsylvania. And most of you probably aren't. If you are, yes, go ahead and do one of the sites. But if you don't want either of these options, either the legalized online poker, probably because you can't access it, or America's Card Room and Bovada, because... I guess maybe you just don't like them or don't trust them or can't get money on. There are other sites that are U.S.-facing, but I wouldn't recommend them. Traditional type online poker sites that are just smaller, including some has-been networks that were big at one time and aren't anymore. If you're going to play on one of those type of networks, like the competition for America's Card Room and Bovada, I can only say just don't. Either play on one of those two or don't at all because those can be very, very unreliable. So I'm not even going to talk about them. But there is a third option that a lot of people are doing, especially since the live card rooms closed down. And that would be the private games. The private games, you cannot just go sign up for. You can't just hit a button and you're there. If you try to sign up to these private sites yourself, you will fail. There is no way to do that. You have to sign up through what's known as an agent. An agent gets you on. An agent takes your money in order to fund your account there. The agent is the one who pays you when you want to withdraw. And how do you find an agent? You just kind of have to find one. They're, they're floating around on Twitter. You may know one who is playing live poker with you that talked about having a room like this. But what are these private rooms? What are they? Well, they exist in a few different forms. There's the form that's known as PP Poker or Poker Bros, two different uh, types of apps. And the, that's an app format where each app has different rooms set up. And each room within the app is operated by somebody different. So if you're playing on PP Poker, for example, there are many different PP Poker rooms within the PP Poker app. So you sign up for one specific room, or multiple ones if you want, but you're dealing with a different agent for each one. The agent gets you on there. The agent handles the deposits and payouts. And then you're in that room with whoever else signed up to that particular PP Poker room. 
There's many PP Poker rooms out there, but they all function independently. And if one of them screws you, you can't go to PP Poker and complain. It's not like a network. It's it's really uh, kind of a platform where different little independent private poker rooms are running. Now, who do you have to trust? You have to trust two people. Number one, the person who is actually running that poker room within PP Poker. And you have to trust the agent you're dealing with. And these are two different people usually. There's the person running the room, and then there's the agent. Now, when the agent collects money from you, he gives the money to the person running the room. So if the person running the room decides he's just going to run off with all the money, guess what? You're screwed. Even if you have a an agent that is very reliable, if the person running that room is not reliable, then the agent will tell you, hey, guess what? The guy running the room ran off with it, and I can't do anything for you. Also... If the agent screws you, often you will be screwed. Sometimes the person running the room will back it, but usually not, especially if it's a lot of money. So PP Poker, it was uh, – the good thing is that it's written by a third party. So it's the – it's an app that the person running the room doesn't have physical access to. So for what we discussed uh, with a guy who came on here from Lebanon about uh, how you can scrape the memory – and uh, introduce your own little cheat on any poker room you run. At least that won't happen on PP Poker because the owners of these PP Poker rooms do not have any access to that. It doesn't run on their system. So that's the good thing. The bad thing, number one, you have to trust the agent and the guy running the room. And number two, how much do we really know about the authors of PP Poker? What if the authors of PP Poker or perhaps the people they hired to write the app have seen how it has proliferated and how much real money is being bet back and forth? What if they wrote a backdoor into it and have decided to victimize it? It's very hard to tell, especially because there's so many different separate rooms all operating independently. So it's not even like uh, someone can do an audit and see that one guy is killing it beyond belief and figure out that he's cheating. You can't do that because these are all separate little rooms. And that that's why if someone were to be doing this, if someone who wrote PP Poker, or even the uh, the owner of the PP Poker app has a back door in it and is uh, going around to individual PP Poker rooms and signing up or having their friends sign up and, and killing people, seeing how much money there is to be made doing this, of which right now there's a lot, uh, not only would you have no recourse, it would be hard to detect, it would be hard to prove. So that's a risk. And you may say, well, what, what about Bovada? They, their software developers could be doing the same thing. Or America's Cardroom, their software developers could be doing the same thing. Yes, but if that were happening, at least the site might catch it. If Bovada sees some guy who's won a million bucks this month, they may say, wait a minute. How is this guy winning a million bucks on a site where the limits are kind of like mid to high limits at most? There's no nosebleed stakes. You're going to win a million a month. How is this guy doing it? And then they might take action. Here on PP Poker, these are all separate little rooms, so there's no such action to take, nor is there any kind of visibility as to who is playing there. So someone could be victimizing a ton of different rooms, cheating, and the rooms are all independent, so they don't know. So that's that's a big flaw, and that's where the author of the app or the developers that the app owner hired to make the app could be exploiting it at this point, and you would have, you would never know. There's also a much higher chance on these apps of collusion. 
Because, again, these all operate independently. They don't have a security team analyzing hands. Believe me, none of this goes on. The, quote, security on these apps, of these PP poker rooms, are basically the owner. <laughs> it's basically the owner of the room. If he notices some suspicious pattern between a few players, or if it's reported to him and he observes it, then maybe he'll take action. But there's also a lot of false accusations against people in poker for collusion. I've been accused before falsely of collusion. I've been accused falsely of hacking before, that I'm hacking the poker uh, software and that's how I'm winning. Like I've, I've had those accusations thrown at me by fish who don't understand that they're losing to me either because they're unlucky or because they're just not good. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Something just happened here. Is, is there a, a th- another individual on this show, one that just appeared? What? Yeah, I'm looking for a Todd Whittles. Is there a Todd Whittles on the line? No. Not only is he not on the line, he doesn't <laughs> exist at all. There's no Todd Whittles now, anytime, anywhere, or ever has lived or ever will live. I guarantee you that. In, in 500 years, when you guys listen to this in the archives... There will still not have been a Todd Whittles in history, and you can look that up. You can look that up over time. Calwatt, welcome to the show. Hey, man. Good to, good to be talking to you again. How are you doing? Well, um, considering the circumstances, I'm okay. I don't have the coronavirus, and uh, I don't own a restaurant or a hotel. But and you are in the poker industry. I, I, I am, is- but, the, but I play online poker, so that's not that bad. Oh, that's true. You're actually, you're actually really, really lucky. You're like one of the the outliers, you know. Yeah, that's that's one worry I haven't had. I haven't like uh, well, I, there there is one financial worry I do have, which we'll get to later. But uh, as far as poker, I'm actually not worried. I mean, yes, it it kind of sucks. I was enjoying going to commerce and I was on a good streak there. But uh, right. online poker has improved big time, and that's mainly what I play. So from that, can you imagine, like? going to a casino it'd be the worst place in the world like all of the tuberculosis and everything that's all over the chips is going to be there's going to be coronavirus on it too and just you're sliding it back and forth well that's why i quit two months ago before oh yeah close i was like i looked i just i was just sitting there at commerce it was on the day kobe bryant died and it was it was dead there at commerce and people are going oh i bet people aren't showing up today because kobe just died and they're depressed they don't really want to play poker and i go yeah, but there could be one other reason why people aren't coming here. And then I looked around, yeah. and some of the Asian people had masks on. I'm like, okay, I'm never coming back here. That's it. Until this yeah. is over, I'm not coming back. It's, <laughs> I, I, I don't care if I've won nine of my last ten sessions with with good quality wins. No, I'm just I'm not doing it. So I I just uh, wouldn't do it. Okay, hold on. We we have a we have a call here, and I've had a hard time adding calls here because the Skype's turned into All a piece right. of shit. But let's see if let me call this person back. I've had such a hard okay. time adding calls. I think I know who it is, and I want to take their call. But, it's uh, not the guy who's been texting me, is it? Hopefully it is. But no, I, <laughs> oh, dear God. So, Trederski, while he tries to figure this out, I got a random text from someone today, so, like an unknown number that I'd never known before. It says, hi, are you a girl? It's okay, no need to worry, I'm a safe person. <laughs> this person's like, says, I love girls. <laughs> and then he sends me some pictures of himself, and he says, want to hear a fart? I love girls who fart. You want to hear my farting? And he's like sending me a video of him farting, and he says, "I want to curl the fart on my face." Caller, you're you're Hello? on. You're on the air, caller. Yes. Hello. Is that Brian yeah. Mycon? Yeah. It's kind of Brian Mycon. It's uh, it's it's a Brian Mycon who likes guys. No, it's nothing like Brian Mycon. Believe <laughs> okay. me. <laughs> okay. So one step, you said you wanted to announce something on here. Um. 
Would yeah, you I forgot. One step. Huh? Do you do him? Would you do Brian Mycon? No. No. Is that your thing? Is that what? What are they called? A, a, a twit or a, what is it? A douchebag. A douchebag. <laughs> a twink. Is that what you're thinking of, uh, Cal? No, but Bri- Bri- Mycon's twink. not a twink though. He's too old to be a twink. He's way too old. Mycon's not a twink. What's no, the he's way too for old. Being a twink. Good question. Uh, these are all really good questions. Um, but my concern here is. Uh, how my future fundraising threads are going to be affected by this uh, <laughs> by this issue we have here. Well, you know, you, it may not be that bad. It may not be that bad one step because there are online poker players remaining on Poker Fraud Alert, and since online poker is doing so well now, there may be people who have extra money to donate to your fund to go meet Twinks. Now, now you can't meet them in Vegas anymore because the hotels are closed, so that that's out. Well, well, that's that's the thing. Um, Hypothetically, if if they are open in mid May, can I get a a comp finally from you for, for like four or five nights? I've explained this before. If I'm not present, I can't comp anything. That's the first thing. The second thing is I have a hard time getting comps for myself now. I have other people who listen to this show comp me. It's the other way around now. They're helping right. me get rooms. I can't. I can't. Right, I can't right. even comp myself anymore. These are all excuses. What I'm hearing right now. Well, they're good um, excuses. The fact is that I've been asking for years now, and I've put in work, so to speak, on the site here, providing amazing content, and I'm getting nothing in, in return. And I think it's about time that, you know, sort of, uh, you know, sort of a good word, one hand washes the other, so to speak. So, Well, speaking of washing nice, hands. You know, as, oh. long as, as long as it's not in Circus Circus, any other hotel would be fine. Well, now, speaking of washing hands, um, I'm wondering here, do you have any issue with uh, meeting Twinks now and going to stairwells with them because of the coronavirus? It's, uh, are you worried about getting infected when you're, you're going to meet guys like yes. this? No, I'm not worried about getting infected. I'm worried that it's been 17 days and I haven't slept. So, you haven't, um, wait, you haven't slept in 17 days? No, I haven't fucked in seven. Oh, days. yeah, fuck. Okay, I think they haven't slept. Um, well, okay, that's. It has it gotten a lot harder. I, I would have rather. I would have rather had that than the other way around. So, so are, are they not meeting you? Is that is that the problem? They don't want to meet you yes. because of the coronavirus. Yes. Oh boy. Yes, they're sort of held up. Some in the city. Um, one in particular, and um, I don't know when. When's the next time we're going to meet up? Because apparently the fucking sky is falling. So. You see that draft? Everyone is suffering. Look at this. Look at this. Yes. I've actually thought about this. You know, I think this probably affects straight guys too. I have a feeling women don't want to meet up uh, either anymore, like unless it's a guy they're already with. I disagree with that. I disagree with my my roommate, my female roommate, who was looked like a bum the entire week. um, Got herself all dolled up Friday. uh, You know, took a shower, did her hair, left Friday night. She still hasn't been home, probably getting <laughs> railed uh, on the regular. Um, but, but you know, I'm still here because, uh, you know. So you think it's only the gays that don't want to get together, it's, it's, that, that the females are okay with doing it? I, I don't know. I don't know, but I don't know why you would leave uh, for days uh, other than... But I think she, she's probably unusual. See, I, I can't imagine that women see this differently. I think everybody is afraid here. I think I think it's affecting straight men too. I, I would think women would be more concerned about That's it what like I'm in general. Right, because, because... I, hate to, I, I hate to generalize, but most of the men that I know are slobs compared to most of the women. Well, that not I only know, that, men know? men have a stronger sex drive, so I could see if it's two yeah. dudes getting together, they're willing to take the chance, right. like you are. Where the women, I like, think, the, I think the women will be like, "No, I that's okay. Know. I'll wait till it's done." I don't know if that's actually true. 
Yeah. I think that you uh, sort of being uh, misogynist a little bit as well. What? Um, no, come on. Men, men have a far... When you need, have a no, come on. Men, men have a far stronger need, sex drive. It's not even close. When you, when you need dick, you need dick. And I can definitely attest to that. So No, but you're a guy, though. See, that's the point. You, you have the drive for that because you're still a guy, even if you want other dudes. See, the women, they now, this is not true for all of them, but most of them have a much lower sex drive than men do. And that's why, like, if, okay. if, if a woman posts an ad on, on, uh, Craigslist or wherever and says, Hey, I'm willing to meet tonight, no strings attached sex, no money, just let's just go fuck. Then like, she'll get literally like a thousand answers or more. If a guy posts the same thing, he'll get zero answers. That, yeah, but that I would, makes, I would fuck, that makes sense. I would fuck a giant biological. peanut butter right now. Right? That, that makes sense from a biological perspective. Well, hey, you know, I, I got a tip for you one step. Get yourself like a nice watermelon or cantaloupe, hollow it out, put it in the microwave to get a little bit warm, and then go for it. All right. Yeah, I have I have a jar of peanut butter that I'm I'm really getting being tempted right now. That's fucking that's nasty, man. The, well, the <laughs> thing is though, one step you, you may need butter. this peanut butter later for for food. Are you sure you don't want to waste it like that? You're turning it into penis butter, man. God, so once God. you do that, you can't use it for food anymore. That's it. Yeah, well, food, is, food is very it's precious. Be hard now. times, right? I mean, you're going to have to start. You know, that, who that's knows? That's an assumption, Druff. Yeah. Druff, you might be holed up. You might have to eat. You know, some ramen noodles or something like that. I want to know one step. Like, if it gets, how dry does it have to get before you might turn to women? Like, would you? Would you ever? You know, just do a girl just because you got to do something. Um, no, my, my roommate, like I said, my roommate, um, is not really that attractive. Uh, otherwise I would have already, you uh, that. approached her with, I would have approached her with this, uh, arrangement, Got it. but, um, so you're being, yeah, picky. like, well, no, I mean, like, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how much longer this, this might go, but drop, nice. like, seriously, you need to, you need to hook me up with, with, with the hotel this year, especially this year, because it'd be really cheap. And, uh, you know, it shouldn't be that hard. To, I can't, no I can't give you what I don't have. You know, to, to I, do. I can't give you what I don't have. I can't even get enough for myself. I, of course, I've got to be ahead yeah, of everybody else. Listen, you, you use the same excuse since 2016. You, it's already enough. Like, you got to... Well, that's what's yeah. happened. That's like, what's happened. I don't get comps anymore. i got to count on other people who I appreciate. I appreciate the people who help me. I appreciate it very much, but I can't say to All them, right. so I can't then, say to them, so help me and one step. I, pony up in the fundraising thread next time. Well, they can, right? they can so if they like. I mean, I, I let you post the thread. I don't. I don't stop that. Right, right. I just, I just don't think you're doing your part. That's all. I, that's I've, all. I've done a lot here. So, one step. Okay. Uh, you said you had some announcement, though. What happened to that? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I forgot. To be honest. <laughs> Great. It seems so important. Now you don't remember what yeah. it was. How come I remember it better than you? Yeah, I, I don't know because you remember things from 1982. Does it have to do not, with uh, lobster you know. mac and cheese? Huh? Does it have to do with lobster mac and cheese by any chance? No, 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 no. I was, I, I just, I just wanted to to let everyone know that, you know, I need, I need as tough as 2020 has been. I need, you know, uh, the the listeners here to sort of open up their wallets and their hearts to. To my endeavors this year. That's well, watch, watch who's doing well in online poker. Everybody else may be struggling, but if you watch who's doing well in online poker, you might have a shot with these people. That's my suggestion. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm glad you once again are coming to me empty-handed. Anyway, well, 
At least, I, at least, at least I'm, uh, I'm allowing my site know. to be utilized for this. At least it's not empty-handed. I'm allowing you try this in two plus two. Mason will delete mm-hmm. it in like two seconds. Right, right. I I don't know how that's any solace in my situation. Because at right least now. you but, you can post it here. This, um, I'm allowing my forum to be used for this. That's a big thing. Okay, okay. It's huge, it's huge thing. All right. Thanks for your time. Thousands you have a great, of dollars of free advertising. Great weekend. Okay. Thank you. I, I give this guy a chance to spam on my forum, and he still doesn't appreciate it. It's very sad. It's tough all over, Druff. It's tough all over. I've, I've allowed know? this. For, I mean, I've allowed this for years too. It's not just now. My my heart bleeds for the guy. Like he can, you know. I mean, <laughs> I, I did think of this not not from the gay standpoint, but I, I did think about like if I was single, would this? Mm. It, it probably would be very hard to get women who would want to go out and also i may not want to i think of it, i may i may actually choose not to if i were single now so i i don't know i was yeah. thinking like if i was single how would i approach this would i just not, like not have sex for months or would i get frustrated attempting to make this happen because the women would, don't want to meet up like it would be tough i feel bad for people who don't have uh someone living with them with whom they have a sexual relationship otherwise uh they may not have sex at all and this is not being discussed anywhere but well i think it's important to think about. as many married people will tell you <laughs> just just living with someone of the opposite sex doesn't mean that you're getting laid well that's, that, that's why i say this it's it's you have to have someone with whom you're having a sexual relationship which in some cases your your wife you're not having a sexual relationship with her anymore that's just uh that's done well the, well the definition of that may change over time how about that <laughs> <laughs> well uh, anyway, let's. Uh, that was the, the one step call. I, I had a feeling it was one step. But uh, anyway, going back to this, these uh, poker rooms, that mm. the, these private poker rooms. Uh, Calwatt, have you heard much about these rooms? These PP poker and ones like that. PP poker? No. Oh, okay. you're talking about all the online rooms that the, are popping up. Those or, little, or those mean? little one app based rooms and. Uh, the, the the private ones you need an agent to get into, not ones like Bovada or Ignition. But yeah, uh, no, I've, I've I've heard of them. I haven't participated yeah. in any of them, but I've heard of them. Yeah. So I was when you, when you joined, I was in the middle of discussing this. But I I as you guys might be able to tell from what I was saying before Calwatt joined us and One Step called in and all that. As I was saying there, these things are not safe. They're not safe from several perspectives, and they're getting very popular. Because what's happening is that people who are former live players, they can't play anymore, they know other live players. And they text or call these live players and say, hey, uh, are you playing anywhere online? And then they'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm an agent for such and such PP poker room. Or this other guy we played with, he's an agent. Go through him. That's what I'm doing now. And they join these things. And the games are good. I'll admit the, the upside is that the games are better than you will find on Bovada and Ignition or America's Card Room or WSOP.com. The games will be best on these things. But the, there's a few problems. Number one, you don't know if you're being cheated in some way. Number two, there's pretty much no security department regarding collusion. I would expect collusion would be so rampant right. in those things. Right. And number number three... You may not get paid. You you may have a crooked agent that doesn't pay you. The right. room may have someone running it that is going to screw both you and the agent. Or I've even seen examples of where everybody's honest, but you still don't get paid because it's mismanaged. And I'll give you an example. Let's say there's a huge fish on there who just is shooting off money. So let's say the fish deposits $10,000 to the agent and just shoots it off and the fish is awful and everyone's thanking the agent for bringing this guy there. 
the fish is, well, I want to reload, but I have no way to get you the money immediately. Can you can you float me ten thousand? And the agent says, well, okay. So they, they and they discuss it with the, the site owner. They decide to float the guy ten thousand because he's such great action there. The fish always gets the float. So Same the fish with gets, the, the private games. Yeah. Yes. So so let's say the fish buys in at that point on credit, and let's say he buys in fifty k more on credit and loses it all. And then the fish decides, you know what? I don't like this. I have a feeling I got cheated. Now, he wasn't cheated. The truth was the fish just sucked and lost because he wasn't as good as the other players. But he thinks if he lost this much money, he must have been because it was cheating. So he's just not going to pay. And he says, F you. Yep. You guys cheated me. I'm not sending you the 50K. Well, now you have accounts that uh, have this money, these chips that were won off this fish. But now there's 50K missing from what the owner is holding. So, and I'm, I'm guessing these owners are not FDIC insured, and they they probably right. don't, so, have, so, so, don't so, have all that money back backed away, right? So, so what happens is you have a lot of times the owner just shuts down the room and uh, says, "Okay, forget it," or they'll stall people and hoping that maybe over time, if it generates enough rake, he can cover it. But uh, a lot of times, you just never see your money, and the fish is blamed. Sorry, the fish screwed us. Uh, he ran off and, and and said we were cheating him. Sorry, you're not getting this money. Like I, I've like, seen rooms- it's like the old time grifters stuff, where they would roll from like town to town, and whenever the heat got too hot, you know, they would just roll up their carpet and leave. That's why they're carpet baggers. You know? Yes, and and that happens too. Where where uh, a a crappy PPO PP poker room shuts down, and then. They reopen again and with different agents, and you think it's a different person behind it, and it's really not. It's the same thing over and over again. There, there's so many different ways you can get screwed on this. Now, is it guaranteed you're going to get screwed? Of course not. Is it possible you'll have a great experience where the games are very soft and you'll beat them and get paid? Yes, that's possible. I've also heard reports on some of these rooms where these smaller players get paid and the bigger players don't because there's no point to cheat a guy out of 50 bucks. If uh, it's going to ruin your reputation, but if you can cheat someone out of ten thousand dollars, that might be worth ruining your reputation. So that's uh, yeah. especially multiple people of ten thousand dollars. So that that's another thing is that the bigger you play, the higher chance these sites uh, these are not going to pay you. And then there's also been the bogus cheating accusations. This is the flip side of the poor security: is that not only won't they catch or won't they take seriously allegations of collusion, but if they don't feel like paying you. They may say that you were colluding or you were cheating and they're not paying yep. you. And then you, you complain about it and they go, oh, this guy's just a cheater and is mad we caught him. And believe it or not, that, that works with some people. Now, if you're a very respected, well-known player out there, then that'll make the room look really bad. But if you're not that well-known, who's going to know who's telling the truth? Yep. And again, you can publicize it. You can try to shame them. You can try and do whatever. But they may just like close up shop and move on. You know? Yeah. So that's 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 the weakness with these app-based private rooms that where they they all run off the same app, but they're all little independent rooms. There's so many different points that you can get screwed or get cheated in the game that I don't feel it's worth it, even if these are good games. Now, what about private sites? Private sites are ones that are run uh, they run on someone's computer. And, poker uh, fraud, or, poker poker fraud, fraud alert, alert has one running a private site. Right, right? we're running a private site, except not for real money. Well, you can w- win real money, but you can't lose real money. But uh, ones like that. What is the vulnerability there? Well, you should know if you listen to one of our recent shows where we had a guy on from Lebanon who successfully was able to write a tool for the Poker Maven software, which is what we use 
that allows anyone who logs into the tool to see whole cards. And it was demonstrated for me. It worked. <laughs> and uh, so, like, Belly Buster could be... Me out. Belly Buster could... Belly Buster... Found me out. Well, that's... Now we know how Cowboy's been winning all these times he's been playing. But <laughs> the... the Bellybuster could be running that now, for all you know. Bellybuster could be running it for CalWatt to log in and do it. Very easy. Anyone can ro- log in remotely. It's not just the person running it on their computer. It can also be used to log in remotely. So that vulnerability was seen. And what that guy from Lebanon said who came on here was, was very accurate with what he said, as did the Poker Maven's author who posted on Poker Fraud Alert about this subject. They all agreed that any site that someone runs on their own computer that they could write an exploit to it to where they can see whole cards, even if that's not a feature of the software, which it really usually would not be, that people can write outside tools that scan the memory or uh, or, or do one of many other things to yeah. to, to see what, what the whole cards are and then display them in some way either to themselves yeah. or to friends who want to log in to a tool to see that. So that is a vulnerability a, with these a basic, sites. A basic tenet of security druff is that if someone has access to your machine and, and a login like that, that all bets are off. Right, right. So that's <laughs> so, All bets are just off. So while the PP poker thing, that one is less likely to be happening because it's an app that is run by a third party where people are creating independent rooms within it. Uh, the, the rooms like uh, uh, Neighborhood Club and uh, what's, what's the other club? There's another one that's, that's – uh, the name's escaping me now. I, uh, King's Club, that's it. King's Club, Neighborhood Club. Those are run on, uh, on computers, and the, the person who's running it actually has it on their system – and they could be ripping you off this way, or their friends could be ripping you off this way. Even if there hasn't been a tool written for those rooms, that, that doesn't mean that one has not been. It's just we haven't found out about it. So there, as the guy who was on Poker Fraud Alert said, and he's right, as CalWatt just said, if the person has access to the machine where it's running, they can easily do it and it's undetectable. So that's that's a big risk there. You also have the same risk of not being paid either by a shady agent or by someone who's running it that just is shady and is just not going to pay you. Truff, help me out here. Who the fuck is going to play on these things? Oh, like, P- seriously. They've gotten, like, so the, the, they've gotten very, very popular, ever, especially since the coronavirus shut down all these live rooms because does, word of mouth does spreads. Does no one remember Full Tilt Poker? Does no one remember all of these other like actual companies that were relatively reputable that still fucked everybody? This this is what happens. I'll tell you. I, I, I've watched it happen before. I've I've seen people try to get me into playing on them, and I refuse. Is mm-hmm. that you know? Let, let's say just a John Smith, who's a guy you know f- from the poker room that seems like a very nice and reputable guy, and you've known him for years. And you say, I can't picture John Smith cheating me. And you may be right about John Smith. He may not cheat you. So John mm-hmm. Smith is is pushing this this private game, this private online game he has access to. And you just deposit and cash out through him. And from what you know of John, you just can't picture him ever ripping you off. So you, And then you say, well, wait a minute, John. You're just the agent for it. Well, and John says, oh, no, no, no. The guy who's running, he's a very solid guy. I know him. He's great. Blah, blah, blah. And then you say, okay, well, if John vouches for him, if it, John's not guaranteeing the money, but if, if John believes this guy's solid and I believe John's solid, what can go wrong here? And I told this you something. This is the Phil Hellmuth uh, theory, right? right. It's kind of like that. So, uh, <laughs> so that—that's how it's happening. That's a, they, they, yeah. like you feel you have a personal connection with the agent in some way, and somehow the whole thing seems a lot more 
legit. And but also what they I mean talk is it up. What kind of person is doing this? Like a, a, a serious professional, I would have a hard time believe believing would do this. I mean, and well, they do. Like, <laughs> really? Yes. I mean, yes. Uh, or I could see like if someone is like a degenerate gambler and they just can't help it and they want their fix. Like I could see that. But someone who takes it seriously, are they really? They're really doing that. Yes, really? because the games are good, and they think they trust the agent. The agent trusts the person who runs it, and and they just talk themselves into believing it. Also, this was brought up on Twitter when Fox. I was discussing. I was discussing this matter on Twitter. The people on Twitter are saying how, to how me, "How many times do these people have to get fucked? Like it's crazy." Right. Well, I have people saying to me, "Well, look what Phil Full Tilt did. We all trusted them. Look what happened. Look what UB did. People trusted them. Look what happened. Look what Lock Poker did. Like they're saying, well, look, these rooms screw people too. So why not? Play? All these you're taking a risk. So why why even bother? Because it's a different amount of risk. And like, look at Bovada and Ignition, <laughs> which I've, I've had a lot of complaints about them over the years. But the truth is, they've been around for 20 years." Literally 20 years. They started in 2000. They've been around for 20 years. And one thing you've never heard about Bovada and Ignition, yes, their payment processors will skim 80 bucks out of your cash out, and it's frustrating. But one thing you've never heard is that you win, they just don't pay you. Never. You don't ever hear that. America's Card Room. They, they have a lot of bots. They don't do much about the bots. Uh, the, the owner goes back and forth between being very concerned with his site and disappearing for months. Uh, their tournaments crash all the time. They get DDoS all the time. Does it have problems? Yes. But what don't you hear about America's card room? That you can't get your money off when you win. Right. You, you, get, you win, you get your money there. You get your money on Bovada. You get your money on America's card room. And I think the chance of Bovada just folding up and just disappearing with your money is very, very low. Not impossible, but very low. America's card room, same thing, especially when they're booming so much with, uh, with, with so many more people right now. Uh, so that's, that's a huge, huge factor. And I, I trust everything overall on those two sites far more than I trust any of these private sites. And you also have to look at the consequence. Okay. So let's say Bovada just, someone has $50,000 on there and Bovada says, you know what? We're just going to keep his money. We're going to make up that he cheated and just keep his money. Well, what's that person going to do? They're going to show up everywhere online and be very, yep. very loud about what happened to them. And especially if they're a known person, a known winner, a known respected person in the community. But even if they're not, they're going to make very, a lot of noise about it. And it's going to hurt Bovada's reputation. And Bovada may lose more than $50,000 of business over time. Uh, than whatever they're stealing from that person. So this is a big disincentive for them to do it. These tiny poker clubs, or they, they have much more of an incentive to steal because they don't have this 20-year reputation to protect. They don't, they don't have a huge oper- operations reputation to yeah. protect. Shame doesn't work when you don't give a shit. Like, right. Shame just does not work when you don't give a shit. But, I mean, okay, so if you're a professional and you're going into this and you know that there is a good chance that you could get ripped off, but you're doing it anyway because you consider it a calculated risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you're being dumb, but okay. But I just I find it really hard to believe that people are going into this not knowing that there's a good chance that they're just going to get totally screwed. I think they're know? I think they're delusional. They th- they know there's a chance. Most people who play this know. If you ask them, is there a chance you're going to get screwed here? They would just about all say yes. But I think a lot of them delude themselves into saying, well, but you do anywhere. Anywhere except for the regulated sites. Like Bovada, there's always that chance. America's Card Room is always that chance. So, okay, if we're going to take the chance, might as well take it in the place that uh, that has the better games. So that's that's the way they're thinking. 
I bet they wouldn't wear a condom in, in Bangkok either. I mean, <laughs> that's a good comparison. That's a great comparison. That's a great comparison that, uh, if you meet some girl who's had, uh, four sexual partners her whole life and, and you don't wear a condom, that it's not the same thing as a prostitute in Bangkok that, uh, you don't wear a condom. That's a good comparison. I, I mean, you know, look, everything in life is risk, okay? So I understand that. But the, the risk here just seems ridiculously high. I mean, I don't know. If you know that and you're good with that and you can accept losing everything that you put in there and you're hoping to just hit it big and get in get out, you know, all right, I think you're being dumb, but okay. But again, like people who don't think that this is a massive risk are completely delusional. Yes. Completely. Yes, that's, yeah. that's exactly my attitude about it. That's why I won't touch them. Yeah. And, and there's been times... Now, at least the, the ignition games now are a lot more active. But there were times when it was kind of dead on there prior to the coronavirus. And mm. I was thinking, well, it's kind of tempting. You know, I know people who've been urging me to get on these sites. It's been kind of tempting. Maybe I'll just do the calculated risk and know that there's a chance that I'll get cheated or not get my money. But I always, like, common sense prevails and I say, no, I'm just not going to do it. I'm just, I, I, I can't bring myself to actually do it because the risk is just too high. And I said, right, though, people are going to get more and more desperate as as they're unable to play live more and more. And the coronavirus is, you know, cut off other avenues of them doing stuff. I think you're right. They're going to get more and more desperate. More and more people are going to play online. Unfortunately, more and more people are going to then rip them off. Like, I mean, there have already been people busted, busted making fake hand sand and crap like that. You know, there's going to be tons of people that are going to try to hustle and, you know, get uh start these games up themselves just to rip people off, you know? There's another factor, too, about why people are joining these, and that is it's easier to get money on and off, if, of course, provided they pay you, but it's mm-hmm. easier to just hand money to your agent or transfer, do a bank transfer or a Zelle over to your agent, and then they put money on. To get money on Bovada or Ignition, it's a lot tougher. A lot of times your credit card fails. A lot of times there's only... $500 you can put on at once. Uh, with Bitcoin, some people don't understand how to use it or they have trouble just buying Bitcoin or buying Bitcoin quickly. Uh, th- there's a lot of different hurdles to getting money on these sites. Not impossible, but there's hurdles to getting money on Bovada and Ignition that don't exist with these private sites. So I've, I've heard people say, well, I would play on Bovada or America's Card Room, but it's too hard to get money on there. It's too much of a pain in the ass. I'm just going to – it's so easy with these private sites through this agent. I'm just going to do it that way. I've seen people say that too, and I understand it, and that's why I leave I leave a sufficient bankroll on Bovada when I play on there because uh, I don't want to bust and have that hassle. I know how to get it on. It's just a, it is a hassle, so I, I leave a sufficient bankroll, which I don't think I'm going to bust, and this way I don't have to hassle with it. I just when I run it up enough to where I feel I can withdraw the excess and still have enough to feel comfortable playing, then that, that's when I withdraw. And I have the feeling Traderuski is probably playing on these sites. What do you think, Druff? You think he's playing on? I them? don't know. He plays a lot of Bovada. So Traderuski, what what is the story? Do you play on those? Or you just stick to Bovada. I think he's all over the PT. I network. really haven't. <laughs> have not heard of PP. Although I do have to pee with all this talk of PP. <laughs> but um, no, Bovada's been good, and the tournaments have been like double or triple the amount of players for the yeah, last I'm four sure. or five days. Yeah, there's there's really been well. So let's talk about the explosion of uh, players online ever since this started. So, for example, uh, let me read you some state rooms first. New Jersey, 
New Jersey, WSOP.com has a seven-day average of 425 players. They have uh, 190 players, seven-day average on PokerStars, New Jersey, and Party Poker, 95. However, with the 24-hour peaks, 842, I've never seen it this high on WSOP.com, 591 on PokerStars, New Jersey, and 247 on uh, on Party Poker, New Jersey. Uh, taking a look at, uh, at Pennsylvania. So that means at any given time, that's how many people on average are online are, are, simultaneously. Are, are, are sitting at cash games. Uh, P- okay. Pennsylvania, because there's only poker stars there, they are averaging about a thousand cash players and, uh, and the, with a peak of 1500. Mm-hmm. So that's, uh, that's way up from before. Uh, I, I think because it's so hard to monitor Bovada, I think it's what, uh, what about global poker? I've got a buddy of mine who's a a sports better and a poker player for both for a living, and he said he started sign, signed up on global poker, started playing there. Are they all right? Uh, global, I'm not sure if that can be monitored. Let me see if they can monitor that. Global, I'm not seeing on this list. But I mean, do you know anything about them? Have you? Heard I, I know like, about like, them, but I don't. I've never been on there, and they're not on the list of traffic, so that uh, mm-hmm. I can't answer that. But uh, yeah, the numbers are all up, and Bovada is uh, definitely more active than it was before. I've definitely noticed that in the last few days in the games I've been playing. And it, it's really just gone up everywhere. And if you look, e- even Phil Galfon's site is improving. <laughs> Everything, oh is, every, even, even, the, even he's getting some traffic from this. So everybody's playing more online poker around the world. And... It's uh, the winning poker network, which uh, can be monitored because they don't have anonymous tables. They are averaging uh, about 2,000 players and over 2,000 for the peak. And that they've, they've about doubled their traffic. Before that, the average is about 1,000. So it's, it's really increased, and it's just going to keep increasing because people are going to start going through withdrawals from poker, and it'll start to sink in. It's going to be a while until these rooms reopen. And they're going to go, right. okay, well, I've got to play, and I guess i got to play online, and then some will go to Bovada, some will go to America's Card Room, some will go to these private rooms. And Well, you also, you also may just have a bunch of people that are just, you know, regular Joes or Janes or whatever, and they normally would be working, but now they got nothing to do. That's another thing, yes. They're shut down, and they're like, hey, you know, online poker is legal in my state. I might as well give it a shot. Even, in, even those who are still working... On the weekends, they're like, okay, now what do I go do? <laughs> Everything's closed. Yeah. So, yeah, right. so what do I do with myself? I can sit around and watch TV or, or surf yeah. the internet all day, or I, I can maybe I'll try playing online poker. Yeah, it's it's yeah. only going to help online poker, and I've, the games have improved. The games have uh, more players. I, I have noticed that there's an increase in number of pros sitting at the table, too. I can tell by the play styles. But overall, the games are better, the games I've been playing, and I'm, I'm happy to see that part. Uh, when when will the rooms open again? I, I think it's going to be quite some time because not only do we have to be past this whole thing, but it has to be judged that we're far enough past it to where reopening these things is not going to bring on the problem again. Uh, Drew, do you think Steve Wynn wishes that he was a little friendlier to online poker right, right about now? Yeah, yeah, and, and uh, Sheldon Adelson probably too. And Sheldon Adelson <laughs> and all those guys. You think they're? I, I, mean, I think they're she, just shut down. Well, I think she, I, I think Sheldon close. actually believe it. Sheldon is so obsessed with hating online poker that yeah. I think he has probably found a way to convince himself that he still doesn't regret it. But uh, Steve Wynn, well, he's not 
in charge anymore. But I think the, that uh, when the company is probably frustrated that they didn't get more into the online poker thing. You know, it's it's funny, Drew. We were talking about like playing live and everything, and I I was actually just down in Australia, and I'd never been. I've been to Australia before, but I'd never been to Melbourne. And there's a. Uh, I was right near the the Crown Casino in Melbourne. I was like, I, I could have walked to it. And so it was like um, late February to into the first week in March. So the coronavirus was like going on, but it wasn't like crazy all over the place like it is now. And even then, I was just like, nah, like I'm good. I'm not going to bother. Go Like that would be one of the worst things in the world that I could ever think of doing is sitting at the table with people that are like shoving chips and cards back and forth and blowing their nose and coughing on them. I mean, forget it. The very know? last time I played live or was in any casino was in early February. It was during yeah. the Super Bowl weekend. And that was about less than a week after I quit Commerce. And I said, okay, at least they don't have Chinese nationals dealing there like they did at Commerce. That's what really scared <laughs> me about Commerce. But uh, I said, okay, at least here it's not uh, people who were likely having a lot of contact with other Chinese nationals who, who may have brought the, yeah. the virus in. So that's why it really scared me. If it was Chinese Americans, I wouldn't care as much, even though they would also have right. a higher chance. But but these are actually Chinese nationals who uh, I'm like, wow, that's that's, that's hard to. Well, well now you got to be more worried about the Italians. Right, right. right. It's, it's shifted since then. <laughs> but 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 I mean, my, I guess my point is that like I had never even been to the the Crown uh, in in Melbourne, Australia, and I kind of you know if I go somewhere new, I kind of always want to visit just to like see it and check it out. But even even that, I was just like, you know what? I think I'll live without seeing yes. it. You yeah, know? I, I didn't even bother. I didn't even step foot. You know, that is understandable. So yeah, yeah so I th- I think I've said everything. I think you guys understand, and you just need to know the risks and don't let yourself be convinced by those who are telling you it's no more dangerous to play on those private sites than it is Bovada and ACR. That's not true. I can tell you for sure. You have a much better chance of not getting screwed if you're on Bovada or ACR. Those are much better choices as far as uh, not getting ripped off and getting paid. Uh, well, Drew, game- think of it in the positive manner, though. With the the rise of all these little private sites and everything, you're going to have a whole lot more material to talk about on Poker <laughs> yeah, <Broadway. that's> true. <laughs> There will. We've 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 had a topic before about uh, a shady PP poker room. That one that was run by that Adnan Mohammed. I mean, that's uh, we we had it before before it was. All that popular with a mass number oh, of poker players. There'll be more. No, there's a lot there'll more. Be more. I told everyone, trust there'll me. I said, trust me. There's going to be a lot of scams here. It's a lot of scams are coming. Hundred percent sure. Uh, so just just know that before you guys play there. That's what I was saying. And there'll be some lag, like there always is. There'll be some lag because the people that got ripped off aren't going to want to out the guy because they're going to want to make sure you know give them every chance to get paid, not spook them. So there'll be some lag in it happening. But it's going to happen, and you know, poker Twitter is going to be more entertaining. So, yes, there that's, you go. that's definitely going to happen. So, so just know <laughs> that before you play on any of those, no matter what convincing they try to do, as far as making you think you're just as safe as the other ones that have been around forever, like Bovada. Don't mm-hmm. don't trust that. That's that's where I suggest you play, or one of the regulated sites if you can in your state. Okay, I wanted to mention quickly with WSOP.com, I don't want to make a long topic out of this, but they, once again, are blowing a big opportunity. They're more active than ever. I really mean than ever. Even during the World Series, forget it. They, this is the most active they've ever been on WSOP.com. This is a tremendous opportunity. It's only going to get better. It's only going to get better for WSOP.com. But guess what? 
nobody has taken the reins to say, hey, everybody, I'm the manager. I am the poker room manager. I'm in charge. If you have any questions, suggestions, please come to me. Nothing. Supposedly, Danielle Burreal, who I've talked about before on the show recently, uh, supposedly she's the one in charge, but she's never stepped up and said so. We've only seen her name in WSOP-related press releases where it just kind of mentions that uh, that she's the one, but she's never introduced herself. She's very, very inactive on Twitter. In fact, uh, the only thing she's done on Twitter recently was post like one advertisement for WSOP.com and then deleted all her tweets that were newer than 2011. She really went back and deleted no. every single tweet that was not written. Wow, she got something to hide? Like some... no, not really. They were boring <laughs> tweets. They, 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 like, it's not yeah. even like she was deleting things that were embarrassing. The funny thing is the only thing I could have seen her change about her Twitter upon becoming the, the manager, her main picture is it looks like she's dressed up in some sort of outfit she'd wear to a club. And she looks – I think she looks like early 30s. She's like in the Cosmopolitan. She's wearing like kind of like a see-through outfit where you can kind of see like her black bra through the outfit. It's not a really scandalous picture, but it's it, it, it's not like a, a professional-looking picture. Let me just put it that way. And uh, uh, you can look at her uh, – you can look at this profile. It's twitter.com. Twitter.com slash Yegon, Y-E-E-G-O-N-E, Twitter.com slash Yegon. And you can see this picture I'm talking about. You can see her Twitter. And that picture's still up. I can see her changing that picture if she wants to put on like a more professional image for being the manager of WSOP.com's uh, card room. But she didn't delete that. She went and deleted just – I saw these tweets. There was nothing that interesting about them. But she deleted all her tweets that she's made – since 2012, you only see someone's going back to like 2011 before, and like one tweet there promoting something at WSOP.com, but not introducing herself, not saying, hey, I'm the manager. And you know what? Maybe she's not the manager anymore. Maybe she was an acting manager. Maybe she's not manager anymore. I've tried to ask her to clarify and say, can you come out and introduce yourself? No response. Just completely ignoring. She hasn't blocked me or anything. She's not a Bill Reaney, but she's not responsive to anyone either. It's so weird over there. This is a perfect opportunity for them to market this and to come out and say they're more active than ever and have whoever's in charge introduce themselves. I don't, I don't get it. I just don't get it. Like, what's the downside to introducing yourself and saying I'm the one in charge? Unless she doesn't want the burden of it. It's very weird. No, Jeff, I don't know anything about that, but I do know I haven't talked to you in a while. So I, I, I want to know, like, how many minimum wage wait staff have you gotten fired since I talked to you? <laughs> I should keep, be, I, I should, I should keep a running it. count. Uh, the the most notable one was the. You, the got not, you should have notches on like your bedpost or, or not your bedpost. You know what? Whatever. You should have notches on the serving tray or something. You know, yeah. I don't know if I don't know if they got fired, <laughs> but there were within a week's time there were two tech support uh, employees who I at least got in trouble because I hate when you have to call tech support for a certain product or service and the person you're speaking to is clueless. But they think they're a genius, and they insist that what you're telling them is wrong. So you know more about the situation than they do, and you're trying to tell them why their conclusion is incorrect and why it's impossible. And they talk down to you and act like you're the one who's crazy and you're the one giving them the wrong information. And even when you try to break it down to them about why you have to be correct – they still will not budge. Like it's a debate, and they don't want to lose it. And they, this is. Did you did you say to them? Do you know who I am? Well, I should have. Todd uh, Whittle. So, do you so, know that? So twice in one week, I I had experiences like this. Not this week, but it was before the coronavirus thing really took off. This is probably like early February, late January. 
but uh, two different companies where I called up and they uh, they didn't understand their own product and they didn't understand the technology behind their own product, and both times they were giving me nonsensical answers. But uh, Trader Ruski, help me out here because you've been here probably, and I haven't. And it's got to be that the Druff has gotten you know a, a waiter or a waitress or a concierge or a hostess or so he's got got to have gotten someone fired in the interim right there's always there's always someone at like you know the rat red robin who <laughs> didn't bring out the right hamburger cooked to the right temperature or something right well yeah right just that i were under a three and a half in my head yeah, so oh, three and a half you know i figured it's right away but by the way trader risk three and we, a half we, people fired you know well over yeah, what time since the last time you guys spoke oh over what time no not all time no, no, oh, over what time? How long? Yeah. Appearance on the show. Okay, so like the last 18 months. Uh, Trade Risk, we don't have a best connection with you. It's kind of cutting in and out. Calwatt sounds good, but you, you're cutting in and out. You're right. That's adjusted more headsets. Is that better? No, it's still pretty bad. <laughs> a, I, I want to have a clear trader risky. We just don't. I think Druff is like doing this on yeah. purpose. He's like crinkling papers because he doesn't want the truth <laughs> to come out about all the people he's gotten fired. <laughs> He's already put it. Out. He already put the answer out there. Convenience. It sounds like a bad connection, kind of. It kind of sounds like a bad connection to Skype. Well, reconnect him. You know, no. Yeah, and I'm yeah. Reconnect me. I'm going to turn off my wire, my Wi-Fi because it could be the shitty Wi-Fi up. Okay. Mm-hmm. It'll work better with just Verizon. Okay. okay. Yeah, Come on, the, some someone brought out a burger that wasn't well. Wasn't no, the, the, right, the, the biggest an argument, and they were they were. Giving you lip, and you you came back the next day to talk to the man. Is that better? For the moment, it's better. Oh, sorry, the, sorry. The, sorry. The, the the biggest accomplishment I've had in that realm has been getting okay. the night manager at the Smash Burger at the Rio fired. <laughs> actually I fired. Think I heard that. Yeah, yeah, actually fired. That was not not just reprimanded. I was actually uh, informed that she would be fired, and that I was the that they were getting close to doing it anyway. But I was I was the one they were waiting for. I was they they were they wanted to get rid of her, but they needed a credible report from a uh, unbiased third party, a customer who, who had a terrible experience there. Not only did I have the story for them, but I, I had the proof, and I had uh, I even found somebody else on Twitter who was complaining about the same thing at the same night, and uh, I, I I gave I did a whole write up for them, and they, that person and the, was this person a single parent? Did you get like a single? I don't know. It was it was it was a, a it was a a young uh, a, a oddly enough a. Ghetto young white female, not a not uh, when you say ghetto, people so think oh, it's racist. Was a single parent. <laughs> this, this, it may have been, but uh, it <laughs> was it was a young white female who was very ghetto. So you say ghetto, people yeah. think it's racist. The pers- this person was as white as I am, but uh, they they were very ghetto, and they got well, and uh, anyone that thinks white people can't be ghetto have never been to like Appalachia no, because like I, I've said I've said know. ghetto before, and people think <laughs> I'm being racist. I'm I'm trying to be. Yeah. If I just said it's the ghetto person, they're going to think I'm being racist. But I'm thinking that the person who got fired is a fully white person that's just as white as I am, and uh, but but was a, a a ghetto person as well. But the, the, the I gave her a chance though to, before doing what I did because right. of course I can't fire anybody. I can only report what I've seen, and mm-hmm. and I I said all you have to do for all the trouble I had here just just give me a shake. Just give me a oh, shake. I thought you were going to say, give me a head. No. No, not not from her. But uh, I, I, I said, just give me a shake, and I'll let this go. I'll forget about the whole thing. And she was so defiant and so proud of herself that I'm not getting the shake. Wow. And I said, okay, well, 
then I'm going to have to yeah. go to the manager. I said, I, I tried to let you offer this one. I, I, I tried to, I'm, I'm trying to be compassionate here that, that uh, I don't want to get people in trouble. There's one of my rare moments where I didn't want to get anyone in trouble. I actually, despite all the terrible experiences there, I said, I'm going to let the whole thing go. Just please give me a free shake for everything I've been through. And I was, Man, you know, I, I wonder if there's like a platoon of former wait staff that is just like driving around the city looking for you, going like the guy he ruined my life. Yeah, well, you know what? What's <laughs> funny is they went to they went to the the general manager there. He went to first of all, he was brought in by the corporation mm-hmm. because they had such a problem at night there. Like they this, mm-hmm. he told me this is the worst performing Smashburger location in the country at night. As far as I like Smashburg too, man. Yeah, as far well, as far so as far as the late night complaints that they've had, they said that one leads the country, not just the area Mm. but the country in late night complaints. So that the where is this place? So I can never go to it. This is at the Rio. No, it's supposedly better now. This is at the Rio. The Rio. Yeah. So so they uh, they brought this guy in, this new general manager, to clean it up, and he saw who the problem was, and he said, "Crap, you know, we don't want to fire her without like a. We know it's her, but we want to have." good enough justification so we don't get sued. And then in I walked. <laughs> they, they, oh, no. they, 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 they had their person they to do it. They hit the jackpot. They hit the yeah. jackpot. And not only was I, I wrote the whole thing up. For, I didn't just report it. They asked, can you write it up? I said, sure, I'll write it up. So I wrote the whole thing up. And then they went to the other employees before going to her and told the whole story and said, is this true? And every employee was like, yep. Hundred percent. Oh my god! Because <laughs> they were afraid. She fucked with the wrong person. You you probably turned in a supporting deposition. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I told the I told the entire truth, and the guy says, "I know you're telling the truth because every person who works here that I asked about this, they admitted that this is the way it went down." Oh my god! So uh, that was the end of that. <laughs> and I I said, look. Anyone who criticizes me, I said, I can't fire anybody. I can only report what's happened. If, the only way I could have done anything wrong is if I report something that didn't actually occur or if, or if I embellish. But if I give a true and correct account to the boss about what's happening there, all I'm really being is like a camera for him. All I'm really doing right. is, is uh, providing information to someone who should have that information. And uh, while I can be – I can have a heart if someone makes an honest mistake or just is having a bad day, if they're going to turn this into a pissing contest – and uh, uh, as she did there, and get really nasty yeah, to if, me. If, and if they're going to turn it into a pissing contest, you're going to pee pee poker all over. <laughs> them, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's this, all over. The, okay. So uh, anyway, let's get back. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about here. Um, so yeah, the WSMP.com, I just wanted to conclude that just by saying they really need to step up here. And whoever's in charge, whether it's that, this Danielle person or not, they need to step up and say, hey, I'm in charge. Here's what we're going to do. Here's the way the site's going to be going. Welcome all you new players. Like, there's so many things they could do to keep this traffic, keep, keep the momentum going. Because once this passes, they will have a lot of people who played on there for the first time for those months that now might enjoy it. And they need to keep those people. They can't lose them. They have to give these people a reason to stay and not just be there out of desperation. So now that they have yeah. the people playing, they have the people in the habit of playing, they have to be careful not to lose them, they have to do it right, and one thing they need to do is have a visible manager. And as someone told me who's playing on there, I can't play because I'm not in Nevada, I'm not going to be going to Nevada anytime soon, but what was told to me by someone who's playing there is, so far, since the crowds have shown up, it's been smooth, but we're not sure what's going to happen going forward because no one's really in charge. That's what I was told. Nothing bad has happened yet, but... It could. 
So we will see. Yeah, it's it's interesting how it's sort of a this coronavirus stuff is a windfall for certain segments. So it's obviously a windfall for any online poker. Uh, as, you know, WSOP, it's a windfall for them. We had actually recently done an interview with um, a guy from a company that their product is a remote pair programming product, right? And they were just getting so much traffic that their their site went down. You know wow. what I mean? Like, it's just this massive opportunity for all of these uh, online services and uh, especially things like, uh, you know, a lot of companies are going remote only and uh, their weekly meetings or Zoom meetings, you know, and Zoom is making just money yeah. hand over fist. It's really interesting to see a lot of these companies that just out of nowhere, <laughs> like by government mandate, their business is just through the fucking roof. You know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. And you're right, though. I mean, the fact that online poker is not leveraging the crap out of this with WSOP is not absolutely leveraging the crap out of it. They're just missing out on a massive opportunity. Yeah, yeah. They, should, they shouldn't just sit here and go, oh, it's nice to make extra money. They they need to rush yeah. in there and say, how do we keep these people? <laughs> how do we keep yeah. everyone happy? That's what they need to do. But uh, the fact that it's not and, even... And a- how do we attract more? Because as many as are just like kind of rolling in the door, there are plenty of others that you could bring in. That, they got nothing to do, man. They're yeah. just sitting at home. Yeah, you know? they, sh- they should. And, and the fact that they don't have... Someone that's even visible as the manager there now is just really a huge mistake. So Pull them away from PP poker. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to do some coronavirus discussion now. And first I want to talk about the thing that's been on a lot of people's minds over the last few days, and that has been Vegas shutting down, which I thought was going to be further away than it turned out being because mm-hmm. I said in the last show, that while I see the reason for Vegas to shut down the casinos, that is a huge deal because the casinos pretty much are Vegas. And though even though Vegas has grown to become a medium-sized city, it, it still is completely centered around that one industry. Now, the industry does have other facets to it. it uh, it's not just about gambling. It's about uh, the hotels. It's about the restaurants. It's about the shows. Yeah, it's but about they're the all fucked. But, right. But, the, but all of this... <laughs> shuts down when the casinos go down. Like a, a, yeah. It's not just about no gaming. It's about none of any of this. So right. that, that's a, an absolute killer to the Vegas economy. And there's not much else there other than just to kind of support the people who are working in these industries. Yeah, there's a few other things in the city, but that's really the one and only big industry in Las Vegas. And I There's said, a bunch of meth heads too, right? Yeah, I guess the meth dealers are still doing well, but... Yeah. Uh, the the shutdown I, I thought was going to be further off because it seemed to me that this is such a big deal that they're going to resist it to the very end. And they resisted for a while. And first, Wynn and MGM did it. Caesars would not. Caesars decided they're going to take the approach of screw it, extra business for us. <laughs> we'll just mm. we'll just take it there. <laughs> and then then I got a message from someone. There's there's a. Uh, you know, listeners to this show who tell me things, and uh, um, I, I have some listeners that actually work for Caesars and and then let me know things, sometimes ahead of the crowd. So I got a hot tip that Caesars was actually going to shut down everything. 
And I said, wow, I can't believe it. I thought Caesars was taking advantage of this. I thought they didn't care. Well, it turns out they're doing the right thing. I can't believe that Caesars has actually decided to do the right thing. And I, I put out a tweet, which I actually deleted. I don't delete many tweets, but I put out a tweet I deleted saying, breaking, I have information that has not been made public yet that Caesars is shutting down and they're going to be doing so today or tomorrow. And no one had put this out there yet. It was not out anywhere I could find. And I was so proud of myself. And then half an hour later, the story came out that the governor has mandated that all casinos shut down. So so much for my exclusive. So the funny thing is they didn't tell that to their employees. They told their employees, yeah, yeah, we've decided we're going to shut down. And the employees are, oh, that's good. Okay, well, sucks we're going to lose our job, but at least... At least you guys are doing the right thing. No, they they just got the mandate from the governor, and that's why they had to do it. So I actually deleted that tweet because I, I would have looked like a fool leaving it up there. And uh, so I, I got the information a half an hour ahead of everybody, but not for the reason I thought it was. So, yes, the, the governor, Steve Sisolak, decided that every business in the state of Nevada, not just Vegas, but the state of Nevada, must shut down except for certain essential businesses, and there were a few exceptions, but casinos were not one of them. So casinos all had to close. Everything in Vegas, everything in Reno, everything in between. What I, I hear like a blender in the background. Somebody making uh, making a shake? No, it's going to turn off. I'm going to mute myself. It, it's going to turn off real soon. It's, I, I got a Roomba that kicks in at midnight anyway. <laughs> at midnight? Doesn't it wake you up? No, it's downstairs. I'm downstairs. I'm normally upstairs. Okay. You know what I mean? A Roomba. Uh, I'll, I'll mute. I'll mute. I don't. I don't. I don't have a Roomba. They've existed for a long time. But I don't have one. Maybe I should get one. You're just waiting for one of those gold-plated ones, right? I just. I. I don't know why I didn't get one. I just. I think I was always skeptical of how good of a job it would do. They. So I. We got one when they first came out, like a long time ago, and it. <laughs> it was also coincident with uh, we had a dog that we were training. And one morning I came downstairs and my wife like was just like, get down here. And I knew it was serious because she was like putting on these like big latex gloves or whatever. <laughs> and that Roomba man, it had rolled over some turd that that dog that's laid in the house. That's what I was going to say. That's that's a bad and, thing to have happen. And it, it just it drunkenly like smeared it all over <laughs> everything in the house. It was oh, fucking Lord. Horrendous, you know, because the way those things wander around is kind of random. They went all over the place, and I was I was tasked with cleaning the actual Roomba out. So I was like taking this thing apart, and I was like scrubbing dog shit off of the gears and all the crap inside of it with a toothbrush. And I'm just like, man, how did I sink so low? Like, what happened? <laughs> but no, they the newer ones. How, actually- how much are they in? How much are they, uh, Calwatt? You should just bought a new one. I know. I should have just gotten a new one. I know. But it, so, and, and then we didn't use it for a really long time. And then we ended up, she wanted to, to use it again. And I tried to start it up and it didn't work. So I did just end up getting a new well, one. Well, that cleaning for nothing. And, well, yeah. I mean, we, we used it for a little while after that. I'm, I'm talking about like a span of like seven, seven years or something like that. All right. And, They've got newer ones that actually have like a home base where they come back and they empty the uh, the bin that they have into like a larger bin, so you only have to change it like very very irregularly. Um, and actually, per- they work pretty damn well. The biggest downside is just we, we've got kids and they leave stuff laying around, and it just 
<laughs> it's just as ruthless, you know? Yeah, that's like, true. Like, if they leave Legos out, the Legos are just gone, you know? Yeah, that's that's something <laughs> I'd be afraid of, too, now that I think of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, okay. I'll, I'll think about it again, though. I, I remember when I first saw one a long time ago. I thought, this is cool. And then I would think, yeah. like, in, in 2020, it's kind of like... A, Fly Simulator, which I, I gave up on so long ago because you drive, you'd fly around and the scenery sucked, and mm-hmm. and then I just one day just randomly looked up. I wonder if this is improved, and I saw like the best improvement yep. by a wide margin is coming out this year. So I said, okay, I'll I'll get it when it uh, comes out. Yeah, they they definitely have gotten a lot better and a lot smarter about mapping it. Like they'll actually draw maps of your rooms as they discover it and you can put danger zones and tell it not to go to this place and they've actually got quite good like i've got one that i do in the downstairs of of our house and then i also have one in my office that runs and yeah it's working good yeah there's there's some products because there's just not that much advancement to be made with them that Mm. they just get worse over time yeah but uh (laughs) this would be one thing i would think could get a lot better over time Anything with a lot of technology that's involved that you would expect there'd be improvement over time. But then again, uh, look at Skype has done. They've, they, I'd rather have the 2008 version by far over this one. So, but that's because Microsoft took it over. It, the, one rule, and I was discussing this with my father last time I saw him, and he agreed, and he gave me examples dating like back decades. Uh, one rule is that when a larger company takes over a product from a smaller company that they always ruin it. It's, it's just about always is, is what occurs because of, of many reasons. They don't, they don't understand what makes the product good. They, they have different people working on it. Uh, they, they, they micromanage the people who, who made the product great in the first place and, and make them change things that, uh, that screw it up, which kind of falls under the heading of not understanding what's good about the product in the first place. It's, it's, just, mm-hmm. it's amazing to me how, how many – or they have different objectives of the product of what they wanted to do. Uh, it's, it's amazing – how many times, and this is across every industry. This is even true with creative works. I've seen where uh, companies will buy some creative work, and then the the next thing they come out, they don't understand the characters or the uh, or, or whatever com- goes into this creative work that made it popular. They, they don't understand it and ruin it. And you know, that it's you think that they could invest a lot of time into understanding it, but they never do. It seems like these companies, the larger companies that purchase something or purchase an entire company and get a product that was uh, successful and well-liked, they never understand what everybody liked about it. They always ruin it. Yeah, no, it definitely happens. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what's happened with Skype, and that's, that's what I would have expected when I heard Microsoft bought Skype. It's just amazing because it isn't that hard, I would think, to put some research into uh, I, I hope that doesn't hold true for some other stuff that Microsoft bought. They they it recently acquired GitHub, oh, which is I didn't a know that. massive, I didn't know massive that. part of the online world. I'm sure what, they're going to ruin it. it. I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure they're going to ruin it. I, I know. Yeah, I, I didn't know they well, bought they, GitHub, but I know GitHub very well. I saw I didn't. They 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 own GitHub now, oh, boy. Um, and they now also know, own NPM which is the node package manager, which is powering the entire JavaScript ecosystem for the web, which is yeah, they'll probably yeah, ruin that too. kind of scary. <laughs> they'll probably ruin that too. It's, it's very Hope sad. Not. It's very sad when these things happen. It's, it doesn't require much research. Just put a little research in and find out what people like about it, what makes it good, what would ruin it if they changed. But it just it's universal that stuff gets ruined. Okay, so let's, let's move on here. Uh, 
So, oh, so uh, t- going back to the Las Vegas casino thing, I haven't finished that topic. Yeah, we're still talking coronavirus. So, huh? Well, there's a lot of coronavirus topics after this, but uh, I don't want to spend too long on any one. But about the Vegas thing, it's pretty big. Uh, this is going to have a massive impact on Vegas, on the city of Vegas. And I can only imagine if this goes on for much longer, which it will. It's going to, I don't know how long it's going to be, but it's not like it's, it's not like there's any chance it'll open like in the next two weeks. It won't. So I, how much beyond that, I don't know. Nobody knows. But uh, the city of Vegas is going to suffer just tremendously with all the casinos and everything associated with the casinos shut down. I can't emphasize enough how terrible this is for the city of Vegas that doesn't have much else going on, and yet it's kind of a medium-sized city. It's not like a Los Angeles or New York, but it's it's also not like just a small town in the middle of nowhere. So it's not even like a Reno. It's 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 a medium-sized city, big enough to actually support uh, an NFL team and an NHL team. And here the the, the <laughs> with, main with industry no season. Should, with no season anymore, <laughs> and 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 here this pretty much the entire industry that runs the city has been shut down. So that's that's really, really bad. And I, I can only imagine the impact that this is going to have. And I wonder how long that they are going to tolerate this because they may be thinking, okay, we'll shut this down and we'll see where this goes. But what if a month passes and no progress has been made? What if things are no different, no better? Still? Still closed? What about two months? What about four months? What about six months? So, at what point does Vegas finally say we we can't survive? The city can't survive. You know what, like you this. Know what they may not have a choice, Druff, because people may just not fucking show up. Right. You know? Well, they that's well that's that's and that's another topic is that, uh, and, and we'll get to this about how long will people put up with this? Because mm. it's uh, it's it's pretty new right now with people having to stay away from a lot of different uh, things they're used to doing, a lot of businesses they're used to going to and just being told to stay home and do very little. Uh, at, at the beginning, it's tolerable, but as more and more time passes, people are going to get really sick of it and also as people don't have jobs. I don't know, Drew. That's pretty much my job description is stay home and do very little. Well, so, so some people, it'll be the same. That's, uh, I've seen this all over people going, well, why? I, so I have to avoid everyone and stay home? Okay, sounds like a normal day to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> but uh, No, but it's going gonna, it's gonna to affect everyone, right? So even if you do work from home and you're you know, an independent consultant or whatever, the money is drying up in terms of you know companies wanting to onboard you and do stuff with you or small businesses that want to build stuff. Like, that's all drying up. So it's going to affect you even if you do work remotely entirely. Like, it's still going to affect you. It, it will. You know? there, there's so much... Uh, th- yeah. There's so many businesses that depend on one another, and that, uh, well, and that if the money's if the money's not flowing, the money's not flowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes. the money needs to be flowing in order for the whole economy to work. And yes. I was actually wondering, is when you're talking about Vegas, I was wondering like, what are all the strippers going to do? <laughs> but but they're actually going to be fine, Druff. Like what they're going to do is they're just going to become cam girls, right? R- cam girls or, or prostitutes. Well, prostitutes, I think, would lose a lot of business too. Some, but know? I think there's, I think it'd be like the the straight version of one step out there. The guys who just are willing to take the chance. Because uh, come on, it's like one of the. Are you serious? Like, oh, it seems like I, I th- one of the dumber things that you could do. It, it, you know, it, it is. But but there's there's going to be guys who 
are like, I can't get any girls to go out with me. Nobody, you know, no, no girls want to meet up with me because they're afraid of the coronavirus. And I want to have sex and I have no way to make this happen now. And so either they manage to contact some girl that they once were involved with and, and do that with them or they were go to prostitutes that's uh, who are willing Can't to work. they just like exercise their, their wrist? You know what I mean? That's no, not the same thing. It's not the same thing, but it will it'll remove some pressure. You know what I mean? You can do that for a few days, but after enough time, I think guys are going to start getting uh, frustrated about this and have to look. One step's willing to do it, not with girls, but actually, he said he was willing to do it with girls if uh, if his roommate was more attractive. He just said his roommate's not attractive is the problem. But uh, <laughs> uh, I, well, I don't know. Anyway, the, those, I think those real those real dog company. The real doll companies might be taken. Oh yeah! If, if only those were a bit more advanced. If only those were a little bit better. Like I, I look at those and I go, I could never be fooled. Like I, I couldn't see this as a substitute for a real person. There's no way. It, it looks like like a mannequin to me. That's right. What it looks like I just I, I can't be attracted to a mannequin. Now if if now let's say this doesn't exist, but let's say it existed. Where you could have something, where looking at it, you couldn't tell the difference between one of these sex robots and an actual hot human female. Uh, I think it would still be kind of weird, and I think the uh, it'd be very like there, there would be th- certain things that could really bother you once it kind of gives away that it's a robot. But uh, that I could see there at least you'd have the physical attraction. But right now, I. I I don't see them even being close to the point where I could find them physically attractive. Yeah, it'd be kind of like a moped, like you know, <laughs> you don't want you don't want anyone to see you riding it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay, so so uh, yeah, this is going to be a, a big problem for Vegas, and and we'll see where it goes. We'll see how long that this shutdown lasts there, and how long the city can survive this. I'm surprised it happened. As soon as it did, I thought they'd hold out a bit longer. The governor said the day before the shutdown that he's going to let the casinos all decide for themselves. And then a day later, he changed his mind and said, nope, actually, we're all shutting down. So that's that is that for again. I don't think they have a whole lot of choice. Right. So even if they reopened, the the airlines aren't going to be flying people out there like who the hell is going to get there, you know? Yeah, but they could, they could have gone down to some sort of uh, much lesser version of operation. But I think they were also maybe worried about liability if they just ignore these warnings and continue staying open and people get sick and die there. That uh, right. That, so I, I think that they, I think the governor just said, you know what? Rather than introduce all these potential problems down the line, we're just going to shut it all down. And we also don't want to make it look like the state was irresponsible because everybody's kind of in this together. So. Anyone acting irresponsible can affect everybody else. So they like all those fucktards down on the beach in Florida, right? Did you they, see the videos of those guys? Yes, and then, oh, then they God. just outlawed that too. Like the Florida finally woke up and said, "Okay, we we can't allow this anymore." So that's well, that's, they, a lot of these states were like, "Okay, you know, we'll put out recommendations, and people are reasonable. Like they'll listen to us. You know, we won't have to do anything." And then they realized, okay, no, actually, you know what? Most of the people are dumbasses, so we're going to have to make this by law, you know? Well, not only that, but because it's so age-related, you have these people under 30 who look and go, oh, look, nobody under 30 is dying. Okay, sweet. Like, there really is, like, nobody under yeah, 30 they're dying. Calling, they're calling the disease the boomer removal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's the problem. They go, they look and they go, wait, I don't see a single death of anyone under 30 anywhere. Okay, good. 
Yeah. Uh, so I'll get at worst. I'll get a little bit sick. Okay, we 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 take that chance anyway with the flu. Screw it. So that, that's that's the way they yeah, see fuck, it. Fuck old people. I don't like old people anyway. That's, fuck that's, that's what they say. They're like, oh, fuck old people. <laughs> if old people die, who care? So. Yeah. So that's that's why they still go out and, and party there, and they they don't think about the fact that they're spreading this to older people, who are, especially very old people, who are going to die from this. So, so yeah, they have to they had to put in more and more of these controls, and that's where we sit right now. Now, and they and they did that in New York. They did that in my state. I don't know if you saw Andrew Cuomo came on, and the whole state is now shut down. It's only essential businesses, and they're. You know, they're dubbing them uh, essential businesses would be, for instance, places where you could get food or medicine or health care. But everything else, by law, is just shut down in New York State. Like, it's done. Yeah, California you know? just did the same thing. They just made that uh, yeah. about two days ago. They made that same announcement. And uh, now so they... the, the two largest economies in the entire country are now fucking shut down. Yeah. Basically. But it's it's funny though. Like, we'll, I'll talk about this in a little bit. Like, if you if you're going outside and driving around, it's, it's hard to tell. There's a lot more people out than you'd expect, despite all these businesses shutting down. But I'll, I'll get to that a little in a little bit as to why I think okay. that is happening. Uh, I want to talk about medications because we talked about this in the last show. I gave this blood pressure medication warning, and there's been some information that's come out since then. And then I also want to talk about Advil and aspirin, which some people have gotten afraid to take because there's stories going on about them, about being dangerous related to the coronavirus. So last week I mentioned that if you take either uh, an ARB, like Losartan, or an ACE inhibitor, like anything ending with Pril, basically any blood pressure medication ending with Artin or Pril, P-R-I-L, uh, is a dangerous medication, I said to be taking in the age of the coronavirus. And I did mention this has been unproven, that this is controversial, that uh, back in February there was actually a belief that these medications would help fight the coronavirus, and then others came who were researching this in March and said, no, 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 it's the other way around. This actually makes you more vulnerable to getting seriously ill or die from the coronavirus, and if you're taking those medications, you should seriously considering stop, consider stopping unless your blood pressure is so high that stopping them would be short-term dangerous. And I actually stopped taking Milosartan for that reason, and this warning was brought to me, not through the Internet, but it was actually brought to me by somebody who I trust and told me that it's probably best for me to stop taking Milosartan because unmedicated, my blood pressure is about 150 over 90 which isn't good long-term, but short-term is not going to kill me. Now, if my blood pressure was, was 180 over 120, then it would be a big mistake to stop the medication because that could kill me short-term. So I stopped the Losartan. I actually am taking two other blood pressure medications, a, a water pill and an and, amlodipine. But the truth is, without all three of them together, it does very little, so my blood pressure is going back up and is headed towards 150 again. But uh, I stopped taking them because of that, and I put out this warning last week on the show, the very first site to discuss this openly anywhere was Poker Fraud Alert. At the time I posted this, I think it was on March 11th, there was no discussion of this anywhere publicly on the web. Couldn't find it. Only on Poker Fraud Alert. By the time I did this show a few days later on the 14th, there was some discussion, and in fact it was starting to get addressed by, by some doctors, and since then there's been a lot of discussion of it. Well, the update I have is that 
basically it could go either way. It's controversial. It's controversial. There are reasons on both sides for why it could help or why it could hurt. And they're still researching it, but it's still not known for sure. So if you quit your Losartan or some ACE inhibitor that ends with Pril, if you quit those, number one, your blood pressure is going to go back up. And that could be dangerous, though probably not short-term or dangerous at all if it's only for a few months, if your blood pressure is not dangerously high. If it's something like mine, like 150 over 90. But you also might be taking away something that actually helps you fight the effects of the coronavirus if you catch it. Now, this does not make you any more or less likely to catch it. It's that once you have it, how will your body react? And my what I was putting out last week is it's going to be worse for you and be a much higher chance, possibly, that you're going to die from the coronavirus, even if you're not really old. And that's why I stopped taking it. But you also could be robbing yourself of benefits it brings if it turns out the theory is wrong and the first theory was correct. It seems about 50-50 regarding which theory is correct. And right now it's not proven either way. So what do you do? Well, here's still my advice. Look at someone like me. I'm uh, 48 years old. I'm someone who could die from the coronavirus. It wouldn't be unheard of if I did. But I'm not in the main group that is at high risk. If I was 78 years old, I'd be in the main group that's high risk. 48 years old, no. I'm not like I'm 30. 30 being much, much lower risk than 48. But 48 is much, much lower than 78. So my point is here that any gain I would get, if let's say there's a 50% chance it protects me from the coronavirus, a 50% chance it makes it worse. For a 48-year-old, it's a lot smarter to quit it. Because any gain I'm getting is probably not helping me that much because probably my age alone is enough to make it pretty unlikely I'm going to die from the coronavirus if I get it. So any good I'm going to get is not going to be that much good. But the bad, let's say the bad is it would, would change me from someone who's just going to get sick from it to someone who's going to die from it, that's very, very bad. So the downside is a lot worse than the upside. So if it's 50-50 upside versus downside, I would just want to not take that chance either way because the downside is much worse for me. However, if you're much older... It could be different. If you're much older, maybe it would be great to get a boost in fighting the coronavirus from this medication, if that's really what it's doing. So maybe then it's better to take that 50-50 chance that, yes, it might make it worse and kill you, but there's also a chance it's going to help you, and it's about 50-50 either way, and maybe since you need the help so badly because of your age, it's better to keep taking it. So my opinion is if you're not in a high-risk group, if you're not immunosuppressed, and you're not really old, if you're not over 65 – then I think that quitting it is still the smarter idea right now as long as your blood pressure without it is not dangerously high. So once you get anywhere near 180, your blood pressure is dangerously high and can kill you in the short term, and you don't want that. That's Then you definitely can't quit it. If it's getting even near 180, if it's 170, and it gets, it, you know your blood pressure jumps all over. It's not the same. every. You can take it three times in a row. In a few-minute period, it'll be different numbers each time. But if you're seeing numbers that are ever around 170, then keep taking it because that's already dangerous to you. The highest I've ever seen is 153. I've never seen anywhere near 160. 
So that's why I'm not afraid of stopping it for uh, a few months. So if you're like me, then yes, I still think it's better to quit. But if you have very high blood pressure or if you're old, you may want to get back on it because the good it could be bringing you might be worth having. Even if you're taking a chance, there might be bad and that the good was wrong. As I said, it's about 50-50 from what's been looked at so far. Of course, uh, you can talk to your doctor about this as well. Your doctor may or may not be aware of this whole study. This is all very new. This is something that was discovered on March 11th, so some doctors might not have kept up with it. So you, you want to make sure your doctor has even heard about this whole thing. If they haven't heard about this, then don't bother talking to them because it's going to be – you can ask them, like, how dangerous is it short-term to get off my blood pressure meds? You can ask them that. That's that's a question you do want to ask them. And But I'm telling you, if they'll – if the doctor has any sense, they'll tell you that if you have like 150 over 90, it's not short-term dangerous to be off your blood pressure meds. And if you have 170 over 110 normally, then it is very dangerous to be off them. With the Advil situation, I, I want to talk about that. Uh, there's been some discussion that Advil or aspirin, that taking that could be dangerous and could raise your chances of dying from the coronavirus. And that scares a lot of people. So These are two very different drugs, though, both aspirin and Advil? Well, I'll tell you why. Because anything that's that's considered an NSAID, a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug, NSAID, anything in that category, there is a theory that these can be dangerous if you have the coronavirus. So some people have just stopped taking those and switched to Tylenol, saying, I don't want to take the chance. I'm just going to take Tylenol, which is said not to have a problem here. Now, I've seen this before with other conditions where you're told not to take these, these NSAIDs, of which aspirin is and, and uh, Advil is, but Tylenol isn't. But uh, let me explain this a little bit further. Because you you shouldn't throw away your aspirin and Advil just yet. And if Tylenol doesn't work well for you, you may want to keep taking Advil and aspirin. So Tylenol is the safest one to take right now in the age of the coronavirus, but it just doesn't work for a lot of people. For me, it does not work. Calwatt, does Tylenol work very well for you? For what, though? Well, just for general pain. Let's say you have a headache. Do you, do you, do, does Tylenol work? Uh, um, I don't think i really take tylenol i honestly like i don't really take any medications occasionally i will take advil um if i'm sore or as an anti-inflammatory you know if i'm been doing a lot of hiking or stuff and i'm my joints are hurting um but i don't really take anything else like i do have excedrin but i don't really take that well you must not get headaches do you not get headaches no i mean i sometimes get headaches but um not, I mean, not that often. Right? Occasionally I get them, but I, I, I used to get them more. But what I found out is that even though my eyesight was still quite good, I had a, a astigmatism oh. that was causing one, you know, one eye to work a lot harder the, than the other, and that was causing some headaches. Um, so when I work on computers and stuff, I've got a pair of glasses that I wear that corrects the astigmatism, but otherwise I don't need them, okay. you know? But that's the only thing, really. I mean, I don't, you know, just no, I mean, I can normal if you, if stuff. If you like, don't... occasionally I'll get a headache from, like, you know, 
dogs are barking or kids are screaming or something, but but not regularly, no. Yeah, see, I I get a ton of headaches because I get what's known as tension headaches that come from my neck, and I get about 250 of those a year. So I, I have to deal with this a lot. So it's, everybody has what the fuck. That's that's more than blowjobs you get a year. That's crazy. <laughs> I'll, I will admit that's true, but uh, <laughs> two. Yeah, I get a ton of them. So I have to deal with headaches, and so some people have to deal with a lot more headaches than others. And uh, so I, I have to take something. And if I even go, if I go to sleep with one of these tension headaches, it's there for me when I wake up. I can't even sleep through it and get away with it and get away from it. So the question is: Is it safe to take? Advil and aspirin these days. And I can tell you, and you can look into this yourself, of course, don't just take my word for it, but Advil and aspirin are not dangerous to you, it seems, unless you have active symptoms of the coronavirus. So if you're asymptomatic, don't worry about it. But if you're feeling coronavirus symptoms and trying to take something for the coronavirus-related pain, because you will get a lot of pain from the coronavirus, a lot of uh, soreness, uh, that Advil and aspirin are possibly going to make things worse. And just like the situation with the blood pressure medications, guess what? It's controversial, and again, it seems to be about 50-50 whether it helps or hurts. <laughs> it, seems, it seems to be what keeps happening here. So this is, again, not proven, and again, by not taking Advil or aspirin, if you are feeling uh, inflammation when you have the coronavirus, you may actually be robbing yourself of uh, these drugs' benefit to fighting it. So, so basically what you're telling me is that the odds of this thing hurting you are about the same odds as being able to cash out from PP poker? Yes, that's, that's a like good... Like 50-50? No, I, I, th- I think it's it's better because the, I, I wish it was 50-50 <laughs> on PP poker. But... Uh, This is something you shouldn't worry about. If you don't suspect you have the coronavirus, then go ahead and take the Advil. Go ahead and take the aspirin because this is more geared to people who are already experiencing symptoms they're noticing. They're already having symptoms. They want to have a way to bring down the inflammation. They want a way to bring it down the pain. At that point, you say, whoa, 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 hold on. Maybe I don't want to chance it with these drugs because it may help me fight it. There was some research saying that, but it also might make everything worse. And I don't want to, I don't want to take the chance either way. I'm not going to touch them. I'll just do Tylenol. That's a very reasonable course to take at that point. But if you are not experiencing symptoms, don't worry about it. It should be fine. And that's, I think, some misinformation that's being put out there. And I, I just wanted people to know that because there are people, including myself, who need either Advil or aspirin to get rid of headaches. If I couldn't take aspirin, I'd be miserable because I would uh, have a headache that just never goes away. So you, you can't just say, oh, just don't take Advil. Well, it's not that simple. Oh, just don't take aspirin. It's not that simple. Some people have to take this or else their life will be very unpleasant. In fact, uh, it, it's you've, you've got to also factor that in and say, how much is the better quality of life worth the additional risk I'm taking? And you've you've had to make these decisions every day of your life. Like uh, it would be a lot safer to, uh, to to ride a bicycle somewhere instead of driving, provided you don't have to go on the freeway. But you know, like something local, it's safer to ride a bicycle there. But yeah, the it, most dangerous thing you'll ever do in your life is driving. Yeah, but but it's not convenient. So you yeah. have to you have to make decisions every day about uh, safety versus convenience and safety versus quality of life. So keep that in mind with the Advil. If you're going to be miserable all day with 
not being able to use Advil or aspirin, just use it. If you don't have coronavirus symptoms, don't worry about it. Just use it. I'm using it. Now, again, I'm not a doctor. Don't don't try to sue me if uh, if you take this and it makes your coronavirus a lot worse, or you didn't you had the coronavirus and asymptomatic, and then this brings on the symptoms and say, oh well, Druff told me it's okay. I'm telling you my opinion as a non-expert who's uh, watched videos on YouTube and read articles. That's but I'm not an expert. No, well, that's it. You're 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 an expert as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> if you watch videos on YouTube, like we're we're good. We're yeah. good. Tell me what to do. Tell so, me what to do, Druff. For that, this is just my, this is my advice to everybody here. And and I, I encourage you to research this yourself and make your own decisions. But that's what I've come to. And when I first heard about this, I'm like, oh no, I I can't take these, or else it's really adding to my risk. But then I looked into it and I said no. So I've quit the losartan for now, but I've not quit the aspirin. In fact, I took aspirin right before the show because I had a had a headache right before this show. And uh, Calwood, I don't think I told you this when I had my severe anxiety and depression issues a year and a half ago that shut down the show for a while. One of the weird things that came from it was that while I was experiencing all that, my headaches went away completely. There was not one headache. They Mm. all went away. So that it was was something that changed in my brain that actually one of the few positive effects was no headaches. But I said at the time, I want a headache back. I want a headache back. Coincidentally, Druff, your headaches went away. Also, I was no longer on as host. You know, I mean, if you if you wanted to get rid of me, like there, you could have just said something. You didn't have to shut down the show. You know what well, I mean? I, w- like, I would have blamed this. I actually would have blamed this on you, but I had these headaches going back to the mid '90s. So I said, okay, you know, no. I I, w- I was going to say it's Cal Watt, but I didn't know him in the mid '90s, so it couldn't be him. Yeah, I would like to be renamed Cal Watt nineteen. <laughs> You could. I, you, no one's stopping you. You could. You can rename yourself that if you like. There we go. I want to talk about why are people out? Like you'll you'll go out driving and the roads aren't empty. At least not where I am. I, I drive and yeah, there's less traffic than normal. Yes, I can drive at 5 p.m. on the freeway and it won't be bumper to bumper traffic like it would be on a usual Friday at 5 p.m. But are the roads abandoned? No. Like it. It the roads don't look like. During the day, like they look at three in the morning, when it really is abandoned, there's nobody there, ever. Except I got you. it. It's the same reason they're on PP poker, right? It's the safety versus convenience thing, right? It, it's kind of like that. Yeah, people are having a very hard time just absolutely staying home. So I have wondered where everybody's going because most businesses are closed. Yes, you can go to the grocery store. Yes, you can go to the pharmacy or the bank. Yes, you can go to uh, pick up food for takeout. They're looking for toilet paper, man. Now, good luck with that. But uh, <laughs> maybe they're going to public bathrooms to take to steal toilet paper from them. That's possible. But I have looked at like all the cars on the freeway, and I go, "Where are they going?" Like we were, we were actually driving to a hike that we had to get on the freeway for. That's okay. I was we're going to say, "Where the hell were you going when you're?" Yeah, we were. We were, going we, were we were going to a hike. But I was thinking, where's everybody else going? I doubt all these people are going to a hike right now, especially it was, it was kind of later in the day. I go, where's everybody else going, though? The freeway especially, because you can go to a supermarket driving on local roads. You don't need to get on the freeway. It wouldn't make sense to get on the freeway. So I go, where are all these people going? It was weird. But I think a lot of people, and I, I've seen reports about this on Twitter, going, well, I'm seeing people on the road, so where are they going? I think a lot of people are still having a hard time just 
really, really completely shutting it down. They just they need something. They just they just go do it. They go get it. Provided the business is open, they go get it. Maybe some are even going to visit friends and just saying, "Well, I'll just visit this one friend. I'll just visit these two friends. It's not a big deal." Like I, I think people are really having a hard time, really shutting down completely and just staying in their house as much as they can, other than for very, very important visits of uh, where they need to go. And is this going to cause the virus to keep spreading rapidly or have the measures we've taken? Is that already enough? There is a huge reduction of the, the number of people that are together now. And there's no more big crowds anymore, of course. And there's, there are a lot more people home as opposed to out or if they are out, they're out, uh, you know, somewhere hiking or in parks or uh, running or whatever it is where they're not that close to other people or, or touching anything or really have much of a chance of infecting everyone. So if we have eliminated a lot of the sources of potential infection, then is that enough? Is it possible that the level of distancing we have might be good enough to stop this from increasing? And that it really will slow down. Because I, I think this is as far as we're going to get. Especially because there are some things that have to stay open. You have to have the grocery stores open. Otherwise people can't eat. Or they, and they run out of so just basic products leading for their home. We, we see the toilet paper problem. But if grocery stores were closed, we'd have that problem with everything. And the only way we could get around it then is if there were delivery services that could manage to deliver everything to everybody. And we don't have that. So with that open, and pharmacies open, and banks open, and then people who need to travel to do essential work that could cause a lot of trouble if the work wasn't done, such as plumbers. Like if there's uh, – you don't want to just let uh, someone's uh, pipes leaking all over the house. You can't just say plumbers can't work anymore. Plumber, plumbers have to work or it can create a health issue of its own. So there's there's a lot of people who need to travel uh, in their cars to places. You can't just say nobody can leave their house. And it's hard to enforce. Even if they put cops out there uh, trying to pull people over and say, where are you going? People can prepare themselves with excuses. Okay, I'm, I'm driving to the grocery store. I'm driving to the pharmacy. I'm driving to this. It, it's, it's something that's very hard to really enforce beyond just giving a strong suggestion, as New York has done, as California has done where they say it's mandatory, but they're not really enforcing it very much in, in a way where, uh, like, anyone can always say they're just going to the grocery store. How can you prove someone's not going to the grocery store? You can't. Even if you're, even they're going a different direction than you'd expect, they could say, well, they didn't have toilet paper at this one. I'm going to a different one. So this is a, this is a very hard thing to make everyone do. Uh, you can prevent gatherings, such as what we were seeing on the beach in Florida that's, that's been since stopped. But you can't do that much as far as uh, preventing people from leaving or going to these essential places or even infecting each other at these essential places like the grocery store. And, you know, the dumbass factor, right? I mean, there's a certain segment of the population that's just not going to not going to believe it, doesn't think that we landed on the moon, thinks the the earth is flat. Like, there's, you know, there, there are going to be people that just don't give a shit and are going to do it anyway. I think the 
the honest to God truth is that we have no idea how many people have this virus because we are so behind in terms of testing anybody, right? Like the the only reason you're starting to see some numbers kind of go up and, and register is they're actually starting to test people and they're not even testing that many. Right. I mean, there, there are tons and tons of people that are going to end up getting this, you know. Yeah. Well, that's that's another topic. We'll just we'll just move to this one next year about the about the yeah. testing. Uh, the testing here, it, there's something that people are overlooking. Not everybody, but that a lot of people are overlooking. And you, you've touched on it here that not only don't we know how many people have it, but we also don't know the death rate because yep. there are a lot of asymptomatic people, apparently. Look at the NBA players who got infected with the coronavirus who know that they're infected because they tested every single NBA player because a few of them came down with it. And, of course, they're tossing the ball back and, and getting very close to each other during the game. So that crap will. Uh... And, and, and they've got tons of money. So they can actually do that. They can actually get everyone tested. Yes. You know? Well, yeah. well, they, well it's a matter of access to tests. But yeah, because it's a very. The NBA is very influential. They were able to get all the tests they need, and they were able to test all the players. So they tested yep. the players, even after they shut down the NBA. You can't even say, well, they just don't want to infect everybody. It, it, it's, they're not infecting people anymore because there's no more NBA games. But they, they were right. able to test everybody, and there were some players who were found to have it. And some of these players have since come forward and said, I have it. I've tested positive for it, but I have no symptoms. And right. that makes us wonder... Is it a false positive? Is there are there have been some false positives reported with these coronavirus tests, and they're they're working on that. But uh, at the moment, they don't have any tests without uh, false positives. There's been as high as a ten percent false positive rate. But uh, one in ten is pretty high. It is pretty high, it's, and that's a problem, and that hasn't been discussed much. But uh, provided it's not a false positive for these players that got tested uh, positive and have no symptoms, then it would seem that unless their symptoms are going to show up later, there's also been some theories that people can be asymptomatic for up to two weeks and then show symptoms at that point. But there also might be a large number of people who just never get symptoms. This has been suspected of children, that since children are less susceptible to this, especially children over five, that they are – it's very possible that a lot of them got it and just showed zero symptoms. So your kids, I mentioned this last week, your kids, when I say you, I mean the listener here, also could be CalWatch kids or my kids, uh, could have it or have had it and you would not have known because they don't show symptoms. And who gets tested? Well, not people who have no symptoms. If you don't have symptoms, you don't get tested. And if that's happening and there's a lot of people who have it and never show symptoms or show symptoms that are so mild they don't bother to get tested – then you have a lot more people who had it than realize they had it, and that makes the overall death rate go down. For every person that is not tested and not determined to have it, who actually did have it, then the death rate actually is too high because they're, they're only uh, because there's people missing who had it and didn't die from it. So that's yeah. And if, if I could, like, and I'm not being partisan about this at all because I don't give a shit who's in charge. Our response to this has been horrendously bad, like horrendously bad in terms of actually taking it seriously, in terms of closing things down before it spreads, in terms of actually having tests there, you know, a plan in place, 
I mean, it's just, it's a complete shit show. And I think it will, it would not surprise me at all if the United States ends up being by far the most affected country. I mean, it would not, it would not surprise me at all. Well, the United States, it does have uh, the fourth largest, uh, or the third largest population in the world, but a, a, distant, right. a distant third, but, uh, but still the third. And th- that's, that's a factor. But even looking per, per capita, uh, yes, we yep. could, we could have a, a problem that Italy is, is really, uh, having a huge problem per capita. And they, they, right now they're, the, they're the real hotspot in the world for, for this virus. Yeah. And, and part of it is going to be down to demographics too, right? So it, they do have, more old people there, I believe, than we do. They do. Yeah. Uh, so, per capita, yeah, it, it definitely could be bad from that perspective. And and I have read some things that are saying that, you know, a lot of the people that have died from coronavirus uh, also had like a number of other conditions or a number of other viruses that kind of conspired together to make it happen. But, you know, I mean, the, the real point is that I think our our response was really lousy, and we're Ill prepared for anything like this. Well, so, so so here's the biggest concern here in that. So so first of all, with the, with the testing, the reason this matters so much, what the true death rate is, is that people there been people have been saying, oh, this is just another flu, so we don't panic about the flu, which we get every year. So why are we panicking about it, this? The flu is not another fucking flu. Well, it's just not. Well, so so, <laughs> well, that's what I'm going to bring up here is that. The big difference is the death rate. The big difference is if this spreads as easily as the flu does and infects as many people as the flu does, but the death rate is 10 to 30 times, then that becomes a much, much bigger deal than the flu because the death rate is so much higher. Uh, secondarily, the, it seems like the people, this rate of people getting very sick but not dying is higher as well. So that's, that's another concern. It's not just about whether you die. It's about if you're in terrible shape for a few weeks. It's another big problem. Where the flu usually you don't get that bad unless you're already sick. But yeah. and uh, incidentally, Druff, like all of these a holes who are like, you know, I'm in my 20s. It doesn't matter, or whatever. Well, first of all, all of you have parents and grandparents. You don't want them to get sick and die. But additionally, if this does spread to as many people as it is projected to spread to, and it overwhelms the healthcare system, and then something else happens to you, like you get into a car accident or something else happens. You know, sorry. Like, there's just no facility to to care for everybody. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So, it's so, gonna and and not just that. Like the economic impact. Like it's it's gonna affect everybody. Like I don't care who you are. You know, it's ridiculous. So we've got to figure out first of all the true death rate as much as possible because that will see the economy has been shut down. So there's there's the economic impact of this, and that can't be ignored. It's it's going to be a tremendous impact and. We have to see – we didn't shut down for the flu, obviously. We don't ever shut down for the flu. So this – to make this shutdown justified and the social distancing justified, the death rate has to be – or the death rate and or the uh, the severe symptom rate has to be substantially higher than the flu, which from what we can see, it is. And that's why just comparing it to the flu is incorrect. But it would be helpful to know – how high the death rate really is and how much how many times worse than the flu it really is 30 times worse worse than the flu is horrendous uh two times worse than the flu that's uh not pleasant but it doesn't become the the danger that that we thought it was and we don't know yet and that's why we have to know how many asymptomatic people there are 
And that's why it is very, very important to get a lot of tests made very quickly, have them be reliable, and and then test large segments to be able to tell. We don't have to test all 330 million Americans, but we have to be able to test enough to where we can see how many people have it, what percentage tend to be asymptomatic, if the asymptomatic people tend to be transmitting it, and what the death rate truly is once we include the asymptomatic people, and also how many people have severe symptoms, including the asymptomatic people, and look at that rate. That rate's been pretty much ignored, but that it shouldn't be ignored. The uh, if, you, if you get really sick and, and you're in the hospital for three weeks, then only do you take up a hospital bed, but it's also very, very unpleasant. So you can't just say, well, I won't die from it, so it's fine. Well, it's not fine if you're gonna if you're gonna need a, a respirator to breathe for three weeks. That's still not fine. Even if you could look into the future and see you're gonna survive it, that's a, that'd be a terrible three weeks you're gonna have, and you're gonna take up a hospital bed. So that has to be looked at too. Of uh, what percentage of people are hospitalized from this? What percentage of people are dying? And you have to make sure you include asymptomatic people in that, and that can only be done through extensive testing, which has been. Not done yet, and there's, and so the U.S.'s response, as Cal Watts said, has not been good. And, <laughs> not at all. And and so, and and so here's the two biggest problems: this this weird thing with the testing, where we've had a a long time passing now, where it just seems no progress is being made with the number of tests available, and it's not really explained or understood. Why is it now? With this amount of time that has passed, why is it still so hard to come by tests? Why do they sometimes refuse to test people unless they have been in contact with someone who has a coronavirus? So you can come in with all the classic symptoms of it, and they still won't test you, saying, sorry, you don't meet the criteria because you haven't actually been with someone who's been known to have the coronavirus, which is crazy. If you Because the thing is, with this, there's a lot of pretty specific symptoms that separate this from the cold and the flu and that to where it would be totally justified to test you. And believe it or not, they are not testing a lot of people in the U.S. who really, really seem to have it because of this requirement. And why why would that be? Like, why do you think they might not test you? Because they don't have enough tests. Exactly. Exactly. If it was something that they could just whip out something – you know, and and do a test real quick. They would a hundred percent fucking do it. Yeah. So 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 it's not really understood why there are not enough tests, especially now since it's been identified for quite some time. There's not enough tests. Why has there not been more of an effort to quickly produce more tests? And I don't have an answer for that one. It's weird. That that's that's one problem. Another problem is that there needs to be more hospital beds. And there needs to be a lot more hospital beds, a lot more respirators, a lot more uh, places people can be treated for this. And we're not really seeing a plan for doing that. And, and We're not seeing shit. And, and like in Wuhan, they built a whole new fucking hospital in 10 days. 10 days. I was talking to my wife about this. And there is no fucking shot that that is going to happen here. Like, it's just not... The, the only thing that could potentially happen is some existing structure, like existing military base or something, gets appropriated and converted into it. Or, or like the uh, governor of Los Angeles or, or whatever, or the mayor or whoever, who is trying to get the um, a floating military hospital ship, 
you know, off the coast. Like I could see that happening. But that's not but many. I, there's I, still not many bids. Like they have to really, really increase big right. time. And I, I don't understand. There hasn't been a plan that has been outlined on how that's going to be done. So, what? Well, Trump, what you said it. There for for all of this stuff. There hasn't been a plan. The, the, no one's fucking doing anything. It's ridiculous. It, it, it's weird. And also with what they're doing, what's called flattening the curve, where they're trying to make it to where if a large percentage of the population is going to get it in the U.S., that it's spread out over a long period of time and everybody doesn't all get it at once and overwhelm the hospitals to where they don't have nearly the number of beds to put people in. But if they still don't have enough beds to put people in by a wide margin – then this isn't going to accomplish very much because you're still going to, even if you flatten the curve, if the curve is still higher than the number of hospital beds there are, then you still have the same problem. It's just spread out over a long period of time. So the what they should be doing with this time that they think they're buying here is frantically getting ready for uh, waves of people entering hospitals from this and get more beds, get more hospitals, get more respirators and, and hire more staff, get more people, get 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 it to where we are ready for a big influx of people into hospitals who have this. Otherwise, well, you know what if, I, you if know we know what just I waste this time. Super hard, <clears throat> what I think makes it super hard is just the our healthcare system and the way it's structured in the United States is fucking awful. And it's so many different independent providers and independent hospitals and all this kind of stuff. You can't just like order them to do all this stuff and there's no real coordinated effort that can be going on. I mean, one of the things that I've been thinking about is I, I hope that, you know, after we come out from the other side of this, I hope that something happens that the, the healthcare system in the United States stops being such a shit show. You know, I mean, well, it's just an absolute fucking nightmare. I'll tell you, I am a, I have a different concern about that. I am, I am concerned that this is going to spur a change in the, U.S. healthcare system, but not a positive one. One that they think is positive, but is going to make it worse. And that's, uh, that, that could happen too. <laughs> that, that's 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 what I'm afraid is going to be the result. But but right now, like the government, it it can force uh, hospitals and other industries to behave in a certain way in this time of emergency, and they, they can even fund it. The government, for whatever reason, there just is not a plan in place to do this, and that's what all the focus should be on right now is. We're going to slow down the uh, the spread of this virus, so where everyone doesn't get it at once. We're, we're distancing. We're we're going to slow it down to where fewer new cases are going to show up, but with the belief that it's possible that it will spread to a large percentage of the country eventually throughout the rest of 2020. But since we've bought some time, now let's frantically get ready for when these people get sick. So we have enough beds for them. We have enough respirators for them. We have enough care for them. And I haven't seen a plan to do that, and it's confusing. I don't understand why, and that's a mistake. Nah, it's, rough. it's all good. Everything's fine. Like we, we, They just injected $1.5 trillion into the stock market. And that's where the money should be spent. Like It's all good. No worries. So it's, it's that's <laughs> I, I don't understand why that's not being done. It, it needs to be done. And if... Somehow this fades out because I will say this. It's not a certainty that like half the population is going to get in the U.S. or more than mm. half. I've, I've seen those projections, but it's, these are all theoretical. It's possible that the distancing people are doing now 
will be enough to really slow the spread and that if this theory about the warmer weather bringing it down, if that, if that has an effect, even if it's not as dramatic as people thought, uh, it's possible that this whole thing could kind of peter out and, and, and not become a big deal and, uh, um, and then this will never get to where people were fearing it was getting. And then the failure to prepare for what is the possible wave of uh, a tremendous number of people getting it at once, uh, the failure to prepare for that will not be looked at as negatively or even focused upon because it didn't happen. So uh, not that I'm rooting for it to happen to show this. I'm rooting for it not to happen. I really hope that this is something that fades out and that does not become as bad as people were fearing. Uh, I also hope that there's, there's one possible thing. I didn't even have this on the agenda, but it's all part of the same discussion. There is some hope that existing drugs can help fight the coronavirus. And there's this one sure. that has to do with uh, malaria, which has been found to be effective in some patients with coronavirus, at least the ones that are not already to a severe stage yet. People who have a, a severe stage, it looks like it doesn't help. But uh, if they could find an existing drug, maybe this one, maybe a different one, that if you catch it early and use this drug that it really brings down the effects of it, then that will really, really be a huge weapon to turn the tide of this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Because then people, if provided this drug is available, provided they manufacture it quickly and it's available, then people know if they act quickly that they'll be okay. And that would be a huge load off everybody's shoulders. If you know until you- the next one, though, Druff, and there have been any number of you know, there's SARS, there's MERS, there's the swine flu, like, and there's going to be more. And that's actually one of the reasons why a lot of the Asian countries, their response was so much better, and their containment was so much better, is that they had been through this with SARS, and they had built up systems in place for handling this, and we we have. We haven't done shit. Wait, well, so, right, well, well, once this is over, for sure, there's going to be a lot of reform to where yeah. the next time this happens, uh, we're going to do A, B, C, and D differently. And I, I hope the right decisions right. are made with that. Uh, also, I will say this one's unusual, and I mentioned this in the last show. This one is different than, than SARS and MERS because it doesn't have the super rapid onset of severe symptoms. That makes right. it obvious you have it. So if SARS and MERS yep. couldn't spread well, nor could Ebola, because they had such severe and rapid symptoms that the person, not only do they know not to go spread it around, but they don't even, they're, they're too weak to even get up and spread it around. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I wasn't trying to draw parallels between this and that in terms of the similarity, but rather just that there are you know a number of different kind of incarnations of these communicable diseases that are coming around so well yes you know even if this does peter out like there's going to be another one you know like there's going to be as as bad as this one one. as bad as this one is imagine if you combine this one see this one is 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 unusual and that it's a one-two punch of being able to spread easily and that it kills a lot more people than the flu so that's that's why this one is is so unusual and no one's seen anything like this in their lifetime. However, can you imagine if you had the combination of this one, of how it can spread, and it has the death rate of the 2002 SARS or the MERS, which were a much higher death rate than this? Can you imagine one that kills like 50% of the people? Yeah. You think the panic's bad now. Can you imagine if this... Think of one that spreads as much as the flu does, but kills 50% of the people. That You think now is a panic. 
that would be pandemonium, and that's possible to happen in the future. That's uh, just because this one happens to not kill fifty percent doesn't mean there won't be one that is because we, we've had ones that kill fifty percent. It's just they don't spread easily because people get sick so fast. But the, they don't have to get sick fast. This, this one it can be a combination. It can be one like this where people don't get sick fast, spread it. And then it kills fifty percent anyway. Once it once it develops, and then that could be a big or one that that uh, younger people can spread and be asymptomatic, and and kill the older people who or, die at a much higher or rate. One that, or one that affects younger people, you know. I mean, but yeah, all of these things are are definitely possible, and I, I hope that we prepare more seriously for it in the future because you know the the way that it's been done here is just. It's pretty atrocious, yeah, in my what, opinion. Once this is all done, I think there will be things put into place. The lightning struck once now, so when this is done, no matter where this goes, whether it's uh, the worst-case scenario that's being painted or, or something much less than that or something in the middle, it, it, it made enough of an impact to where there's going to be a lot of safeguards put into place and a lot of procedures put into place that weren't there before. People were kind of in denial that this could could happen. And, and now it's happening, and people say... Now, now, what about the interesting nexus, Struff? The interesting nexus that's going on between people not doing as much in terms of their daily activities and the reduction in smog and, smo- and smoke and pollution and all that kind of stuff that we've been hearing reports around. Like, isn't that kind of interesting? It's interesting, but in the U.S. it's not going to do as much because, uh, like in Asia, there's a lot of countries there that have terrible smog problems, uh, terrible pollution problems. In the U.S., there's been a tremendous improvement in that over the last few decades. I remember growing up in L.A. in the 80s, how bad the smog problem was. Oh, yeah. And it is yeah. so much better today. There, there's, they've made uh, tremendous progress in that, uh, some through technological advancements, some in, uh, in, in regulations. Uh, that has been a big success. Uh, smog and pollution are not that much of a problem in the U.S. where they were at one point. Uh, well, so- and in part, one of the reasons why that was also reduced is a lot of the manufacturing was sent somewhere else. Right? I mean, Some of it, but it's, know, it's also just that there's been a lot of things improved in general. Yeah. That, uh, yeah, yeah. That, that's for sure. But there have been a whole lot of, you know, there's a whole global warming thing. And it's just kind of interesting, like something like this might accidentally force countries to do what the people who are raising the alarm bells about global warming have said we need to do, you know, it might, it might kind of like coincidentally just cause it to happen, you know, It'd be kind of interesting. True. Yeah. There, there yeah. will be a lot of impacts from it. It'll be interesting to see when this is all over, what the different impacts are, including economically, uh, some things that might change, uh, not oh, just, yeah. not just in the short term where, where we're going to have for sure a lot of problems, even when this is well, done. a lot of people are just like, you know, a lot of people are home and they're not having to work anymore. And they're like, you know, wait a minute. Like, was I really doing something useful or necessary with, with my life? You know, <laughs> depending on like, I've got this with tell us that this Whittles guy that's yelling at me when I'm trying to serve him a freaking burger, you know, I could be doing something else with my life. Okay. Well, since we're talking about the economic, let's move on next to talk about that. Uh, there's been, Obviously, a, a big impact already. A lot of people have lost their jobs. Think of Vegas with the devastation that's caused. But it, it, around the whole country, there's been mm-hmm. a lot of devastation of, of jobs being lost. People who held uh, positions in the stock market have been clobbered. Uh, some industries worse than others, but uh, both with employment and with the uh, stock market. Of course, there's small businesses that, of certain types that are getting killed here. 
you don't want to own a restaurant right now. You don't want to own a, a hotel right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, there's a lot of different uh, industries that are going to be very very damaged by this. The airline industry, the cruise ship industry is going to be really really damaged badly. The uh, anything related to travel events. Public events. Is, is anyone ever going to get on a cruise ship again? Well, yeah. they, I think they will, but it's going to take some time. Uh, but uh, but that's going to be definitely damaging. It'll be one of the slowest ones to come back to, to where it was, and it may never quite get as popular as it was uh, prior to all this because it exposed something yeah. that people kind of knew about but didn't think about that much until this. But so there's going to be economic impact. But then there's also a matter of the short term. What do they do? If, so if people, a lot of people can't work, and it's, if people lost their jobs from this. You can't just go, okay, well, I'll get another job. It's, it's uh, not that simple. When nothing's going on here, you can't just go get another job. So if you've lost your job, you're pretty much screwed at the moment. And if you're not bringing money in, then how can you pay the rent? How can you, how can you pay for food? So the government realized that something has to be done about this. And they actually are leaning towards an Andrew Yang-type solution, of the government sending a check to... Oh, the irony. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> oh, the irony, all the people that laughed at him. Now they're doing it. Yeah. Well, uh, I, I have to say this is a different circumstance than what he was talking about. He was just saying sure. every month this is, this is something that uh, is an emergency. But but they are, they are going to probably send out some kind of check soon. It's still being worked out in the government that the Republicans, Democrats are arguing about the what should be sent and to whom and, and, and some other details attached to it but a check is probably going to go out fairly soon and it's going to be probably $1,200 and $2,400 to a married couple is per adult and uh, it's going to then be phased out for people who make $75,000 or more and then disappear entirely if you make 99000 or more per year now that's fine I understand this has to be done, but there's some people have asked, well, that's for one month. How many months are you going to do this? This seems this thing seems like it's going to last for several months. So uh, this is going to have a very high cost to it, obviously. Uh, what are you going to do? Isn't the government going to run out of money to keep sending these checks? And the answer is yes. So some have said, well, print money. Just print more money. Well, I am surprised that some are advocating that solution because uh, this has happened before. Not not pandemics like this, but I'm talking about uh, where a country gets itself into economic trouble and it attempts to print money as its way out of its problems. Zimbabwe. Yes, Zimbabwe is a good example. I own, I own one of their one trillion Zimbabwe dollar notes. But Cal, <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, Cal, you, you're, you're, you're kind of distorted, like too loud and a little distorted. Have you changed something in the last uh, like half hour? It started happening about half an hour ago. I just didn't say anything. Uh, Sounds like I didn't change anything. Is that better? I'm holding the microphone. It may be a little better. Maybe it was too close to your mouth. Yeah, it just sounded kind of distorted, like so loud it was distorted. Yeah, okay. sorry. No, I was saying that I, I had a. I've got a one tw- trillion dollar Zimbabwe dollar note. Yes, it's an that, actual currency thing. I know that, that actually, right? And that's a great example. And I was having arguments with people on Twitter about this who actually were saying, "No, this is not going to cause hyperinflation. There's nothing for people to buy. There's, I can't see inflation happening." I said, 
Have you looked at the other countries that have tried this? Like, this has been tried many times by other countries in economic trouble. Forget the cause of the trouble. But mm-hmm. they were in trouble. They printed more money to try to solve the problem. And it brought on worse problems. And it devastated everybody's savings. And then you, then I had people going, well, that's okay. It actually, it, it'll help equalize people in this country. We, we have too much in this country, people, the haves versus the have-nots. This will, this will equalize. Yeah, it'll make everybody a have-not is what it'll do. So that's, that's not the right thing. We've got to be sure that in whatever response the government takes to this, and you can't just, you can't just leave the people who are screwed by this and say fend for yourselves. You can't just say, well, okay, you're out of a job, you can't find one. Oh, well, I guess you just end up on the street. Number one, people ending up on the street could actually make this worse because there's no more social distancing. People are on the street. And number two, you can't just – this wasn't their fault. This was something that just happened and that the country has to deal with. And you can't just say to a big percentage of the population who's uh, – who can't afford anything anymore because they can't work. They want to work. They can't work. You can't just say tough luck. You're on the street. You, you can't eat. Uh, F you. You should have saved better. You can't say that and, to people. And incidentally, Druff, the people on the street may have baseball bats, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you don't, I'm saying? So, so you, you, have to, you have to prevent this from happening, and the government does have to step in. And so, so yes, yeah, sending some money or giving some kind of assistance to those who need it because that when their problems were caused by this, uh, needs to be done, and if you say otherwise, then you you either have no heart or you don't understand the problem well or both. But that does not mean that there's no limit to this or that uh, it can't be done wrong. Yeah, it can be done mm-hmm. wrong. It, it definitely can be done wrong where you actually make things worse, where in an attempt to solve the problem in the short term, you make things far worse in the long term. You have to be very careful about that. Because you've seen some countries that have done this, again, not about the coronavirus, but long ago. Not, when I say long ago, I mean in, in recent times, in recent decades, but not uh, since this has all happened, that have done this to try to get themselves out of economic trouble, and it's turned into a complete disaster. So whatever solution is employed, it should never involve printing money to be able to fund it. it, it once you get there... We're going to have huge problems. Now, what is, what's the solution then? What if this goes on several more months? Well, I was thinking about that. There's no easy answer to this, but I was thinking about that. One possible solution is for, uh, number one, the government starts looking more closely at who really needs the aid instead of just sending out blanket checks to every adult or every adult making 99000 or less. Start looking at who was really affected by this, who who, who really uh, is, isn't working, who really uh, – like there will be some people receiving this money right now that just just because you're making less than 75K a year doesn't mean you need the money at the moment. There's some people who are still working that make less than 75K a year. They don't really need it. They'll be happy to take it, but they don't need it. So they, they can eliminate some of that. Uh, number two, the, governor, the government can start um, paying for things. That uh, that people need without just giving them money, so they can they can start uh, s- sending vouchers to people to get certain groceries. They can they can start uh, spend, sending uh, certain vouchers for paying rent. Whatever. I'm I'm just throwing this off the top of my head. Now again, this will cost money, but it'll cost less money than just sending out uh, checks to everybody every month and then printing money to pay for it. I'm not saying they have to sending out the checks right now is fine in the short term. 
But uh, if this goes too long, they have to come up with other solutions, and printing money is never the solution. That will, that will never get it done, and it, it'll be a fiasco that we could take decades to correct. I'm not even exaggerating. So that's, that's something you have to be very careful not to do. Something else that's uh, been discussed recently and that I am very much against unless it were to be modified from what's currently being uh, proposed or even done in some places is the matter of evictions. So you can't pay your rent because you uh, lost your job because of the coronavirus. Okay, then what? Should you be out on the street? And let's say this is before you get the government checks that uh, should be able to tide you over some, but uh, should people be able to be evicted during this time? Well, the knee-jerk thing to say is no. It's not their fault. They lost their job through no... It was beyond their control. They didn't cause it. Why should they be homeless? You can't just go get a job now. It's not fair. But... If you say no evictions, what does that mean? It means that people can just not pay their rent with zero consequence. It also means people can misbehave in other ways with zero consequence. It also means they can uh, cause problems in if it's like an apartment building. They can cause as many problems as they want as long as they're not uh, doing something to get themselves arrested. Then they can do it. And they can't be evicted. There are a lot of people who are evicted for reasons other than non-payment of rent. That's something also that uh, shouldn't be ignored. So if, if someone – so first of all, are my sound levels decent now or is it, it, it still it, horrible? It, it was bad at, at first when you just said that and then it got better as you were talking. You know what? I think what it is is I'm going on mute and unmute and I think as it recalibrates the microphone, oh, like Skype auto-adjusts right. the gain that. on it, you know, whatever. Anyway um, – well, let's say you do evict someone, Druff. Like, who the hell are you going to rent the apartment to? Well, well, Anyone, okay, you know? but but that's that. I've had that question asked. See, I I, dis- I discussed yeah. this on the forum, and a lot of people were disagreeing with me, and they said yeah. one of them one of them brought up what you said. Uh, yeah. Well, who's going to rent them anyway? Or or if they allowed evictions, weren't there, wouldn't the court system be so backlogged it would take forever anyway? And then and other others, there's also a point brought up that. Uh, if you can't rent it to somebody, then if the place stays vacant, maybe the squatters will go in there or vandals will go in there and it'll cause further problems for the landlord. And I said, okay, these are things that can happen, but why are you taking the choice away from the landlord? What if the landlord wants to take a chance about these things? What if the landlord's like, okay, I'd rather have the apartment vacant than someone here who's not paying? So now keep in mind, I'm not, I'm not advocating that you could, that just tough luck on these people that go on the street, they get evicted. What I'm saying here is that if you just say no evictions, tough luck on the landlord. What happens here is you are making a social program off the backs of the landlords. You're, you're saying instead of the government paying for the social program, which is the way it should be, if a social program right. is necessary, you're saying landlords will pay for this. What's going to happen? Because if if you make evictions illegal for the time being, and if someone just wants to stay where they're living, they can, even if they pay no rent or, or even if, they cause, if they're a nuisance in the building. You can't get rid of them throughout this entire situation, which could be a long time. And then once this is over and evictions are allowed again, there's going to be a huge backlog in the court system. It'll probably take another six plus months. So you could be looking at over a year where people can just sit and pay zero rent 
and stall, 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 stall until finally they get evicted in court, and that's that. And that would be a disaster for landlords. And, and so I've heard a solution proposed. Well, just uh, landlords shouldn't have to pay their mortgage right now either, which, which has been done in some jurisdictions where the mortgages are not due right now either. But it's not just about the mortgage. The landlords, they have so many different expenses. The mortgage is just one of them. Well, and then also you're kicking the can down the road to the banks that are holding the mortgage. Notes. Yes, that, 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 I mean? like, yes. Then yeah. that's that's that, and that's the other thing is that yeah. um, so the thing with the mortgage is that uh, at least the banks, if they're not, if the properties aren't underwater, the uh, if you do kick the can down the road, at least the landlords are probably going to pay it, and if they don't, there's a very serious consequence, and that is. Uh, they lose their their house or apartment building, and the bank takes it, and then the bank has something of, of real value. Uh, with with these renters, if they just leave when the whole thing's over, after after a year of paying no rent, other than an eviction on their record, which who knows that may be forgiven down the line anyway when when this is all done, uh, they have there's no consequence to them. They can just leave and walk away from the whole thing, and, and the landlord's left holding the bag. So so what's the solution? We can't just throw everybody on the street because they can't pay their rent, but we also just can't make the landlords the sponsors of the social program, which is what what's what's being advocated here by many. I feel if this if this is what the government deems is necessary, that people can't be evicted. First of all, I feel there should be evictions for uh, um, certain types of nuisances allowed, because otherwise this empowers people to be nuisance tenants, and that can be a whole different problem. But but second, um, even ignoring that for the non-payment of rent. If the government deems this is necessary, what should happen is the government should give some form of guarantee that they will cover it if the rent ultimately doesn't get paid. Basically, almost like, like what student loans were, in that uh, the, the person who can't pay their rent is basically taking a loan from the government. Uh, that uh, It doesn't have to be a direct loan, but it would uh, be something like this where if the government eventually has to cover that person's rent, this way the landlord gets paid, then that person owes the government back, and they'll have some sort of terms to pay it back to the government over the next five years or whatever. Some some sort of generous terms as far as paying it back to where they can spread it out over a long period of time, and, and it won't burden them as soon as they go back to work. Uh, something like that to where the person's expected to repay one day, and, and it's that they owe the government, not the landlord. And that if, if they don't, they'll have the same consequences uh, as not paying their taxes. And, and something like that. Obviously, the details can be fleshed out, but something where the government will assist the landlords who have to give this free rent to a lot of people who will do this. Now, will everybody do this? No. There will be there, people who have good credit, people who still have their jobs. Uh, these people are likely to keep paying the rent. But there are people who are in less stable life situations where they're happy to take 14 months of free rent in exchange for an eviction on their record. They'll do it. Some of the, some people will do it not because they want to, but because they just can't find a job and they go, okay, well, got to think of number one here. So I'm not, I, I have some savings, but I'm not going to blow it all on rent. I can get away with over a year of not paying rent. Yeah. I'm going to save my money to, for other things I, I, I'm going to need during this whole thing. So screw the so landlord. I, Druff, I, I think there's a juxtaposition here that might seem a little strange at first, but I think it makes sense. I mean, so if we're talking about where people live, which is sort of a, a basic kind of necessity that you actually have a place to live, um, and contrast that with some of these senators that were briefed 
on what was going on with the coronavirus and proceeded to dump millions and millions of dollars in stock. You know, I mean, it just seems a little bit crazy that this type of thing is going on where you're talking about, and I understand like there, there has to be some kind of a solution because there's a, there's a thin line where if you push people too far, it it just doesn't matter anymore what you tell them to do. Right. You know, I mean, if if it gets to the point where people are just rioting and and no one can get at anything, like the whole society is going to break down. And I understand that you've got to do something and and you want to make it reasonable and equitable, but it, it, I mean, what do you think about these? some of these senators that were briefed on the coronavirus stuff? Like Senator Burr, I think, is one. Well, yeah, I, yeah obviously Senator that's terrible. A, 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 anyone, What's that? Yeah, obviously this is terrible, and they, they all have the same excuse. Oh, we don't actually do our own trading. We have an advisor doing it. It's all BS. I don't believe it. And, and I think anyone who is involved in this uh, needs – unfortunately, some of this is not uh, – Martha Stewart went to fucking jail. Unfortunately, okay? it looks like this isn't a crime technically because uh, – it's not actually considered insider trading, even though it really is. So, but forgetting what the actual letter of the law is, I agree it was very, very unethical. These people who did this are very bad, especially ones that made public statements at the time downplaying the seriousness of the virus, but then, but then were selling off their stock. Um, so, what I'm trying to say, Ruff, is if, if all these people that have no job, they they don't know where to to get food, they don't know, you know, they've got nothing to do, and they're facing eviction. And then they're looking at these fucking assholes that sold millions of dollars in stock. Like, it just it could be bad. It, it, can, I mean? it can be. It that's, be really and, that's, and that's why I believe something does have to be done by the government to help people affected by this. And that's why I'm not even saying that these people should be able to be evicted for non-payment. I'm saying if you need the landlord's cooperation with this, instead of just saying you can't evict these people, you're going to be paying to, to house them now for the next year. It's don't evict these people. We will pay you. We will pay you, and then they're going to owe us back down the line, these people, uh, in, in the years after this when they're back at work and this is all passed, and they're, they're going to pay us, the government, back for the money we loaned them for this. That, that's the way it should be done in some form, not just landlords. I have, an, you're, you're, I have another solution. I want to see what you think yeah. of my solution. My solution is that all of these senators – that dumped their money and and sold millions of dollars of stock, all of that money will go into a fund that will help pay for this, and all of anyone who gets evicted ends up getting moved into their house. <laughs> right? So Senator Burr, you're gonna have to get out some uh, some pillows and some blankets, you know? Send a few hundred people to go angry constituents to go live in his house. What do you think? Well that would be good if that could happen. That would be. Uh, it could. That, that would, like, that would be. That would be. That would be fitting. I, I agree with that. So I just. I just think here's here's the point I'm trying to make is that we have this has to be done in a smart way and in a way that is not overburdensome disproportionately to a certain segment of 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 businesses business owners or anything else. You can't just say, well, these are tough times. We need to. We need to all sacrifice. So you can say that when it doesn't affect you. And uh, yeah. uh, so, so you have to. You have to look at. Uh, there's people like what if they just decreed anyone who owns a restaurant just has to give free food to anyone who shows up and says that they're affected by the coronavirus. The restaurant owners say, "What the hell? We can't do that. We will go under." Um, so you can't just say free stuff for everybody on the backs of other people. What we need to say is the government can provide certain things for people who are affected by this in a common sense fashion, 
and, and, and try to make the least impact to private businesses of what they have to do. Private businesses of any kind should not be uh, forced to provide uh, social programs. It should be the government doing it, and the government needs to do it in a smart way. And the government needs to look at it doing it in a way that has to – that they have to look at not just doing this for the next month or two, but also saying – can this be sustained for six months? What is our what is our six month plan? What's our four month plan? What's our eight month plan? We've got to mm-hmm. come up with a plan for everything, depending on what happens here, and something that's realistic that that can actually occur. And and I see not a lot of that happening, and that's that's a lot of the stuff down the road, which does make me nervous. And I I don't know where a lot of this is going to go, and I'm afraid there could be some very bad decisions made. Uh, the, like like if we end up down the road that gives us uh, hyperinflation, Zimbabwe style, mm-hmm. that that recovering from that, who knows what how long that could take? Forty years could pass; we wouldn't be recovered from that. But the interesting thing about it is that it it really is pretty much the whole world that's going to be kind of fucked by this in one way or another. So I don't know. I mean, I, I wonder. You know, like if the U.S. economy goes under, there are a lot of other countries that are, that are going to be pretty fucked as well. You know. Oh yeah, that's that, that one thing. You, there's no escape from this. <laughs> Every, there's, no. This, this uh, affects the whole world, and that uh, that's why this is unprecedented. What we're going to see, the, the results from this, both uh, short term, me, medium term, and, and long term, as well. And that's why we we have to think about that as well. The world will go on past this, and that we have to look at the impact <laughs> it's going to have. And, and also think about down the line and how to lessen the impact. There's no way to have no impact or a small impact. That's we're way past that point. Right. But but to not have a tremendous impact that's going to ruin everything for decades to come, we've got to be real careful that, that we don't do that. Now uh, I, I want to. I'm thinking three to six months, Druff. I'm thinking three to six months is what the what is going to be going on here. You know, well, the, I, I, the recovery of this stuff. yeah. Well, it's uh, until it gets better. I, I don't know because obviously, if a vaccine, if a successful vaccine is developed, that would be there's not enough time. Man. They, there's not I know enough that's time what I'm saying. It. That's the, the problem. Is it's going to be uh, by all estimates, we're not going to see one of those until 2021, and maybe not even mid until mid 2021, which is far away. So, yeah. uh, th- think of how much. Let me show you how much time that is, people. Okay, you may say, "Oh, that's not that much time." It is. On January 1st of this year, none of you knew what a coronavirus was, except maybe if you were aware that uh, SARS was technically a coronavirus. That was a, a form of a coronavirus. None of you knew about this coronavirus existing. None of you. Well, the common January. cold is a coronavirus, too, yeah. right? But, yeah. but, but, but January, on January 1st, none of you knew about this COVID-19. You didn't even know about it on January 1st. Think of how much has happened in that two and a half months since early right. January. So, so can you imagine another year and a half or a year of this i mean that's uh it, this is gonna be the slowest passing year that you're ever gonna have I, i'm thinking again i'm thinking three to six months um depending right I and mean, you know it's it's hard to forecast these things because you don't know what's going to happen you know it could it could peter out in the summer it could get you know much much worse but i'm i'm thinking three to six months of the social distancing and the remote working and the isolation all that kind of fun stuff. And then I'm thinking a really long, really long recovery process to get it back to where yes, I, I agree uh, with you that. Know, what we thought was normal. You I, know? I agree that the, it's going to be a long process. Some things will be faster than others. Some things that people want to jump into because they just miss yeah. normal life. And, and, and so I want to do this again. But 
there will be a lot of things that people are kind of nervous to do, and then the economy will have just major impacts from this that are not easy to just bounce back from. So there's going to be a lot of impact from this lasting a long time. Now, I want to mention something that's been changed in case you haven't heard. It's not going to be a long topic here, but uh, tax day has been moved completely. At first, they came up with mm-hmm. a dumb uh, a dumb solution, which was uh, you don't have to pay your taxes until June 15th, but you still have to file them on April 15th, <laughs> which, which yeah, made no sense. I was, like, I was like, how does that make any sense if you don't have to pay it until June 15th? Why would you ever have to file? No, yes, the, this is in the spirit of people requesting extensions, that the extension is always about paying, not filing, but th- this is a different matter. It's, it, either the, the, re- the reason they're doing this is – because a lot of people, number one, a lot of people can't pay this because of losing their jobs, and number two, because of everything going on, uh, it's hard for people to concentrate on doing their taxes with everything going on here. So, or not just concentrate, but even sometimes get the resources to do it, or whatever it is. That it, there's there's too many things going on that are going to prevent this. So uh, at first, and if the money's not coming in till June 15th anyway, why make people file by April 15th? Well, finally the government came to its senses and said that not only won't filing be due on April 15th, but we're going we're gonna to make it now July 15th. So, you know, if, if you were worried about your taxes, you haven't started yet, if you're behind in your taxes, this is one thing to get out of your mind. You do not have to turn in your taxes at all until July 15th. I think Senator Burr and a bunch of these other, other senators that sold millions of dollars of stock I think they should personally issue people tax refunds. Like I think that would be a just thing to do, you know. I know to, you, to spare them the the masses coming to their doors and just you know burning them alive. If only if only Senator Burr had more money, this could be done. Yeah. If only you, you know what I'm actually something super selfish that I'm I'm upset about about all this. What I don't I don't know if you're an MMA fan, but I'm sure there are some people listening that are MMA fans. I was so looking forward to this fight between Tony Ferguson and Khabib. It, it's it's probably the most epic fight of all time, and it's been postponed or called off. I think three times already. Oh, really? And now and and now this comes. It's like it, it was scheduled for mid-April, and what they had done for a previous fight is they just did it in an empty arena. It was really weird. Like there's nobody in there, but there there the uh, the and the announcers, and that's it. There's like nobody else there. But I think even that is going to be off the table unless they, you know, decide to like move the the venue to Micronesia or somewhere where there's there's no no. Uh, well, let uh, me tell you something else. No infestations at all from yeah, a selfish but, standpoint. Uh, not not about uh, sports, but yep. I in I had a trip scheduled for October 2018. You may say, what does mm. that have to do with the coronavirus? But I had a trip scheduled for October 2018 to go to Israel for the first time since 1989. That was the last time I had been there. And then I had these uh, terrible uh, anxiety and depression problems that to such a severe level that I at first I was in denial. I'm like, oh, no, this, will, this will be better by October. And then I realized, no, <laughs> it was not going to get better by October. And that uh, yep. even even if it got better just before, there's no way I could trust myself to be able to handle such a long flight. Even if I just got better, I can't trust that it's not going to come back. I have to go through at least a few months where I know I'm okay again. And then I have to probably do some test flights, make sure that I can handle it. So I had to cancel that whole thing, and that was already kind of burdensome. 
the so it got rescheduled. And the good news was that after rescheduling it, number one, it seemed that I was in a condition to go. And number two, something I didn't even think we'd gain out of it, but uh, I didn't think about, but then I realized was a gain from this rescheduling, is that Benjamin, who's going also, was going to be a year and a half older and was going to appreciate it more. And sure enough, he got a lot more excited about the trip. He was way more into the idea of the whole thing than he was for the October 2018 trip when he was just turning eight. So this was a, a, a huge difference in him. Which is understandable because a year and a half for kids of that age makes a big difference. Where for us, it makes a very little difference as far as the way we are. So I said, oh, wow, mm-hmm. okay, at least we got something good out of it. So great. I'm so glad the trip got moved to April 2020. And now that's not going to be happening. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. No, that's, it's done. Slowly came to that realization. And I remember uh, when I was first looking, I go, you know what? I'm starting to worry that this is not going to happen then i saw israel was discussing just like not letting in americans and then then they said we're not letting anybody in from california new york or washington and then that already killed it right there for us and then we thought well maybe they're going to lift this but then things got worse and worse and i'm like okay you know now everybody coming in from a foreign country has to have a 14-day quarantine so that pretty much kills like a two-week trip so that's that's the end of that and uh, the the trip is is done, so that's not happening. So now, zero for two in this Israel trip. First because of my condition, and then uh, then because of the coronavirus condition. So that's. Well, it. I'll tell you what. I mean, something we're dealing with, and you must be dealing with as well, is that our kids' school was canceled. Yes. Right. So the well, okay. So they suspended it, but I mean, realistically. I, I, I can't see them going back to school anytime soon. No, I, I think the school year's over. Yeah, and so what does that do then? Okay, so first of all, like, you know, both my wife and I are, are working from home now, and it's definitely not as easy to work <laughs> when the kids are home and they're bored. You got to entertain them. You got to, um, you know, one of them is, has a Google Classroom thing where you can do some work online, but. Yeah, Ben's been doing you know, that too. But, yeah, but part of it, like you have, you kind of have to be the teacher. You kind of have to yes, you be do. a homeschool. Yeah. And how do you do all this stuff on top of working remote? You know, if you weren't even used to working remote before, and like, what is that also going to do to them in terms of like, are they going to be held back a year? Do they repeat the year? Do they? try to make it up in the summer if it's even clear by then or do they just push them forward i mean no i like, think what, i, I think the there's gonna, going on i there? think they'll have to do what they can at home and then uh provided that everything's good enough in late august for everybody to return to school uh that uh they'll have to modify the curriculums i think of the following grade i don't know what the, i'm talking about the younger kids i don't know what they're going to do for like high school students but but modify some yeah. of these things to where the things that were missed get kind of squeezed in there and the less important stuff of that year gets dropped out they'll have to come up with something a little bit different uh i i think that's going to be so hard though drew there's so much stuff that is structured in such a way and it's a cascading way yeah i know that i don't know how they're going to do that well that's that's one of many weird things they're going to deal with but yeah i know that the the, uh, him being uh out of school i know like all parents have this going on right now. Their kids are just home every day. The kids, yeah. uh, they, they can't go out anywhere except for the, they, they can play outside the backyard or whatever, but they, they, they're mostly in the house. They're mostly just, uh, 
uh, the, on the devices, and uh, and you got to find a way to squeeze the school stuff in. And Be- Benjamin kind of feels like this is a vacation, so he gets upset with having to do school stuff at home. It feels weird to him, right? And and then they so they have a hard time. Like when they're actually at school, they've been conditioned to believe, okay, we're at school; it's not playtime here. But at right. home, it's it's hard for them to take it seriously. It's hard for them to believe it's any more than, than just homework. And then if it lasts too long, it's like, what what is this? And I try to explain, like, this is this should be easier for you. You're actually getting right. a break here, even if it's, it's so. So what you have to do here at home, it's it's not. You you should be uh, relieved that you don't you don't have as much to do as if you were in school. So you've, what are you yeah. doing complaining? But they still complain and. Well, it's tough because like we we try to give them stuff to do, and you know there is some some stuff coming from the school in terms of what they should be doing. But it is work just trying to set up structure for them. Oh, and it is to yeah. try and get you know be the teacher to try and get them to do stuff. Oh, yeah, know? it is. I know it is. And, and 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 then how do you? I know this doesn't impact you as much because you know you're playing poker and you can do that at all various hours but for people that have to work you know eight to five or nine to five or whatever it is they've got to work like that that's pretty difficult well believe it or not it does impact me i'll tell you how it impacts me because uh i i always like these games late at night and uh if i play Mm. too late then i have to wake up where before i'd wake up and bring them to school and go to sleep and now i can't do that or if i now he doesn't leave no, well, yeah, why? Go right. Well, you, we, if his mom is home, then sometimes she can do it, and it depends. But uh, she, she has a job, so she's been working from home recently. But yeah, so it's it's been uh, it's been tough, and uh, we'll we'll. See. Well, it, it's just going to be really interesting to see what they end up doing. Like, I, I could see if it does get over quickly, I could see them, you know trying to finish the year in the summer or something like that like maybe i, I don't know yeah don't know. it's possible but I, I i for some reason i don't see that happening i think the kids will be outraged if that happens if they lose their summer like they kind of feel like this is an extra break Can you imagine oh you're losing your summer break they're gonna go what are you kidding me i have no summer I mean, I break. guess but they're kind of getting it now in they, a way. they don't see it that way though they're, they're gonna go well we, we were doing school stuff at home this isn't fair not that, not that they could do anything about it if that happens but uh Right. That that yeah. I wonder what they're going to do about that too. But I think it's just I think it's just going to be they're you'll do what you can at home. Then the rest of the year is going to be lost, and they'll hope to start up in uh, the next school year, starting late August. And or, or maybe they'll, they'll accelerate it. You know, they'll have longer school days or something. Who knows? Yeah, that'll be weird to see how that gets handled. The World Series of Poker. Why haven't they announced that that's been canceled yet? I think I have an answer for you guys. There's, there's been a lot of outrage in poker that how can they still even consider that they're going to hold the World Series of Poker in late May? Shouldn't it be obvious by now that within two months it is not going to be safe to go and play there? Who's going to want to play? Even say this, uh, the coronavirus becomes much less of a threat in uh, the United States uh, by May 1st, which isn't likely, but let's just say by May 1st somehow we get a tremendous handle on it and uh, the threat is way down. Uh how is anyone to feel safe just a few weeks later to go to a place like the World Series, which would be a perfect environment for that to be transmitted? I mean, let, yeah, let, let's be honest. Like, I mean, your experiences at the Rio, 
it wasn't the nicest place even <laughs> in the best of times. <laughs> you imagine with coronavirus in the mix? Right. So, get it. so the, everybody's asking the question, why have they not canceled it? And I think I know the answer. Now, this has not been right. told to me by anyone. This is my own theory. This is not inside information from Seth Polanski or All anything. Right. I have not All been right. told anything. But this is my theory. My theory is that they know they're canceling it, but they're not going to announce it yet because they want to have a makeup date and they don't want to offer a makeup date only to find that that makeup date is not a good makeup date and that uh, that has to be canceled too. You may say, well, the, mm. why, why don't they just do a, one that looks fairly safe like November 1st? Well, they don't want it too close to the 2021 World Series or people are going to say, well, screw it. I'll just wait uh, six more months. We'll play the – or five more months. We'll play the World Series of Poker uh, next year. Screw this. So they want it to be as early as possible to where – people will feel comfortable about going there. And I think right now, since they know it's not for another two months, that they might as well wait till early May and get a better handle on where this is all going. And they then, might as well wait until people have made reservations and shit? No, I think nobody's making any more reservations at this point. I think they know everyone either is aware it's going to not exist or isn't going to want to go. Also, the casinos right. aren't open right now, so so yeah. So, I mean, that's that's a minor problem. So so so, so <laughs> I think that they are just waiting to see how close. And, and the funny thing is, they should just announce this. They should just say, I don't know why they don't just say, okay, it's not going to be on May twenty seventh anymore. But right. we are going to announce a makeup date. However, we're waiting a little bit of time to see the way this virus develops in this country before we come up with a makeup date. I don't know what's wrong with saying that, but it seems I have a feeling that's why they're doing it this way. I think they, unless they're really delusional, they still think there's a chance that somehow they can have this in late May. And they can't. We can see where we are There's today. No fucking way. It's it's just like with my trip in October 2018 with how I was feeling. I said even if the miracle occurs, and somehow like a week before this planned October trip, it all gets way better. And I say, wow, I feel good. I feel normal again. I would I wouldn't feel comfortable getting on a plane for a 15 hour flight, knowing that I just got better a week ago. Be, when I wouldn't soon return. feel comfortable in the room with you know thousands of poker players with super questionable hygiene. Right. So so, so with this, everyone's going to have a little bit of nervousness of like, okay, the, the, no one's getting, no one's catching the coronavirus anymore. The, the transmit it, it's very low. The number of new cases. Let's say on on uh, May tenth, we f- we find out that uh, the number of new cases has gotten very low. It's been going down every week for the last few weeks, and now it's so low that everybody can start. Uh, they, they can start doing things again. They can start going out in public again. People are going to go, whoa, hold on. I think if we all start going back in public again, people are going to start catching it again. So no one's going to want to go in late May to, to do this. It's just not enough time to pass. between. No matter what happens between now and late May, no one will perceive this as enough time to where they feel safe. There has to be a, a certain buffer of time where we, we ease back into this and, and – Jumping into the World Series, which is probably one of the highest chance environments to catch something like this, uh, that would not be easing back into it. I think I think the way you would have to do is they'll have to start the start relaxing the restrictions, relaxing what people are told not to do, and see what happens as far as how many people are catching this. Not just jump back into something like the World Series where you're tra- the chips are moving around everywhere and 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 you're with thousands of people in one room. I, I I don't think that is the thing to jump to 
even if this does get better a lot faster than people think it's going to. So there, I can't imagine a scenario where this takes place as scheduled. Uh, I can't even see a scenario where they, they delay it, but uh, we're starting some point in the window when the World Series is taking place from May 27th to mid-July. I think that right. a restart date probably could not be established uh, with people feeling even semi-comfortable until something like uh, August 1st minimum and probably September 1st or after. So that's mm-hmm. I, I I think they're just waiting to see whether they should even bother rescheduling or what, or what date they should shoot for. I think they're just kind of sitting and waiting, but I think that's a little bit of a mistake because they're not announcing its cancellation. They've announced certain circuit events were suspended, but I think they're so afraid to announce this. They don't want to cancel it completely in case they can just move it to later in the year, and they don't want to announce a suspension without knowing when it's going, so they're really hoping they can just give you all the information in one shot, but look, just 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 cancel it now and say and say we'll give information about if we're going to have a makeup date or they can even say we plan to make this up later in the year when it's safe and then if they can't they can't then they can always say well it turns out it's uh th- th- not enough time to feel comfortable we'll just do it next year they so don't have to your it. your theory sounds reasonable to me now let me ask you a question about this so let's say that they do end up postponing it until September okay and let's say that we do have a couple of months of people, you know, being unemployed. And let's say there is like a massive economic hit to this thing, which I think there probably will be. Um, who are the first people that are not going to show up to something like the World Series of Poker? I probably the recreational players, but the the only hundred percent. Yeah, well, I hundred percent. The the people who for the for them this is a discretionary thing are the people that are not going to show up. The people that do it for a living, they're 100% going to show up. Right. But, I think but it I, could be one of the worst World Series ever. There will know? definitely be a, a reduction of people for a few reasons. Also, people will just be scared. People will just say, well, I, I'm afraid mm-hmm. it's going to come back. I don't want <laughs> I, I'll just wait till next year. I think that'll even be a bigger right. factor than the economic factor. By the way, I didn't mention earlier that uh, the marijuana dispensaries are a uh, essential store that's open in California. Yeah, of Dude. course they God are. God damn right they are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure a lot of a lot of listeners of this show are happy about that. I'm sure. So, so Druff, rele- relevant to what you what the last topic, which was the World Series of Poker, right? In terms of that closing or not, what do you think about the Olympics and the fact that the, like the the uh, president of Japan is like, nope, still happening, and no one has announced anything, and and the way that's different from the World Series is that an enormous amount of apparatus has to be done up front in terms of the training for all these athletes and all that kind of stuff, even the narrowing down who is going to win the spots to be on the teams. Yeah. And and these all require, you know, them doing stuff out in public. What do you think about that in terms of that they're not calling that either? Well, uh, for sure, it can't have any. If if it were to not be called, it couldn't have any crowd there watching it. There couldn't be any spectators, uh, unless unless this is really under control by that point, which it's unlikely to be. And as far as the competitions themselves, I mean, if it, let me say this. Uh, well, the problem is a lot of the training is shut down right now. So there's a lot a lot that has shut down. I wouldn't be totally opposed to them having this 
where there's no spectators because you're just not dealing with that many people. If they're willing to take the risk and and perform in front of nobody, then you're not dealing with that many people, and they could all be tested beforehand that they don't have it at the moment. And if you're not dealing with a large number of people together and, and not a huge risk as far as uh, infecting society in general. If you're just not dealing with many people, it's just not a huge risk to society in general. So you don't have the people in the stands. I mean that that's all true, but I do think that there is, like I was saying, like there's a lot of people involved in the apparatus leading up to that. Just like I know the training is closed now, but there would have to be some kind of training, and there'd have to be some kind of competitions. You know, I mean, there have. To, I don't get it. Yeah, I mean, it would, it would make sense to shut it down, but I see why they're afraid to do it. But it's, uh, yeah, it's it's there needs to be more comment on that and if they're not if they feel they're not going to they need to give a coherent reason why that wouldn't be done and why they well like you're saying with the world series why don't they just why don't they announce a postponement of it you know yeah i think that would be best though it's that there is a seasonal element to that because it starts to get too cold for certain things and next year then i mean i realize they're, they're going to take it in the ass one way or the other but postpone it till next year yeah you know I, I, that's true they could just postpone it to next year. Yeah. And it would be a little bit weird, but, you know, I mean, the it, Olympics it, were canceled entirely once before when World War II broke out. So Not, I not mean, only that, but know. because it's an every four years thing, it's it's even different than canceling something like a baseball season where you're yeah. losing an entire season. Here you're not losing anything. It's just uh, delayed by one year. And that's a big difference. It's actually a big difference when you're not canceling something. You're just sliding it over. Where uh, right. so so since this goes every once every four years, that's actually the purpose, uh, the perfect thing to delay. When you delay things, yeah. the only danger you have, as far as uh, uh, delaying something, is that it's going to bump up too close to the next version of it that occurs the next year. But Olympics, that doesn't happen. And I get it. I get it. Like Tokyo is going to take it in the ass. Like yeah. I get it. Like, yeah, that's, that's, that's why they don't want to do it. Yeah. But if if they postponed it and they said, all right, you know what, this is going to happen next year. That would give everyone something that they could target, and that could give everything, everyone something that they could work for or work towards. You know what I mean? And, and plan for. Whereas right now, it's just like it just seems so unfair. Yeah, that's right. I, I think postponing it to next year probably would be the best way. Then you don't have to worry about the season being wrong and being too cold. Mm-hmm. You just you just move the whole thing a year, and assume by then we'll probably be okay to have it. And it not that high of a chance that we get to that point. In 2021, and it's still an issue. In fact, by then, we could easily have a vaccine. Well, if we can't, let's put it this way. If we cannot hold the Olympics next year, we got bigger problems yeah. than the Olympics. <laughs> you know what I mean? We do have very big problems if we're still sitting in this spot in, in 2021. Yeah. Okay, right. so so I want to give you a list of symptoms, and uh, we'll, we'll play the coronavirus game here, okay? Uh, I'm going right. to give you a symptom. And then uh, I want you to say whether you think it's common, sometimes rare, or never with uh, with a coronavirus cold or flu. So I'm going to go with each one. So fever, the coronavirus, what, do you think that's uh, common, sometimes rare, or never? Common. Right. What about cold? Common, sometimes rare, or never? I think it's sometimes. What about you, Trader Risky? What do you think? Yeah, I think it's Sometimes. Incorrect. It's actually rare. And I, as, no? as okay. someone who gets a lot of colds, I can tell you that's true. I barely ever get a fever when I have uh, a cold. It's happened before, but it's very uncommon. 
flu. I know I'm just one person, but that's I'm, I'm reading it from a site, not just speaking from my own experience. Flu, common, sometimes rare, or never. Wait, what? The flu for a fever. It, it, oh, okay. So whether you have a fever when you have the flu? Yeah. Um, I think that one is common. Yes, it is common. So that's a, so. This is so. I'm going to go down this list. You're going to start seeing that. Uh, the flu and the coronavirus, they do have a lot of similar symptoms and non-symptoms, whereas a cold is very different. But there, there are tell, some differences. Tell us where the flu and coronavirus, or do you want to go the whole list? We'll, we'll go down the list here. F- fatigue. Okay. Fatigue. Which one? For coronavirus, what do you think it is? Sometimes. Right. What about cold? Sometimes. You're right again. What about flu? Sometimes it's actually common. This is one of the small oh, right. differences. Okay. This is actually one of the small differences where, if you have the flu, you're uh, you're always going to have fatigue pretty much. Uh, with the coronavirus, uh, sometimes you can have the other symptoms and not have fatigue. So just because you don't it, now, this doesn't tell you much because it's sometimes versus common. But uh, the thing is, you can have the coronavirus with no fatigue. You need to know that. Okay, what about a cough? This is a big one to, to know for uh, for the coronavirus. What, what, what do you think for coronavirus? We, we, to make it fair, we got an alternate. Make, make Trader Ruski. Okay, Trader Ruski, go ahead. What, what, for, for cough. I think I think a cough is common. What about for a cold? Oh, for a cold? Is the cough cold? cold? Yeah, I'd say yes. Yeah, it's... Uh, it's Okay, so it is common, but it's, uh, it's not as... Uh, it's not a dry cough. And then what about a flu? Common. Yeah, so it's common nope. for all three. It's common for all three, but it's uh, it's dry only for the coronavirus and the flu. For the cold, it's usually not dry. So if you have a cough that's not a dry cough, then it's not the coronavirus. If it is a dry cough, it, it could be the coronavirus, it could be the flu. Now, what about sneezing? I think I mentioned this earlier, so I can answer this one. No, never. It's never part of the coronavirus. What about the flu? Uh, I think it's rare. It's actually never. It's very never. similar to the coronavirus. Well, what about a cold? Common. Right. Yeah. Okay, Trader Ruski. Um, aches and pains for the coronavirus, what do you think it is? Common. Actually, actually I thought so too, but it's not. According to this, it, sometimes. Is, it is sometimes. What about yeah. a cold? I'd say cold, yes. Yes, actually it is common for cold. What about for a flu? I meant common. Yes. For flu, I'd say common also. Yes, it is. Yes. So oh, now a runny nose. This this is a big. This is an important one. For I'll I'll tell you why in a second. Uh, Calwatt, the runny nose. Do you think for for coronavirus? What do you think it is? I think it's rare. You're correct. What about for a cold? Common. That's, right. It's very common. That's the biggest symptom of a cold. And what about for a flu? Uh, it's either going to be rare or sometimes. I'm going to say rare. It's actually sometimes. So that's a that's a distinction where if you have a runny nose, it's probably not the coronavirus. So if you have everything else that looks coronavirus-like but your nose is running, it's probably the flu. So that's that's one thing. If you have that, be happy. <laughs> You're not usually happy to have a runny nose, but in this case, if you have it, it probably means you don't have the coronavirus because it's rare. Not never, but rare. That's one of the right. few differences between the coronavirus and flu symptoms. Sore throat. What about the coronavirus? So you trade a ruski. It's on you. Rare. Sometimes. What about the cold? 
cold is common. Yep, that's a very common way the cold starts is a sore throat for me just about every time. And what about a flu? Common. It's sometimes. So that's uh, that's again where the coronavirus and the flu uh, that that uh, they, they're pretty much the same with sometimes. So a sore throat's not going to tell you much. It can happen with all three. It's it's with a cold. It's every time, but uh, sore throat's not going to tell you much either way. Uh, diarrhea. This is this is one that. Uh, um, Rare. Rare, correct. What about uh, for a cold? Rare. It's actually never. Okay. And then what about the flu? Uh, sometimes. It's actually, it's actually uh, sometimes more common with children. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you have diarrhea along with your symptoms, and when I say along with, remember, you can have two things at once, but if everything kind of starts around the same time and one of the things is diarrhea, you can probably say it's not the coronavirus. Unless you get diarrhea all the time anyway. If, you, if diarrhea is something that happens to you very easily, then that doesn't tell you much. But if you have a oh, bunch of symptoms, horrible. If, you have a bunch of, <laughs> if you have a bunch of symptoms coming at once, and, and uh, you have a bunch of symptoms coming at once, and one of them is diarrhea, it's probably not the coronavirus. Uh, it's, probably a cold, it's probably the flu or something else just not related to any of this. Headaches. Would you, would you, rather, would you rather have a runny nose or diarrhea, Trust? I would actually uh, – it depends how bad the diarrhea the runny nose can be very, very annoying in that uh, it, when I've had really bad runny noses, I've had it where like every 10 minutes I got to blow my nose. And if I don't, it's like it's like actually running out of my nose. And that's, well, let's that's, just say they're they're both of equal ferocity. Uh, I, I think I'd still rather have the diarrhea unless I have to be out somewhere that I'd rather have the mm-hmm. runny nose. Wow. At home, okay. I'd rather have the, the diarrhea than uh, of, of equal ferocity. Trederuski, runny nose or <laughs> diarrhea? Yeah, it really depends on on how bad each one is. No, no, but, they're, they're both equally fierce. If the flow is metered and it's similar in both ways, surprisingly, I'd have to go with Druff on the diarrhea. You know, because wow. then at least you can run to the bathroom. But if you have a fucked up nose, you can't lie down. There's shit all over the pillow. Yeah, and it's just constantly you're just sitting uh, there. The, and the like... way to get shit on the pillow is diarrhea. <laughs> 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 I just hate it when I'm just sitting there and then like, like I, every 10 minutes I gotta go, go jump up and blow my nose. That's just, that's, that's so frustrating. Yeah. I, I can't wait. And then also eventually your nose gets raw from blowing so many times. I just, I hate it. I hate, when that no, happens, like, your ass gets raw from wiping it so many I'll, times. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. I'll, I'll take it over the runny nose every You're 10 gonna minutes. You're going to take the raw ass. Wow. Yeah. I think, uh, I think one step might be interested, Dre. If it was 20 years ago, yes. <laughs> Fortunately, I, I, I'm, uh, Old enough to where one step doesn't bother me. I, I met him in person, and I can tell you, I could tell he wasn't interested. He wasn't a bit interested because I'm I'm too far from the twink zone, way too far. Yeah. I'm not even close. I got, to the I, got zone. I got one more real quick. So, Druff, uh, nipple sized dick or or dick sized nipples? Oh boy, <laughs> talk about something I never pondered before. Uh, so you want? Do you, would you rather have nipple sized dick or dick sized nipples? I don't, I don't even know. One would be more apparent to everybody when I'm walking around. The other one would be a, it's a huge problem for everybody to have sex. I don't know. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a very tough one. Okay. Uh, I don't know well, what to you say gotta, You got to answer it. I, I think I'd probably... Uh, I think I'd probably rather have the nipples. <laughs> You'd rather have the dick-sized nipples? I just wear very baggy, oh I just wear very baggy shirts. Okay, it's so be a National Geographic special. Anyway, yes. yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is the uh, second to last one. Headaches. Uh, Trader Risky, what do you think? Uh, headaches for a coronavirus. 
sometimes. Yeah, correct. What about for a cold? Sometimes. It's actually rare. And what about for flu? Flu, I'd say sometimes. Flu is actually common. So, again, this doesn't, oh, it doesn't separate flu and coronavirus that much, but it is more common for the flu. Uh, for if it's coming, if it's not, a, though it's not a cold. So if it, if you're getting headaches with it, it's probably not a cold. Is rare. Finally, shortness of breath, a, a big one to keep in mind for the coronavirus. Common. Uh, um, this one says sometimes, but I, I would I think common should be better. Should be the answer here. Uh, what about for a cold? Rare, I think. Right. It's actually never. And what about never, okay. what about for a flu? I would say rare for that too. It's actually shown as never. So I, so I would say that. So that's a big one here. That's a big one where if you have the shortness of breath with these other symptoms, then you say, "Oh crap, I have it." Yeah. And yeah. I hope I'm not going to die. That's what you have to say. If you're if you're having trouble, if if uh, if you're experiencing shortness of breath, the dry cough, and the fever together, very mm-hmm. high chance you got the coronavirus. Because the shortness of breath does not happen with the flu. That is the biggest one. According to this, this is from the World Health Organization, by the way, what I was reading from. According to this, it doesn't happen every time to get the shortness of breath with the coronavirus, but uh, it's listed as sometimes. But if you if you have it, then that's a big problem. With these. Well, it is an upper respiratory or a respiratory infection, right? That makes sense. Yeah. So that's but those three together, very high chance you have it. The the fever plus the shortness of breath plus the dry cough, and mm. and and really try to separate this from the colds, especially if colds are much more common than the flu. Some people uh, are not. Some people have never been good at separating the difference between a cold and a flu. And as you can see in this list, they're very different. They have some similarities, but there's a a lot of things that are different about them. And uh, now my, I, I have variants in colds but between how serious they are. But when I get a bad cold, it tends to start off with a bad sore throat, then transition to just really, really bad congestion and runny nose, which I mentioned I hate. Mm. And, then, and then also there's the fatigue and the muscle aches, which on this chart are listed as uh, sometimes in common. So the, but I don't get headaches, it's true, other than the normal headaches I get anyway. I don't get fever. I don't have develop uh, stomach problems from it. So, so this this is pretty right on as far as things that I get when I have a cold, and what I don't get when I have a cold. And so, just you can look at this if you just go back to the segment, load this up on your uh, or, or Google it. Just make sure to be familiar with what the symptoms are and aren't of coronavirus, and what they are and aren't for the flu. And unfortunately, coronavirus and flu are just very close in a lot of symptoms, but there are some differences, like the shortness of breath, and like uh, 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 there, there's things like the diarrhea, which uh, that will happen more often with the flu than the coronavirus. So if that just shows up, it's probably not that. So yeah, keep, the shortness of breath seems like the the big differentiator. That is that is the big differentiator. But, but you're but you're right though that. There is a lot of overlap between these things. Uh, you, were, you were saying that you know some people don't differentiate between the flu and a cold. I, I'm probably one of those people. I, I don't get sick that often, but usually, like I just think about it like I'm either sick or I'm not sick. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, the uh, and and the cold with, with a cold, you're almost uh, never going to die unless you're like really, really, really old or, or like mm. a little baby or something. So, so a cold is very unlikely to kill you. 
We're all going to die, Druff. <laughs> At some point, yeah. Yeah. But just just know these differences so you don't panic unnecessarily or so you don't, on the other side, just dismiss it as a, a cold or a flu when it probably is the coronavirus. And, yeah, you might get this. I have to if, – if you're a listener, by the way, who has gotten this or you think you might have had it or you think you do have it. I've, I had someone text me today who said that he thinks he had it three weeks ago, but it's gone now. So there's no way to tell anymore. Yeah. But but that he had some symptoms that uh, seemed like it might be that. It, it seemed like it was either a flu or the coronavirus in the way he described it. And as you see, there's a lot of but, overlap. But again, so similar that like it's it's really tough. Like how do you know? And I think there, there are some stats like – uh, out of the number of people tested, like only 10% actually had coronavirus uh, for people who had like similar symptoms, which I guess just shows you how widespread, you know, the flu and cold are, I guess. Yeah. And I think a lot of people run to get tested because they, they hear about certain things and they say, oh, I must have it. And they don't they really have, especially the flu. I'm not running to get tested. There's nowhere to fucking test No, I know no one tests you. I know people don't realize that either. They think they're just going to go to the <laughs> ER and get tested. Nope. They're not going to nah. do it for you. Hopefully that'll be rectified soon. So yeah, I just want to put that out there so you guys can know a little bit better what to look for, what not to look for. The Kentucky Derby is one of the things that got postponed. It's actually pretty big news. It's been going on for so long. But it has been uh, postponed. It's uh, it's taken place on the same date for 75 straight years. But mm. due to the coronavirus, it is not going to happen on May 2nd like it has every year. Yeah, it's my birthday. Really? Well, now people can steal your identity. They can figure out your exact date of birth, and they can be Calwatt. What do you think of that? <laughs> I feel bad for him. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's been moved, at least for now, to September 5th of this year, which I think is a little bit of a risky date to move it to. Now, the problem is it's in mm. Kentucky, so it, the weather is not warm all year, as you might guess. So they, they were moving it to a date that seems safe to still have uh, decent weather. I think they're worried about October being too cold and November especially being too cold. But uh, they're trying September 5th, seeing if uh, if that can work out. Uh, maybe it will, maybe it won't, but that's where it's been moved to for right now. Uh, the last time it did not happen on uh, – it's actually not May 2nd. Well, May 2nd this year. It's, right, always it's a, probably the first Saturday right, in May. It was right. the first Saturday in May is what I meant to say. It's uh, This year is May 2nd. It's the first Saturday in May every year. Last time that this did not happen on the first Saturday in May was during World War II, just as World War II is coming to its end. May 1945 – they did not have it because the government had banned horse racing that year. I'm not sure why they hmm. did that, but they did in 1945. And the uh, this one will supposedly take place on uh, September 5th. And the Kentucky Oaks, which is the Philly equivalent, that's F-I-L-L-Y, not uh, like Philadelphia, will take place on September 4th. A similar race that uh, is in the U.K., they're, they're going to be having uh, horse racing there, but it's going to be spectator-free. So some of them will be canceled, some will be going on, but these, there's going to be uh, no spectators. The uh, Grand National, which is kind of their equivalent over there, is supposed to take place on April 4th. Last I heard, that has not been canceled, 
but they will not have any spectators there. The statement was any I'll read this in Colonel Fabersham's voice. Any fixtures that take place in England, Wales, or Scotland, initially until the end of March, will take place without spectators and without restrict and with restrictions on the number of attendees. Wait, if there's no spectators, who's the who's going to be the attendees? Maybe they mean like relatives of uh, people involved. I don't know, but uh, there's going to be restrictions on who can be there, and there won't be any spectators allowed. So we will see. They claim they're letting this continue at all because. We're trying to strike a balance between public health protection and continued business business activity. And that is going to be something you're going to hear more about, not about horse racing, but in general, the trade-off between lack of business activity and public safety and prevention of propagation of the virus. Because there, there have to be tough decisions made at some points so when you let life get more back to normal and risk the virus spreading more or spreading again if it's brought down. And these will be uncomfortable discussions that we were going to have to have in the near future. Right now, it's just, okay, everyone, social distance, let's shut everything down. It can't sit like this. Like for the whole remainder of 2020, we can't leave it like this. It'll be a, a disaster for the world economy, disaster for the U.S. economy. So if this doesn't improve, or even if it does, we still have to have this conversation because it could improve only because we're doing this, only to start back up. Like, theoretically, if every person could completely separate from every other person, have no contact with anybody else or contact with anything anybody else has touched, which is not possible. Let's say, let's say theoretically we could do it, then there would be more, no more spreading the coronavirus, but then uh, – as soon as you put people back together, if not a long enough time has passed, if if you leave, if you were to completely separate each person for every other person, and leave them separated for enough time to where anyone who has it would would get better, get better or die, I guess, then then yes, the d- disease would be dead. But let's say it wasn't enough time. Once you brought people back, then they would infect each other again. So that's that's something to be considered as well. So we're going to hear that conversation a lot. Over the next uh, several days, or not several months, that is, not not days. And we will see what occurs with that. So, Truff, I just noticed something. I, I just logged into the forums. Looks like uh, Eric Benjamokin, he's, 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 like, I'm causing him to put 300 bucks into the free roll? Is that yes. right? Yes, well, um, I didn't want to pressure you. I, I wanted you to come back on your own volition and not because of pressure from Eric Benjamokin. I considered telling you that uh, Eric Benzamokin had put this out there. But then yeah. I, I didn't want you to feel pressured that you're going to disappoint everyone. I, what yeah. I actually wanted to have happen is have you make this decision on your own, and then when you, you did not show up, then you would disappoint everyone and they'd be mad at you. Uh, okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> but does this mean that the 300 bucks is in the free roll? The $300 is in the free roll. What, what I determined oh. from this, see, what I decided here it was, was – uh, he was not clear about how long you have to be on the show, and knowing that there's a three-hour difference, I decided that the point that I'm going to state that Eric owes the 300 to the pool would be as yeah. if you're part of the show for at least 50.01% of the time. Yeah. And, and uh, the free roll, you didn't make it into there, so uh, that – that 100 bucks is gone. The so, bounty on so, me so, is so gone. So he saves that $100 bounty, but uh, the $300 yeah. – 
that that will be there provided, which which I think you're very close to making, or maybe already have made, depending on how long we're going to go. But uh, we're we're uh, you've been here for quite some time already. So I, I and no, in fact, I forgot we started pretty early. No, you made it for sure because we we've, we've been yeah. on for four hours, and this is not going to be an eight hour show. So it, it's been well, made. So here's the here's the other thing. So that's awesome that the money's in there. Thank you, Eric, for putting that in. Here's the other thing. So I'm at the forums and I'm about to click on chat and I'm excited to see this brand shiny new chat room that you've implemented because I know it's not going to be like the old flash one. So I'm going to open this thing up. It's going to be awesome, right? It's going to be awesome. I'll say that. Uh, it's an awesome chat room that I've always liked. I always liked there it is, for, for like the last eight years. There's nothing there. It doesn't even load. Okay, if I'm using I'm using Chrome and it's okay. Just I'll, I'll, I'll tell Flash you I'll, I'll tell you why it doesn't load because it's it's uh, <laughs> looking for Flash permission to execute. And I actually posted a fix for this though. You can yeah. modify something on Chrome to where it always will automatically load Flash instead of asking you for permission. But I I know, oh, I, I know another way to fix it, Druff. What is that? And that is upgrade <laughs> the goddamn chat. <laughs> It's a lot easier said than done to get a, a chat that integrates with the bulletin well without a tremendous amount of work on my part. So that, yeah, that's, I know. that's the reason. I, know. I, I will have to do it soon, though, because I, Flash is going to stop being supported completely pretty soon. This is the last year. Yeah, that's I'm going to be forced. <laughs> like you're cutting it. Like you're not doing it. You're, you're like the the people who are out on the beach in Florida. Like you're not doing it until you're forced to do it. <laughs> I know you. I knew you were a huge fan of Flash. I, I knew we wouldn't get through the show without you mentioning it once. So I'm glad we got that out of the way. Flutter Entertainment. Some of you might not know what that is. Flutter Entertainment is a European company. It's, it's based out of the UK, and they own a number of UK-based uh, gambling sites, including poker sites. So uh, Flutter Entertainment was actually a pretty large company. They own Patty Power, FanDuel, which is not just a UK company, it's a US company actually, and Betfair. Uh, now they have done a lot of edgy marketing in the past, especially Patty Power. They've done a lot of weird marketing gimmicks and things that uh, are meant to get attention. But they have decided that they do not want to exploit the coronavirus, even if it might get them a little more business. They think it's a bad look. Now, they're aware of the fact that online gambling sites and online poker will probably do better during this situation where everyone's stuck at home. So they could say, hey, are you home because of the coronavirus? Can't uh, work because of the coronavirus? Can't go out because of the coronavirus? Play on Patty Power. Play on FanDuel. Play on Betfair. But they have decided not only will they not do it, that they're not going to allow their affiliates to do it. They put out a message to all affiliates that they will be immediately suspended if they mention the coronavirus in any way, in any kind of promotional content whatsoever. It just can't happen. Hmm. They said, you may not use current events in any sort of opportunistic manner. The email sent to all partners was titled Coronavirus and Marketing. And they said it's a zero-tolerance policy. They also told all affiliates 
and advertising partners that uh, any kind of current event, not just the coronavirus, cannot be used to try to get people over there. So uh, they are uh, not allowing that to be used. Now, it's not all good news for Flutter Entertainment, even though they own these online sites. Because they also own sports books, any sports book is getting beat down because there's no sports. Betfair, for example, is a uh, is used a lot for sports betting, and they're not going to be making that money from sports betting since there's no sports to bet on except for Australian rules football, which we'll talk about briefly at the end of our whole coronavirus discussion. A lot of sudden Australian rules football fans. But uh, Flutter Entertainment actually issued its profit warning last week that 2020 is going to be hit hard financially and that they're going to have a drop from last year to this year of uh, about 90 million to 110 million pounds in revenue due to, due to this, uh, quote, exposure to sports betting and retail casinos. But it is interesting that despite that, they don't want their online segment to be promoted in this way. So good for them. So speaking of the UK, Druff, interesting timing with Brexit and the coronavirus stuff coming <laughs> at the same time. You know, if, if only they just closed their borders ahead of time. <laughs> all, the, all the pro-Brexit people can see. See, this this is why we don't want to let the bloody Europeans in. All right. They spread it. Look, look at Italy. Look, look at what Italy has done to Europe. And, and, and look what they have done to the UK. If we just had the borders closed, this would not happen. This is exactly why we don't do it. This is why they do not come in. Just because they don't have a large pond between them, such as the the, the states and we and us, uh, it does not mean that they can just uh, waltz across the border willy nilly. But I mean, talk about an economic double whammy, you know, in terms of Brexit and then also the coronavirus at the same time. I mean, that's that's pretty brutal. Yep. Well, that's uh, one of many forms of uh, economic hardship that we're going to see, and uh, some of it has not become fully apparent yet. We've already seen a lot of effects already, especially in the stock market. But uh, and, and it's funny, like there are some people that are caught in this limbo with the coronavirus stuff. So I know a guy who has been trying to buy a house in Florida for a while, finally managed to, to get a bunch of drama back and forth, but finally managed to get the house sold all of his furniture in his current house and then all this coronavirus shit hits <laughs> he's like he's sitting in his old house with all this with no furniture <laughs> <laughs> oops that's, that's yeah. a problem yeah probably the furniture stores are closed huh furniture stores are closed yeah. and you know like think about it there, there are definitely some percentage of people that are in the middle of moving or in the middle of moving to a new apartment that they have to provision with stuff and like they they can't. Yeah, I know. I've heard about <laughs> that. I've heard it's very hard to get uh, refrigerators right now yeah. during this whole thing. So if your refrigerator breaks, you're screwed. Yeah. All right. So so moving on, the WPT actually had some delayed final tables that are now causing a problem. The World Series of Poker gave up on that. After doing it for a few years, I always thought it was stupid, but uh, they did away with that. The World Poker Tour did not, 
and now they are paying for it. Now, I never thought of a pandemic being something that could stop it. That should have been an argument I used <laughs> when I used to complain about it. I, I used to say it was bad because what if the, one of the participants ends up getting sick or ends up dying that's not fair to them? Or what if people get mm. coaching in the middle or, 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 or can find uh, uh, videos of, of you playing and can study your play style? I said it's, that's not – it's against the whole concept of tournaments where you're just kind of playing it all at once with the skills you have right now. And you don't have time to research anything or improve. And, and you also play in whatever current physical shape you are. But, uh, um, so I've made those arguments before. I never thought of a pandemic as, as a reason that, uh, this could also be a problem, but it is. So there are some WPT final tables that are waiting to be played that now have been pushed to the end of May and probably won't even take place then, as you might imagine. Uh, they, the WBT announced that three final tables that uh, were set to take place in March and early April will be postponed. Adam, where, where were they supposed to be played? Like what low well, yeah, place in the world? I'll, I'll, I'll read the quote. Oh, I'm sorry. A- Adam Pliska, who's the CEO of WBT, said, uh, With public health welfare a priority and in line with government and agency directives, we will tentatively look to hold these tables in May. Yeah, good luck. With our second set of televised final tables. <laughs> the three final tables, by the way, uh, it says uh, here in this statement, the three final tables are for the WPT Gardens Poker Championship, which is in uh, Southern California at, at the Hawaiian Gardens. WPT Borgata Winter Poker Open, which is obviously at Borgata. And the WPT LA Poker Classic. So I guess uh, David ODB Baker gets to have additional time before he gets dethroned. All were is it all were paused once they got down to six players and were to be filmed for television at the HyperX Esports Arena Las Vegas at the Luxor from March 31st through April 2nd. I didn't even know about this. I, I thought they were just being delayed and were going to take place at their respective locations. They're actually all going to take place in Las Vegas at this uh, Esports Arena at the Luxor from March 31st to April 2nd. So that's not happening anymore. These three are just not taking place for the moment. So it's a good chance that they're going to have to repostpone it to much later. They also have another one coming after that that also could be delayed. This is the WPT Tournament of Champions that's supposed to take place from uh, May 31st through June 2nd. Now, that's not a final table. That's actually uh, a, a tournament, but uh, they may have to postpone that. And they also have postponed the event of the Seminole Hard Rock WPT Showdown main event. That's no longer taking place. That was supposed to go in the first week of May. The fact that there's final tables being delayed and maybe delayed a long time is getting some people upset. And it's making people question this whole thing about the delayed final tables at all because you never know what's going to happen. And the longer time that, that passes the weirder it's going to become when they continue it. Like, let, let's say they can't continue it till next year. How weird is that going to be? They're, they're playing a final table for something the previous year. Very unlikely this is going to be played before June. I, I doubt they're going to play this in May. We'll see where this goes, and I have a feeling they're going to be done with these delayed final tables after this. There's no shot that it's happening in May. I, so. I can't imagine that either. So I, I, I really think this is going to be the end of delayed final tables. I think finally... 
people are going to wise up and say, this is dumb. Let's just finish the tournament. And I see what they're doing here. They're moving into a different venue in this eSports arena. But come on. It's it's dumb. Just run a tournament. If you want to have something in that arena, have the tournament take place in a regular venue at the same time and then just have the final table there in the arena. Don't Don't have a delayed final table. Yeah. Oh, hey, you know what we were talking about before in terms of hospital beds being taken up by people that are sick with coronavirus? Um, Do you know what a one-wheel is? No. So it's basically, like, imagine a skateboard that has a big, fat, like, go-kart wheel in the center of it, right? And it has the kind of um, uh, gyroscopes that a... uh, it has gyroscopes basically to stabilize it. And it's been something that I've been riding lately, and I posted a, a video on Facebook. Oh, I saw that video, and, yes. Yeah, and a, a friend of ours who is a uh, a doctor is like, no broken bones right now. And I didn't even think about it, but she's totally right. Like, I thought about I that. Did, I, I thought when I watched that, that I, when I saw you and your kids riding that, I said, I hope, yeah. I, I hope they don't fall off. Yeah. Well, and, and that's the thing, like, okay, so normally if you would fall off and you hurt yourself, even break a bone, like, you know, no big deal, go to the hospital. But with them being strained with everything that's going on, like, you might or might not get any service done. Right. You know? I've thought yeah. about that. I've, I've thought, like, yeah. I better not get hurt now and need yeah. hospital services because <laughs> who knows and, what I'm going to get. And that's something that these groups that, you know, say, well, we, you know, we're not going to get it. It's a boomer remover or whatever. You should be thinking about that. Like, if you do get hurt in some other way, there may or may not be treatment for you, depending on how overwhelmed the, uh, you know, the medical facilities are. You know? Yeah, you better hope in, in the first half of 2020 that you remain healthy. That's all I can say to everybody. Just uh, yeah. hope hope nothing happens to you. Hope every day is just a normal day, and if you do get sick, that it's just something like a cold or something else that you can treat at home. And yep. uh, other, otherwise, who knows what you're going to get. But, man, that one wheel is fun as shit, Druff. It is so fun. You know, I saw I saw you riding this, and I thought, Cal, yep. what's very brave to ride this at his age? Because I start to worry about these things. Now, <laughs> I'm 48 years old, and you're a little older than me. We're, we're close, but you're, pretty, you're a little older. Yeah. But I, I thought, I just, and I still ski. I haven't gone this year, and now the ski resorts are closed. But, yeah. Um, I, I went last year. I still ski. I'm taking a risk there, obviously. But I, I, anything I'm doing where there's a chance I'm going to fall off, now I'm like way more nervous of having that occur than yeah. when I was younger. And uh, because I know that the chance of breaking bones is, just gets higher every year. Yeah. No, I mean, it does get higher. And I, I think about it, but man, that thing is so fun. I did take a spill on it already, but uh, <laughs> thankfully it wasn't like on pavement or whatever, and it wasn't too bad. Well, yeah, and, it but, de- and it depends which way you fall. If you just land on your ass, then that's the best case. No, nah, I went forward. I, I landed yeah. on my elbow. That's that's where it, you can really get uh, some problems. Yeah, I didn't like it, but I, I lift weights with my kids and everything, so I try to keep the the bones strong and everything. But uh, anyway, like if you ever get a chance, try it, Druff. They're they're fun as shit. The one wheels. I don't know. I think I may be afraid to get on one of those. Trader Risky, would you would you get on a one wheel? I haven't seen that, but I'm sure I'd give it a shot. Oh, you would give it a shot. Okay, well, you're, you're the Google oldest. Google it. One. Google He's, it, Trader Risky. Trader Risky or, or search YouTube. For Trader Risky is the, the oldest one on on the line here. Right. Yeah. Search YouTube for one wheel. It's it's really sweet. 
It's really, they're pretty wild. They're a lot of fun. You know, I, at least I can say with, if the World Series gets canceled this year, at least I won't have to say I missed the first year I could play the Seniors event because I still have two more years after this one. So that's, mm. uh, at least nothing special about this year. Other, other than the only thing, the, the thing that kind of bothering me most about missing the World Series is that I, other than perhaps 2011, which followed 2010's world main event, this is the year I'm probably most excited to play the main event because I got down to 128th last year. And so I was like, oh, I can't bl- wait to come back in 2020 and take another shot at this, try to get even farther. And I don't think Can you imagine if they go crazy and they run the World Series anyway, like the Super Seniors event with uh, COVID-19 <laughs> would just be a death watch. You well, that, I mean? that'll, like, that'll become an additional factor where, where maybe uh, your opponents will die at the final table and you'll, you'll, right. get, you'll pass them by it's default. A different, it's a different kind of last longer, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There should be a last longer for both the poker and life, like uh, 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 two separate last longer events. Who lasts longer in the tournament and who survives the tournament uh, without being dead? And it, it could be like one of those things from some of those Wild West movies where everyone shoots everyone else. Like the final table, like they might just be, everyone gets contagious and they all just die. Yeah, you know? maybe play yeah. can't complete. Yeah, right. It just everyone dies at the table. There's no, there's Tenth no champion. place could finish number one. There's no champion. <laughs> yeah, what if the guy with like no no chips who's just waiting to get his money in, that just everybody collapses at the table? He's like, wow, yeah, I win. He just looks looks around and he's, then he slowly raises his fist. <laughs> I'm the winner. <laughs> Give me the bracelet now. Oh, my God. <laughs> Brings a whole new meaning to the last man standing uh, tournaments. I know, wow. I know it's dark, but you gotta you gotta have fun when times are shitty, right? Not not only that, like like, can you imagine how afraid the super seniors are going to be to play that tournament? Like, can they even if they hold the World Series this year, is there going to be a super seniors event? Are they all going to be afraid to play? Oh, they're going to be wearing like latex gloves and like sliding the chips over with with uh, forks and spoons and stuff, you know. <laughs> Maybe it's safer for them to play that than the other tournaments because at least they're all cautious. They're all being careful. If they, they play with the 25-year-olds who don't give a crap, that's, that's where the danger is. Well, you know what they really should do is they should use those. Didn't they have those dumb tables where there was like a computer readout instead of cards and, and no oh, chips Oh, yeah, either? yeah, yeah, the, 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 the digital right, poker tables. that's a good idea. That is a good that's idea. That's actually the safe option now. Yeah. That is. That I didn't think of that. For but sure. yes, the digital yeah. poker, which is live, but at least you're not trading anything. Yeah. Yeah, that you're not trading the you know feces encrusted chips around, and you're not passing the COVID nineteen cards to your neighbor. You know. You know what? Benjamin played on one of those in 2011 as a one year old. Now, Druff, I don't want to say anything, but I think you might be breaking some laws there. Well, fortunately, <laughs> it was in international waters, but uh, uh, okay, it was in a cruise ship. And I, I said, I want Benjamin to, I want Benjamin to be the youngest poker player ever who played in a casino. So as a one-year-old, I sat him on my lap, and, and you actually like use a little player's card to make it easier to tap the screen. Uh-huh. For some reason, it responds better to that than your finger. So I put it in his hand and was like moving his arm to where he's supposed to tap. And so, Ruff, is that is that the year that you won Parent of the Year? The, well, listen, listen, to what happened? So, so uh, I I would be afraid to do this in Vegas. I'd be afraid they're going to arrest me. But but on on a cruise ship, like what are they going to do? I thought the worst they're going to do is tell me I can't do it and and, and make me stop. So mm-hmm. so I, I had uh, my parents were actually on that cruise too. I had I had one of my parents bring over Benjamin when I gave them a signal signal. So as a hand was starting they, and I saw nobody was around who was uh, working at the cruise ship. 
They uh, they ran over, dropped him in my lap. I put the card in his hand, and oh, I'm thinking, well, I want to be dealt a decent. I was going to play any hand I was dealt because it was low limit, oh. but I'm like, I'm like, I thought it was a decent hand. Well, Ben got dealt pocket nines. It's like, oh, sweet. Okay. So okay. I, I I opened. I think I opened like under the gun with the nines. Or shall I say, Benjamin opened under the gun with pocket nines. And, of course he did. And I even have a picture of him holding holding the little card. That it, so, um, like an aggro kids. So so, so so then um, of course all these you have these. It was all terrible players there. So I got a few cold calls, and nine doesn't do the best against cold callers when you don't mm-hmm. flop a set. But anyway, the board was like like ten four two. So good flop for nines. That's a good board. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so so Benjamin threw out the continuation bet. Oh no! The, the guy, the guy, the guy to my left uh, flatted. Oh. Everybody else folded, and then the turn was like a jack. It's like, okay, that's not the great. I'm going to have to do a bet fold here. If he yeah, raises that's me. a bad card. So, 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 so I bet, and the guy sits there thinking what to do, and he's getting this angrier and angrier look on his face. <laughs> <laughs> and I, and so I, I so, so, so I, fi- I finally decided to, to to needle him, and oh, I, no. I said, "What? You're afraid to lose a hand to a one year old?" <laughs> and and so and he he gave me such an angry look and finally he folded so ben won the pot the guy That's lost if they won the hand it would have been the, the funniest thing ever you know <laughs> i think ben's one hand of poker he ever played he got dealt pocket nine and it held up against like multiple opponents without flopping a set like how, how good does he run I, I, I like it. I like that Benjamin's just firing away two bullets. Yeah, he know. fired even the jack hitting the turn. He just fires again, oh, and the guy oh, the guy makes the care. the guy makes the fold. That he just he, he thinks he, he he thinks he can't bluff the babies. The problem you can raise Benjamin, and he's just not going to care. A one year old doesn't value money much. So yeah, yeah, that's true. That's a good point. He's just he's going to snap call him or snap shove on him. So yeah. Uh, anyway, I, I made sure we got a picture of that, and I, I don't know how we even got to this tangent, but. I want to get to Aussie Rules Football, which is our final coronavirus topic. Not our final topic, but our final coronavirus topic. Aussie Rules Football is it's, it's a weird sport. I don't even understand it very well, but it's it's a weird sport. It's not soccer. There's also Australian soccer, which is going too. But Aussie Rules Football, I believe it goes every day. So American sports bettors have started to like betting on Aussie Rules Football using whatever betting site they were using before. Because it's something you can bet on. It's a big enough sport to where most of these books, of these uh, offshore books, offer it. And it's something that goes every day. So, like, there well, is Aussie soccer. I mean, soccer. you know the other reason they like it, too, right? Um, it's that the lines probably are not set properly or set, set well. I and mean, that's usually why professional bettors like to go to these things. I'm you not know, sure that's about why they, That's why they do prop bets. It may yeah. be, but Aussie Rules Football has been going a long time. It's been offered in sports books a long time, so that, that may... It? Okay, well, maybe not. I mean, it's, it's not maybe getting not. the scrutiny the NFL's getting, but I'd say there may not be super soft lines. Also, there's there's I've noticed the juice is higher on this. It's like, it's like for example, I was looking at a match for like late tonight. I'm not going to bet on it, but I was just looking at it, and it was like minus 120 plus 100 instead of 110, 110, or 115, 105. Like it's, a, it's 120, 100. So, right? You know what? Actually, no, that's normal. I was just thinking, never mind. That is normal, 120, 100. Because that'd be like minus 110, minus 110. Never mind. I, I confused myself. But, uh, it's really the only thing you can bet on a daily basis. Mm. Oh, we have a, a call from Australia, but, uh, it's, I know, it. It, I know it's not, no, it's, it's not going to let me take it because Skype's such a piece of crap. Oh. I, I'm going to try, but it's not going to go. I, I just hit it, but it's not going to work. 
that that merge button does not work. I have to go back to the older Skype is what I need to do. Ah, uh, how can we get him on? We, he's been on recently. Um, can you contact? Can you call him? I, I can try. Uh, I could probably call him back. It's going to cost me some Jew gold, but I'll do it. But uh, oh my god, Drew! No, but that, it's break, just, o- break the cob, blow the cobwebs off of it. Come on. These are tough times here. I got to be careful. Just can't waste money on phone calls. <laughs> I'll, I'll kick in. I'll kick in. <laughs> okay. That's it. Here, I'll try, I'll try. I think this is the same guy who called us uh, last week, but uh, we will put him on. I'm sure he has some comments about Aussie rules football. Maybe you can tell us some more about it. All right. I think there's a match in like, half, some tips. in like half an hour. Yeah, hello. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you? You want to talk about Australian rules football? Let, let's do it. <laughs> I just jumped on. We've had a lot of we've had a lot of Americans watching our game the last few days. We have well, they're not just watching; they're they're watching because they threw money on it. Otherwise, they wouldn't care. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I am the same person you called a couple of if I called up a couple of weeks ago. So, so how does Aussie rules football work? How is it different than soccer? Okay. Well, the main difference is you can pick the ball up. Oh. So you can use it's a three sixty game. So you can be tackled. You can you punt. Uh, there's about three hundred punts a game. So it's uh, you can fit two American football fields on the surface we play on. Oh, so it's a big surface. Wow. Yeah, it's a very big surface. And how popular is this in, in Australia? Is this a very popular sport? It is the number one sport. The number one sport? Australia. Wow, okay. Number one. Number yeah. one. How many players on each side? So there's 18 on the ground and 22 in a side. So you have interchange. So you have four on the bench. I see. So there's 18 people well, on the field. 18 for each team. You have 30, oh, wow. There's 36 people on the field at so once? Correct. Wow, that's yes. a lot of people. Okay, yeah. well, it's. I wonder if it's going to catch on at all. What if What if it, this goes on long enough, if there's no sports in the U.S. long enough, maybe there will be enough Aussie rules football fans that develop in well, the U.S. Do you want to... some breaking, I'll give you some breaking news. Okay, let's have it. Our, our season 23 minutes ago just got suspended. Oh, no. God damn it. Ah. God damn it. Game, there is a game on now that is about to finish. And there is one more game, and that is it. Right, there's one like a, like, a, like it involves like like uh, something versus Hawthorne starting in like yeah like twenty minutes. That's not happening. Uh, that one's playing. There's another one, West Coast Eagles, which is Western Australia versus Melbourne, Mel- the Melbourne Demons, and that will be the last game for a while. Oh, so they're they're gonna, so, so they're going to do it. They're going to finish the games today, and then that's it. Yes. Yes. That got announced. Uh, that got announced about twenty minutes ago. Oh boy! So what, what are people going to bet on now? They're going to bet. Do you like anything? Hold on, Truff. We got to see if he likes anything in the late game. <laughs> oh my god! We have to get some action. <laughs> you try to get your last fix in. That's hilarious. Well, it's quite a. Hey, I've never bet in Australian had. football. <laughs> uh, so the late game is it's quite interesting. So. The team that is playing, the West Coast Eagles, are playing at home, their home ground. But they never lose there because of the crowd. But there's no crowd at the game. Oh. There's no crowd at any of these games. So I think uh, 
it brings the game very even. Oh. It's very even. But it's a very big betting sport in Australia. Very big. Yeah, I, a long time ago, um, I, I bet on an Australian-based site. I'm talking about, like, in the 90s. And, and Aussie Rules Football, I saw there was a lot of uh, games to bet on there. That was when I first heard of it. But I never really you know, understood I, I, it. I was wandering around Melbourne and Sydney recently. I was just down in Australia. And I was wondering what the hell all of these VIP lounge places were. And I, I actually thought they were, like... Uh, adult like strip club kind of things, but my friends told me there's some kind of betting something or other. Right, yeah, yeah. So the VIP lounge is poker machines mostly in Sydney, okay. and then we've got a CAB, which is a a uh, a sports bet that is around the um, they're everywhere around uh, Australia. So no sports betting in the VIP lounge, just the little machines or whatever? There may, there may be some little machines there that you can actually put some sports betting on. Sports oh, okay. betting is quite huge in Australia, um, especially with American sports. Pretty well, much just my friends were telling me just betting in general is, is huge in Australia, right? Yeah, so first a pro rata, um, we're the biggest gamblers in the world. Yeah, we've only got twenty six million people, but yeah, we. Um, so I think what's going to happen is um, a few. We can't play poker here, obviously. We're like America, but um, there's some ways around it, obviously. So yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's Sorry. too bad that the Australian rules football is going away. I don't know. So is the soccer going to be done too? I saw there's some soccer matches for the twenty third. Are those gone too? Yeah. That hasn't been announced yet, but I think that will be the case. They've closed the borders for in our states, so um, we can't travel. You, you know what else I was told that Australians are number one per capita in? Is eating ice cream. What? That's weird. I, I never would have thought, or gelato is, they call it a lot of time. That's what I was told. Really? I don't know. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, yeah. So this. So I'm watching the game now. Uh, one of the guys just got knocked out in the game, the Hawthorne versus Brisbane game. Well, there's 36 he's, fucking people on the field. Of course someone got knocked yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> he he's, hasn't moved. Um, they're still playing, though. They'll stop the game in a minute. Uh, he's still going. <laughs> they're still going. So wait a minute. This guy's not cold and the, they're just playing around him? God. Yeah, well, the, if the ball goes near him, they'll stop the game. Oh okay, the ball goes near <laughs> Yeah, so if there's an injury in our game, we won't stop the game. You've mm. got to get them off the field. If it's a serious injury, a back injury or something like that, um, neck injury or something, they'll do something. But, um, but yeah, so it's a 360 game, so you can get tackled from behind, um, which is totally different to American football and rugby. That's So, that's the wait a minute. This sounds like a bunch of Australians got together and were just beating the shit out of each other, and then someone threw a ball in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, um, it was actually made up for good cricket. That's how it all started. So, really? Wow. Um, yeah, that's how it all started. Huh. It, was, um, it was a lot of tweets going around last night. Uh, from American, there was an American guy. I, I wasn't familiar with him, but he saw it 
it was on the Fox Sports One over there, apparently, because mm. they had nothing to show. Obviously, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's yeah they have yeah. No, nothing to show yeah. on those stations. And then yeah. It just, yeah, and then it just took off. Um, that's hilarious. They were trying to get him on to our media to um, to talk about to talk about it uh, about what he thought of the game, but he actually said it was a, the best game. He had no fucking idea what was happening, but <laughs> <laughs> it was the best game. So one of the, I'll leave you with this. So one of the facts are you need to kick the ball, similar to soccer, through two big sticks in the middle at each end of the ground. So if you kick the ball through the big sticks, it can go as high as you want. doesn't really matter. You get six points. If you actually miss by a little bit, you get one point. So we have scores of a hundred to eighty-eight. Yeah, I was I was looking on the I was looking right now like Hawthorne's leading like ninety to fifty-six, so pretty high scores. Correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're uh, that's a pretty good win by Hawthorne. I didn't think they were going to um, win. But man, I'm, I'm watching some highlights. I'm watching some highlights of this game on YouTube. Uh, no pads. You're just running around with a rugby-like ball, and people are just beating the crap out of each other. This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> there is a lot of rules. But here's the guy. These, I don't. I don't know this guy. You'll know him, Pat Mac- McAfee. Pat McAfee. I watched one. He tweeted last night. I watched one quarter of Australian rules football. I know there's. I know. I already know that this sport was supposed to be my calling back in the day. This was supposed to be my sport. <laughs> when my child arrives in the next couple of years, his ass is going to be punting and punching balls around the house. <laughs> it's funny. So it's too bad. Got, yeah, we've got a player from America. It's he too bad. It's too bad this doesn't go much longer. If this, went, Cox. if this went longer, then I could see it catching on in the U.S. This is the only thing people could watch. Then they, <laughs> they might get into it, and then we might start seeing... Aussie rules football in the U.S., but we're not seeing it. Well, we're not going to see it because it's ending. Yeah. There wasn't enough time. Yeah, unfortunately, no, you're not going to see it anymore. Um, yeah, but it got a lot of the last 24 hours has been a lot of fun um, for Australians for because we think the game is amazing. We love the game. We love your sport too. We love football. Does anybody else play Australian rules football? There's like I would imagine New Zealand probably does, but does anyone else? No, they don't. No. Hmm. The closest we've got is uh, the closest we've got is actually Ireland. They hmm. play a, ver- a thing called Gaelic football, which is similar, uh, but it's with a round ball. All right. No, now it now it makes complete sense because both of you are just drunk, right? And <laughs> yeah, maybe that's why Ireland had an interest. They're like, "Oh, okay, you can get drunk and beat each other up." Okay, sounds like a good game. Sounds like it fits that's, in well with our culture. We, that's it. We play Ireland every now and then. Every now and then we play Ireland, and they're very. The Irish are very small and quick. So what happens is when they start beating us, we just start punching them up. We just punch them up. <laughs> They called it off for a couple of years because we just we punched them up too bad. So, but uh, we go over there occasionally. Well, you got to remind them it's Aussie rules after all. Like they can't they can't beat you. That's a, that's not fair. Yeah, that'd be an embarrassment. Yeah, well, they call 
Yeah, but now look, it's a it's a great sport. It's good to bet on. It's good good to bet on. Yeah, someone suggested I bet on Hawthorne tonight. And I didn't do it. Now I wish I did because they're way ahead. Yeah, well, Hawthorne, yeah, that would have been a good bet. Would have been okay. Yeah, it would have been. A the way other way. games are about to start now. West Coast and Melbourne. They would usually have uh, fifty. To Come on, give us a hot tip. People. Well, he doesn't, know, he doesn't know because the, the the home team, they usually win because of the crowd, and there's no crowd, so no one knows what to do here. But aren't there two games, or is that the only one that's still pending? That's no, the only one. Only the, one game left now. Yeah, that's the only oh, one that's okay. about to start. Yeah, the other one's about to end, and it's, uh, it's pretty much over. Yeah. yeah and, um, no, I think Melbourne are underdogs, so um, they're paying. Melbourne would be uh, underdogs, so I think they're a, good, they're a good chance to win. Do it, Druff. They're done for. I'm just mad I didn't just bet. I, I almost just fired. I really almost fired on Hawthorne. I, I didn't do it. I was so fire, close to fire firing some on Melbourne, then. So close to, <laughs> to... The thing is, we're not going to find out during the show. The show will be over before that's over. So what? Yeah. <laughs> do it, Ruff. Do it. Come on. Fire, <laughs> fire some on there. Gambling peer pressure here. I can't believe it. You're already, you're already paying <laughs> for the call. You might as well make a bet out of it. Right? <laughs> Actually, I think I think this call is actually free. Somehow, it's I, I put one thirty to win a hundred. Nice. There's, there's Trader Ruski just jumping in. There. He already did it. <laughs> Trader. No wonder he was looking for Who a pick. He was, he was really going to bet it. I bet he said to bet Melbourne, right? Melbourne yeah, City. Okay. Good. Oh, oh wow, wow, they are a big underdog. They're, 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 hold on, they're they're uh, for the money line Melbourne. The minus one thirty. Going to be like. No, what, no, 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 no! I'm, see, I'm We're seeing, getting all these bets on Melbourne from. Hang on a second. I'm, I'm seeing here. <laughs> I, I am seeing not here. Melbourne it shows. City. It shows not Melbourne not is City. plus plus two eighty five on Bet Online. That's on the draw. That's on the draw. On the draw. Right. Oh, that's the draw. No, it says, no, it says Adelaide. Adelaide United says plus two eighty five. I don't even see that. No, no I see. You're I, on the wrong sport. No, I'm you're on the wrong sport. Who is? Australian rules football, AFL. Yeah, that's what I'm looking at. It's Melbourne plus two eighty. I think I think you bet the wrong thing, Trader Ruski. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at least it's only one hundred thirty dollars, and and. So, I mean, I did, and I'm looking at it, but I'm going to do best. Well, plus one thirty is not a good line because I, plus eight two eighty five is what you can get here on uh, Bet Online. Oh my god! <laughs> no, it's my it's minus one thirty, so it's even worse. <laughs> Oh what? <laughs> what? I, I, I don't understand. On, um, I don't. I think you're on Melbourne City, which is the A League, which is soccer, the different sport. Uh oh, my so, bad. So it I might think. not. It might not. Well, I got them bad. too. Yeah, it might not be a bad bet, Trader Ruski. Exactly. Uh, they must. They might seem. They're playing tomorrow night. There you go. Twenty-four hours. Yeah, keep it. Okay, keep sweet. It. I got action both nights. Let it well, run. if it doesn't get if it doesn't get canceled, yeah, it's, it's two eighty. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking both sides. It's actually two eighty five. It's a little better on Bet Online. Two eighty five plus two. You think Melbourne has a chance at plus two eighty five? That's a pretty long, uh, long odd yeah, bet. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I think they're gonna. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah, because there's, there's no, no crowd, Josh. No crowd. Now being no being crowd, complete yeah. being complete degenerates, do they allow you to bet on whether the coronavirus is going to cancel the game or not? Is that a thing? No, they've already they've already announced that the game will go ahead. Uh, I threw two hundred on on, uh, on plus two eighty on uh, on Melbourne, so two hundred to win five sixty. I'm actually going to look this up tomorrow too to see who won. <laughs> I almost I almost did something. I almost did more than that on on uh, Hawthorne plus one hundred, but and that's going to win. But I'm doing uh, Melbourne plus two eighty, 
at uh, for two hundred bucks to win five sixty. So it's it's a long shot, go. but not a terrible, not a super big long shot, but a long shot. So okay, uh, we are going to uh, move on. Th- thank you very much. Uh, what, what is your name again? Uh, my name's Ben. Ben. Okay, just like my son. Okay. Well, thank you, um, Ben. Blissy sixty nine sixty nine on the floor. That's right. Okay, sixty nine. Okay, thank you for uh, for calling in and uh, telling us about Aussie Rules football. I, I had thank no, you, Ben. I had no clue, and uh, hopefully this no Ben wins here. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Bye bye. Right, I hope this phone call doesn't cost me two hundred. That'll be the real cost. The phone call was actually free. It turned out somehow, but uh, um, I, I guess I can, I guess I can call Australia for free. I didn't even know that. I learn something new every time we do a show here. About Skype, but uh, it may cost me two hundred dollars because I would not have bet on this otherwise. <laughs> yeah, but it's giving you a little sweat. Well, so. it's plus two. It's plus two fifty on Bovada, Jeff. Well, Bovada always has crap underdog odds. That's not unusual. So uh, anyway, we'll see, we'll see which where it lands. If it if it wins, I'll say okay. This may be five hundred sixty bucks. So that that'll be good. Yeah. Okay. So let's. Move to the first non-coronavirus topic. Uh, well, since I, I talked about some non-coronavirus stuff at the beginning, but we're past the coronavirus stuff. I want to talk about Doug Polk and the fact that he made an announcement in, in the midst of all this. Nothing to do with the coronavirus, but Doug Polk is quitting poker. Now, of course, this is not binding. He can do whatever he wants. This may not be for good. And you, ne- you never know. It's not like someone can force him to it. But uh, nevertheless, Doug Polk, uh, he put out a video saying that he's done. And he, he may be telling the truth about this because he's already been pushing away from poker. And Yeah, I've been, I've been telling you for a while, Druff, that I felt that he was trying to become sort of a – a personality outside of poker. Yeah, and he yeah. is, and that's and yeah. that's his plan. So, so yeah. I want to give you a little recent history, semi-recent history. The 2019 World Series of Poker, the main event was coming, and his fans are tweeting him, Doug, what day are you playing? 1A, 1B, 1C? He's like, uh, no, I'm not playing. What? How can you not be playing? I, I don't really feel like it. How can you not feel like this is the best value tournament of the year? Uh, so many so many fish in, the, in that tournament. How could you skip that, Doug? Come on, what what is going on here? So... He got actually peer pressured into playing the main event. Maybe the only person that I've ever known of who got peer pressured into playing the main Dear event. God. And so he, he, he totally didn't want to do it. And he did because he felt he had to or he disappointed his fans. So he got the $10,000, bought in, sat down. And from the moment he sat down, he felt, shit, I don't want to be here. I don't want to mm. be here. I'm not enjoying this. And I I can't even play in the patient style that is required to succeed in the main event because I so don't want to be here. I kind of just want to either run it up or bust. So he played a very aggressive style, which is incorrect for the main event, especially at the beginning, chunked it off, and was out early day one. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me he he didn't want to be there. He played an aggressive style, and he ran like God and crushed. No, no, that would that would be the story that'd be in the movies. But no, for this, this he just shot it off. And I bet okay. his opponents were like, who knew who he was at the table? I'm sure they were like, what the fuck? Isn't this guy supposed to be good? Like, yeah, right. how, how is Doug Polk the worst one at the table here? Like, they're probably going, what the hell? I don't understand. That's like great. every time he's probably raising them, they're like, oh shit, oh shit. And then they, oh wow, he only had that. 
Well, why, why did Duck do that? That was a dumb play. Okay, well, yeah. I'll, I'll take the chips. Like, they probably go, what the hell? Is this like a Doug Polk lookalike? Maybe, maybe it was Vanessa Selps, uh, just looking like Doug Polk. <laughs> they, they, they couldn't tell. But, but it was really Doug Polk. Just... Vanessa Selps looking. And, it's a so Doug That's Polk, rough. Doug Polk, by his own admission, played very poorly, shot it off. And then he went home and was depressed. He actually yeah. got back home and, can't, and can't sat there. Can't make a training video out of that, right? And, and, and actually, actually sat there depressed and admitted it. We know this because he owned up to it. He said later that he was peer pressured into it, didn't want to play, showed up not wanting to play, had a bad attitude, played poorly, shot it off, and then went home and was depressed. He wasted $10,000 on something he didn't want to do. Yeah. So, okay. so I could tell after that happened that this might be the end for him in poker. I'm actually surprised it took this long for him to announce it. I think some of what was keeping him in the game was the fact that he has this successful upswing poker training site. And when you say, oh, I'm done playing poker, even though there's a lot of stru- instructors on upswing who are not him, but, uh, so he doesn't have to keep playing, but I think he was thinking this probably going to hurt the brand of upswing if he's done with poker. And so, so he was still putting out videos on his channel and putting out some poker content here and there, but his heart just wasn't in it. And he finally decided, uh, enough is enough. I'm done. I don't know why he chose now. And this is kind of a weird time with, with the, the whole coronavirus thing going on, but, but he, this is what he What's announced. What's up guys? Here. Doug Polk here. And today I'm going to be making, uh, my final video for this channel. Before we continue, can you guys hear this? Yep. Good. Uh, I know that's a pretty heavy statement. Uh, this channel has had a lot of videos over you know three or four years now, and um, we've had some great times along the way. But I want to talk about a lot of things that went into that. I want to talk about a few different subjects that I have some final words to say on, and then I want to talk about what I'm going to be up to next. But I want to start off with talking about the journey of this channel, because it has really been one hell of a ride. When I look back to first making content like was it probably like three and a half years ago or so? Four and a half years ago? I don't even know, actually. I want to say three and a half years ago. Maybe I'm wrong. Um, but when I started this channel, it was just going to be highlights from streaming on Twitch. And then it kind of evolved. It became a news channel where we had poker news and we talked about what was happening in the world of poker. Those are some of the first videos that started to have any kind of reasonable audience. Then it became more hand analysis. We started to talk more about like the strategy behind hands. It kind of became a blend between those two. Um, I think, you know, we always tried to do random off-topic videos along the way, uh, but those were the main segments that we had in this channel. We also did some fun stuff, like we flew to uh, Pennsylvania once and did the Coach Doug thing, which I had a lot of fun doing, even though it wasn't one of the most popular videos. We had a lot of fun with that, too. We had some trolley videos, like the Vanessa Selps Top Punts. We had some videos where I tried to talk about what I think was the right thing to do or how to protect yourself or to be careful in this industry. We had some videos where we talked about uh, Dan Bilzerian, of course. You have to have some of those. We talked about Mike Postle. We talked about many, many, many things. And over these years, I feel like I have really grown a lot from the lessons that I learned here. I learned about YouTube content in general. I learned about doing videos. You know, I had never done a video before this channel. This was it. This is where I started. Uh, I learned about, uh, you know, being a public figure. I learned about, you know, the responsibility you have to, you know, be honest with your audience and to try and give them the tools to make good decisions and to try and help protect people. I learned that sometimes when you say something about people, it can have a more drastic effect than you originally intended. I realized that um, sometimes, even though 
you did what you think was right, the public will be angry at you or not like you. I also learned sometimes when there's a mistake made at your company, um, you have to take the fall for it. Uh, there's one particular issue I'll never forget. Uh, it was me and the other two owners, me, Ryan Fee, and Matt Coletta. And um, we made a mistake. And I don't want to get into specific what the mistake was, but there's three of us, and we voted on what we should do. And I said we shouldn't do something, and they both said we should. And so I got outvoted. We did the thing. It backfired massively. We took a ton of heat. And then I had to publicly say, I was wrong, guys. We shouldn't have done that. I'll never forget that because, like, you know, those are the kinds of lessons that you only learn once in life, or I guess you only – Hope to learn once in life. Why, why is he saying that? Like, okay, so he doesn't say what it was, but uh, he goes ahead and says that his other two partners made the wrong decision, and they did something really stupid which hurt them, and, and he had to take the fall for it. Like, why why bash these guys on your way out? I don't even know, like, if he's still partnered with them, but that's, that's kind of a weird thing for him to put out there as a... Uh, a memory. I would think it would be the other way around, where he could say that uh, they wanted to do the right thing, I wanted to do the wrong thing, and, and I went with it anyway, and I learned from it. I, I, I don't think Matt should have been part of this, but moving on. Um, there were many lessons I learned about business. I, I created my first business in poker. It's still doing great. We have a lot of members. Um, people really enjoy the, the content that we put out there, and I, I think it's helped a lot of people. I'm sure there are people in the comments that can say that as well. Uh, we have a lot of great people involved there. I've I've spent a lot of time really trying to build out that team to be uh, something that can be self-sufficient moving forward, and uh, I think we've done that. I've always tried to put an emphasis on finding good poker players to teach over the more polished people, for better or worse. I know some people prefer the polished over that, but that was always my focus. And uh, as far as like the people actually managing things, I tried to find good, reliable people that you can trust to do a good job, uh, and I'm very proud of what we've built with Upswing Poker. Um, I didn't really want that to seem like a pitch. I'm not trying to pitch anything. Uh, I do want to talk about kind of the state of where videos are at for me today. So it's sort of like this. I got to a point where, you know, I really didn't want to make poker videos anymore at all. I really didn't want to. Uh, but I kept doing it because I wanted to make something and uh, also because I had that dumb prop bet with Joey where I had to jump out of a plane if I didn't make 80 videos. So I kept grinding and, you know, it just kept bothering me. Like, I don't want to do this. I re- okay, I believe some of this. I believe he didn't want to do it. I believe he's been kind of done with poker for a while. If you guys have noticed, he's developed kind of a crypto a cryptocurrency uh, obsession, other obsessions he's developing. Uh, he's someone who kind of just jumps from thing to thing and uh, doesn't want to stay in one place too long. That's fine. There's people out there like that. I think he was doing these videos because this is part of promoting upswing poker. That. Which is fine. You can you can do videos for the purpose of promoting your business, and and Upswing Poker has done well from what I can see, and and I believe he is correct that he's probably built it up to be stable enough to this point where it can probably continue on fine without him. But I think that the main reason he probably did these videos was to continue promoting that and to remain relevant, and so the business does better. But at the same time, I think he really wasn't into it. His heart wasn't into it anymore, and he kind of was looking for that moment to quit, and for whatever reason that moment came now. But maybe he'll reveal this here as, as we go forward here. Listen to this. Yeah, 100, 100% that he was doing it to promote the business, and, you know, he's jumping from thing to thing because he made a bunch of money, and he can afford to, you know, just play around in different areas, you know? Yeah. Which is fine, you know? All right, so let's continue here. really don't want to do this. Like, I'm doing this because it makes my business money. I'm doing this because these are our most popular business types. I'm doing this because it's what people want to see. Um, 
all of the reasons on paper I should keep making videos here. Um, but there's one really important reason to not, and it's that my heart's not in it anymore. I just don't like poker anymore. I really don't. Uh, I, I'm sorry to say that. I remember in the main event last year, I was playing down the stretch, and like I just reached this point where I just straight punted my stack off. And I just punted it away. And I realized like inside, like I wanted to lose so badly so I could leave. You can never play poker like that, and that feeling has never gone away. And when people ask me, like, my thoughts on a hand, um, which still happens to this day, I'm like, oh, God, I really have to talk about a hand. To get, like, I, I feel done. I've, I've played poker for so many years. I've talked strategy for so many years. i worked on my game for so many years, and I really feel like I'm done. I'm not interested anymore. I'm really not in any way interested anymore. And one thing that just bothers me so much is that I, I do feel like software has really killed what the game always was to me. Because back in my day, he says unsarcastically as a 31-year-old man, but back in my day, you had to figure shit out. You had to go in the wild. You had to, like, come up with your own ranges. I remember me and JMO in the fucking lab, like, crunching spreadsheets, like, just lost, like, $300,000 to Isildurm. We're like, okay, like, 10-9 suited, put Equilab, like, okay, and then, like, graph and shit, and, like, all right, next time we're going to fucking battle and get back out there and you win half a million back, like... That shit was awesome. I loved those times. Well, hang on a second. He's right, but he's using Equilab and complaining about the computers? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. Is like That's what he's using software that a lot of people didn't have access to back so, then. So, so his, his complaint is that the, the software now is more advanced, so he doesn't like – he liked the not-as-advanced software where you had to do more for yourself – no, no, but, no, no. He liked it when he had the software and other people did not have the software. <laughs> That's I, what he liked. You think if you say, I, I like back in the old days where you just had to grind, you had to figure out their styles, you had to just wing it and just figure out without the <laughs> assistance of a computer. That's what we had to do. We'd, we'd just play it and, 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 and we'd see their vulnerabilities. Now these damn computers are analyzing it, taking all the skill out. No, I missed the days I could go put it into Equilab and, 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 uh, and see what we could uh, find yeah. the vulnerabilities. Like, yeah, that's that's what they're doing no, now. He, just he misses advanced. the old days again when he was the only one that had the software, one of the few people that had it, and uh, gave him a massive edge. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> that's funny. Okay, let's go on here. Yeah. And there was no like computer software you could be like, oh yeah, twenty-seven point three percent check raise turn. You know, um, that has really killed the fun and the spirit of the game to me. It really has. Uh, I, and I feel like I've just been in this point where it's like I can't say these things because I have a business. I have people that rely on me. I have people that, you know, if I say something negative about poker, it may hurt them. Uh, and so I'm like, like boxed in, right? And and I, I never felt that pressure so much like I did on the last couple of courses that we launched at Upswing where it was like I don't want to make a video. I don't. I'd rather not make money. I would rather lose money not making a video than make this video. But – I have all these people that worked hard on creating something. You know, like I think about the Kanu course. He worked hard to create that. Um, am I going to not make one and, and hurt his bottom line because I don't want to make this video or because like I don't want to seem like I'm trying to, you know, sell something to my audience? I did it. I did it even though I didn't want to do it because I, I wanted to make sure that the people around me didn't feel let down. It went really badly and I felt bad about it. And then we launched a PLO course and I was faced with the same thing. And I said to myself, you know what, I'm not going to do that again because I don't want to be the guy that just shows up and is like, hey, guys, I'm here to try and sell you something. Even if I think it's good, I don't want to be that guy. That's not who I am. And that's really why I'm not going to make videos anymore. My heart is not in it, even if it makes me money, even if this channel would continue to grow, even if my business, my only profitable business, will will take a hit from me doing this. I just, It's just not about money. 
it's not about the success of this channel. It's about what's in my heart and what I want to do. And this is what I want to do. I want to make videos in a more mainstream environment. I want to be able to talk about different topics that I find interesting. I don't want to have to wake up and, and make videos about pocket jacks and then see a bunch of comments be like, why is this idiot here? I'd rather just see the pocket jacks. And I'm like, okay, well, that makes me feel great. Not that that stuff really matters that much, but like you see it every day. I see it like every day on this channel. It's like the new people come in, they say those same things. As for the fans, this is, that's actually the hardest part of this whole thing is like for the fans because I know there were many, many people that loved my videos and enjoyed them and were supportive and, and, and are upset by this. I see it all the time. I have to deal with it all the time. I run to people, the airport, or wherever I'm at, and they're like, oh, Doug, like, where are you playing at these days, blah, blah, blah. And I have to have the same conversation. Oh, I don't play anymore. Oh, I'm- Yeah, I want to stop here. I, th- this could sound like it's pretentious or, or arrogant, but I actually I, – I, I can understand what he's saying here because I don't have anywhere near the audience that Doug Polk has. But if I ended Poker Fraud Alert Radio and just said I'm done with it um, – Whatever. Or if I moved on, to, let's say I moved on to some other topic. Let's say I, I switched this uh, this show to something else that's not about at all about poker or gambling, and just completely f- switched the focus where I figured I'd be losing a lot of people, or just sh- shut the whole thing down entirely. One of the things that would be hardest to do about that would be losing the people who have told me how much they like this show, how much they look forward to it every week, and if you have a much bigger group of people that. Are, are fans of, of what you're doing, the entertainment uh, product you're putting out, then it becomes that much harder. And see, I don't have people in airports going up to me talking about, uh, you know, when's your next show coming out. But but I believe he does. I believe uh, he's become recognizable enough, especially around Las Vegas, to where there are a lot of people who are always coming up to him and say, oh, I love what you put out. I can't wait till you put out your next video. And he's like, oh. If only I could tell him I hate making these videos. <laughs> I can see how he's getting this feeling with this guilt that he's letting everybody down if he stops this. And he's probably been battling this inside for a while. So I I, I can understand that. And I can understand it too, Druff, because I, I had a similar thing where if you start your own company and you're running the company, but you feel like you don't even want to go to work, well, what's the point? of owning your own company. You know what I mean? Like, what's the point of doing that thing? And, yeah, I mean, I, I, I totally get what he's saying. If his heart's not in it, he's made enough money, he's able to move on and, and do other things in life, good for him. Let him do it. You know? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the general message of this is fine, and I believe it. I don't think he's lying about this or making an excuse. I, I really think that this has been something he's been sick of for a while and has kind of stuck it out, and I, I think he probably did feel bad that if he just – disappears that it's going to hurt the other people in upswing and that uh yeah what about seriously serious man do we have to worry I, about him i am wondering well right? we'll see he's probably going to do videos yeah, I was for, gonna ask about that. he's probably going to do other types of videos so i think seriously serious will still be employed but uh yeah right. I, I thought about that immediately i'm like oh poor seriously serious if he maybe he's going to lose his uh he's going to fall off the doug paul gravy train and that train's going to derail <laughs> but we'll, we'll we'll let me uh we're going to go well, he on helped build, he helped build that gravy train no he did fair. he did he did because uh, over, let me tell you some things that seriously serious did a lot of people don't know this but seriously serious uh not only was he the one in charge of uh producing these videos but he also came up and i i know this from seeing some of the styles that that were in the videos some of the topics covered and a lot of times he will bring ideas to doug polk 
of what to talk about or the the or the manner in which they're approaching it. I'm not saying he was like the boss there or directing every little thing that's happening. Uh, a lot of this was was dug, but I'm saying seriously, series had a lot more of a role in this than many people are aware of. He wasn't just some Photoshop guy like some people think he is, or some or some Photoshop or some video the uh, video parody guy, song parody guy. This is uh, he he did a lot here, and a lot of this channel success was thanks to seriously Sirius's contributions. So we'll see what happens with him from here. But let's let's uh, listen to the rest of this here. I'm not really into poker anymore, you know, and like sometimes I, just, I can't even say it because like, I just don't want to disappoint people. I just want to let them down. But I have to do that over and over again. Um, you know, I was laughing earlier today, like I got like a Skype spam bot that added me and it said like, hi, do you like poker? I'm like, man, even I'm even letting the spam bots down. Even the people trying to hack my computer, I'm letting them down too. Um, but I can't, I can't keep pretending that I care because I don't. Even if that loses me money, I can't keep pretending to care. So I'm going to be making a new channel. I've already made it in the past. I'm going to be posting really consistently there. I want to see what I can do outside in a different area. Uh, if you guys want to follow that, I'll put a link in the description below. I'm going to post five times a week. I think we're going to bring a lot of the same style, the same formatting uh, over there. Bring over my same crew of people that worked with me on this channel and the cryptocurrency channel. Um, I'm bringing over you know, as much of the winning formula as I possibly can, and we're going to see what we can do in some other areas, and we're going to see how big of a channel we can grow. And then that way, you know, if I want to talk about a topic that has nothing to do with poker, I'm not like kind of pigeonholed in. You know, this is Doug po- Poker. This is a poker channel. This is- right, let me freeze this for a second. I think that's a mistake. I'm not a YouTube expert, and I'm surprised they're making this mistake, especially with Sirius the Sirius, who goes way back on YouTube. I think this is a mistake. One asset Doug Polk has is a ton of subscribers. And this is an asset that uh, can really help this is you. What made this Hold channel big was poker. I just clicked on his channel. He has 286,000 subscribers. Okay, that's a lot of subscribers. That's not like many millions like some people have. The, the, some of the most uh, popular YouTubers, but but 286,000 solid. Okay, and that is a good subscriber base to use as a springboard if you want to do other things besides poker. And you can just rename the channel. It doesn't have to still be called Doug Polk Poker. It could just be called Doug Polk. And then he can feel free to talk about whatever he wants to talk about. And then if he wants to do politics videos or whatever he's going to move on to, then, yes, he'll lose some people who are just there for the poker content. But, number one, YouTube's algorithm will suggest it more because it's a known channel to YouTube that people like and have been visiting. And so so they're going to want to – YouTube itself will promote him more. And, and, uh, and second – there will be existing subscribers who will see a new Doug Polk video and be more open to watching it rather than having to go over to a whole new channel, which requires some additional effort and interest. And also the new one will, will not be as favored by YouTube. So I, I think this is a mistake. I think he should just keep producing videos on this channel, uh, quit the poker if he wants, just no more poker, just call it Doug Polk and make this video explaining this is why no more poker. And then just go on and do whatever he wants to do. And, and spring from this channel. I think a new channel is a huge mistake, and you also just can't picture – you can't just think it's going to auto-translate that because poker people love you that you're going to translate over to a general medium, become popular there. It's very possible whatever he wants to talk about next, people are going to go, ah, oh, this, this guy's boring. Ah, oh, this isn't that interesting. Ah, oh, there's better people. There's other people who already do this who do this better. So it's a lot harder to jump into a new medium, a new 
type of, uh, not a new medium, but a new subject area and succeed there when you're succeeding here already. But it's not, he, he's not huge. He's not a household name on YouTube. He's just a, a yeah. well-known name in poker. Well, yeah. And so 286K subscribers is fantastic for poker. Uh, but in a wider YouTube world, it's absolutely nothing. Like it really isn't. But so to, to what you were saying, he started the, uh, so he's got 286k subscribers with 469 videos on that channel. And then he's got his Doug Paul Crypto, which has 177k subscribers and only 65 videos. I mean, it's kind of showing that he's able to, cross-pollinate he's able to advertise you know the new channels that he starts up and and bring a decent number of people over the only other thing i would say and i'm not necessarily disagreeing with you that he might want to leverage his built-in audience but the only other thing i would say is like i don't know who owns the channel i don't know if that that doug polk poker channel is somehow tied into um, upswing poker, oh, maybe or that, owned maybe, by upswing maybe that poker. is why, and maybe that is why that he, he won't. And the, and the reason I say that is like I think that one of the reasons they did that channel is remember back when they were trying to get kind of free advertising with Mason, you know, Polker News or whatever. They couldn't have something that was branded upswing hey, poker, but they could see- have his own independent thing that was actually owned by then. So it, it's possible that that could be the case, you know. Yeah, I just – the little thing that played in the background, I was clicking on his uh, general channel. So he is up to already – I don't know when he created this, but he has uh, 33,400 subscribers. Yeah. Uh, which that's that's something, but uh, from, from a YouTube standpoint, that's not going to really cut it. you you got to go way up from there. So, so we'll see. I just uh, – it is possible you're right that this is his own channel and that uh, the Doug Polk Poker was partially owned by Upswing and that uh, he doesn't want to share that when they have nothing to do with this. So, Yeah, it, it definitely could be because I think that channel was made as a way to promote Upswing Poker but in a way that allowed them to – you know, for, put the link on on uh, 2 plus 2, for instance, you know, that type of thing. Um, here's the thing. Like, I think Doug has made plenty of money. I think he can afford to do whatever the fuck he wants. Like, if he wants to just start this channel, I don't think there's a whole lot of pressure on him to have it, you know, be a sustainable income anytime soon. You know what I mean? Well, it's interesting is that he revealed on Twitter that he's taken yeah. a beatdown recently between the stock market and the cryptocurrency crash. That yeah. he's taken a beatdown recently in his net worth, the worst he's ever taken in his life. He said, now, "I don't know." Yeah, but what does that mean? I don't though? know what that you means. Know what I mean? Well, yeah, it, it, it. I'm not saying he's broke. I'm saying that uh, it's it's interesting right. that he's actually saying I'm ending something which will probably cost me money to end right after he loses right. a lot of money. That's kind of interesting time. Well, like okay, so let's say I, I, I honestly have no idea. How much money he has, right? But let's say he's got uh, ten million, right? And he takes a massive beatdown in all of these different markets, and now he's down to five million. Okay, so losing fifty percent of your net worth is, by anyone's imagination, a massive, massive beatdown. But he's still doing all right, you know? Yeah, I mean? yeah. I, I know. I'm just saying yeah. that uh, yeah. this this is interesting timing here. I would think that most people in this spot would go. Okay, well, I, I guess I, I shouldn't quit this. I got to make this back. 
<laughs> but I got to make some more money back now that I lost this. But I guess I guess he's just done. Maybe in fact this could have contributed. Maybe he was in such a bad mood about losing that money. He's like, yeah. oh, and I have to do poker videos now that I totally don't want to do. No, no. You know what? I, I'm not going to have two things irritating me. I'm. I'm well, I, and yeah, and and I think that he, you know, he may not be making any more videos or any more poker videos, but he still, I assume, owns an interest in upswing poker. So he probably could do absolutely nothing and just live off of whatever money he makes from that. You know? Yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. he's saying that he thinks it can stand up on its own even without him making videos anymore. But yeah. uh, and it's probably at this point he might be right. It just uh, people are more going there because they want to get better at poker rather than just because he's the personality. It it, it probably will hurt it somewhat if he's just absent from there. But I I can see it can still thrive and continue just fine if the content the people are putting out is, is good and if the people putting it out are at least somewhat known as good and respected players, even if they're not high profile or, or have really interesting personalities. So, okay. I'm well, that's the goal. That's the goal of any of these things is you start the company, you leverage your notoriety to boost the notoriety of the brand. And eventually the goal is that the brand becomes more important than you. Yeah. And that is, that is a, a template that is used in many different industries. When you have someone that has some amount of fame and then you parlate that, but eventually you want the brand to be more important than the person so that this can happen, so that the person can step back, you know? Yeah. So I don't know if he's quite gotten there, but I think I think Upswing does have a enough of a reputation now of a, of a quality poker training site that it's, it probably can go on just fine without him, even if it's not quite as profitable. Let's, uh, yeah, let's go agreed. on and listen to what he has to say. What made this channel big was poker. Poker is my background. I understand those things. And so that's why I'm not going to post on this channel with that type of content. I actually tweeted and I debated, like, you know, what should I do with this channel? Should I start posting the newer content here? Uh, and a lot of people had issues with that. And I don't want people to, to be forced into watching stuff they didn't sign up for. So uh, because of that, if you want to follow me, you like what I do, and you'd like to see that in other areas of the world, talking about world news or politics or finance or whatever it is I end up talking about, and I don't know what it, what it might be, then you can join me on that ride, and, and I appreciate the people that will continue to support me. If you don't, I understand that too. If you just like poker, um, you know, there are still tons of people doing poker content. I will say it's a very tough time for poker creators, and you guys should realize that. Uh, I actually recorded this video what will probably be a few days ago by the time I post it, but I can't even post because I'm getting strikes on my channel uh, for videos that are years old because whatever got flagged in YouTube, I can't even post. I'm getting demonetized constantly. I get lawsuit letters from different poker companies. I get people, you know, I get I get like videos flagged all the time. Um, I get videos removed, delisted all the time. It's not just me. It's Almost all your favorite poker YouTubers, they're all dealing with the same shit. It's a really tough time right now for poker because YouTube's kind of cracking down on things. Gambling is one of those industries they're going to crack down on. So, um, you know, it is tough to, to make poker videos. A bit of a tangent here, but I figured I'd say that regardless. Yeah, that's true. They, YouTube's cracking down on these videos in two ways. Uh, first of all, the gambling angle. And second, the uh, what's known as the second YouTube adpocalypse, which happened because of... Uh, the backlash uh, against uh, Steven Crowder when uh, he had his battle with the uh, the, the gay guy, uh, Carlos Maza, who did content for Vox. And uh, Carlos Maza 
made a big deal about it and was demanding that uh, they kick Steven Crowder, a conservative comedian who was making fun of him, off the channel or off, off of YouTube completely. And uh, there was a lot of controversy about that. YouTube eventually completely demonetized Steven Crowder but did not kick him off. But then they, as part of that whole thing, they started mass demonetizing anyone with any form of controversial content. And a lot of people got demonetized for that reason and also videos taken down for that reason. So I I know Seriously Serious himself had his channel demonetized right after that happened, definitely as a result of Steven Crowder, even though Seriously Serious and Steven Crowder have nothing to do with each other. So and, And Seriously Serious never released any, like, conservative political videos or anything like that. So uh, these two factors together have made it tougher for YouTube content creators who are uh, creating poker content. Well, also, Druff, didn't he so, Didn't he just take some poker footage and just decide to do commentary on that it? Happened as well. for that happened as well. Right, and that, that one I actually wasn't on his side when he was complaining about that. Of course not. I think he did that for... A whole bunch of different sources. He did, and I'm, I was, I'm not surprised. Yeah, I'm speaking about it in general, but uh, but yes, yeah. he he uh, he was taking just poker content and commenting on the hands, and then and yep. then I know he thought that Negranu reported him. I don't know if Negranu did or didn't. Obviously, those two mm, hate each other. That's right. But regardless yeah. of who actually reported him or if the company founded itself. Uh, the bottom line is, yes, he was violating their copyright, and I see why they complained, and they had a legal right to complain. And uh, but it, but it wasn't just them, right? It, it was done for a whole bunch of different videos, right? From what I recall, I'm forgetting that those details, but I I know that yeah, I I couldn't back him on that one because he really was taking their content. And just because you comment on, just because you're introducing new commentary on the same poker hands, doesn't mean that uh, you're creating a new work. For uh, legal reasons, basically you can you can reproduce things if you're creating what's considered a new work, but you can't just make a new work out of uh, redoing something they're doing. So, like, uh, I couldn't put out a, a major league baseball game and broadcast it and just turn off their announcers and, be, and and I'm the announcer. I couldn't do that. I'm not making a new work there. I'm just replacing work they're already doing. Yeah, it depends. It's tough. Like, if it's for educational purposes, they're supposed to be fair use. Um, but again, these are, these are things that the fair use part of the copyright law doesn't get decided until you go to court. Right. And, and, and also, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's hard to claim educational has to do with poker. That's the other problem. This isn't, uh. Well, you're teaching someone how to play poker. Sort of, but, uh, it's, it's, the, the thing is, it becomes, yeah. It's replacing the commentary that the, the commentators are already doing there, so that's sure. I, I can see why sure. that would be a hard one to win in court. And you're sure. right, it, it's not decided it, because it's subjective. Then it's decided in court. So, but I, I didn't feel too sorry for him when this happened, and I understand why he was suspicious that this was reported by Negranu or someone associated with Negranu. And it's possible yeah. Negranu hates his guts and would like to see bad things <laughs> happen to him. But uh, uh, I wasn't surprised either, and actually, like. And I have nothing against him, but I, w- I was sure that the chickens would come home to roost on that. Like you can't just you can't just do that. Yeah. You know? and, and, yeah. and by the way, I'm sure Negranu was thrilled about this when he saw this video. He's like, "Oh, sweet! No more, no more, more Rick is better videos by by Doug Polk bashing me. Like this has got to be somewhat of a weight off of Negranu's shoulders that Polk's going to stop trolling him at least via video. But I guess Polk can still troll him on Twitter, but." Uh, yeah. At least on the videos, there's not going to be any more Negranu troll videos by Polk. 
So I'm sure Negreanu's thrilled about that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, let's let's hear the end of this. Oh, you know, where does that leave us? What? Where do we where do we go from here? And I just want to say that I think that there are many other great people on this platform that that make content that you can enjoy. I have never liked vlogs. I think they're kind of dumb, but I do really like some of the guys that make vlogs. I'm sure I got an instant hundred downvotes from that comment, but still at the same time, um, I like those guys. I think that if that's what you like, they do great work. Uh, I do think that there are. Um, no, I'd be lying if I said I knew what's out there. I'm not even gonna. Li- I'm not even gonna lie. Like I, I do like some of the vloggers. I don't know what else is on YouTube, and I haven't looked in a long time. I really don't look at. I don't watch poker videos. I'm not interested in them. That's funny. That's exactly my attitude about poker podcasts and shows. Like I, people ask, well, what other poker shows do you listen to? I say none. They say why? <laughs> I go, because I, because I, I'm so like burnt out of my own thing. I, I don't want yeah. to listen to other people do it. I, I, I do enough of it. I don't. I, I don't have any interest, and that's what I can see. That's how Paul feels when he does his videos, his poker content videos. He's like, okay, I've done enough poker content. I, I don't want to see other people's. I'm, I've done enough myself. So yeah, it's like a chef who who just gets takeout. You know, yeah. And they don't want to come home and cook. You know, yeah. So I, it's, he says he thinks of these uh, vlogs, or as I call them, vlogs, are kind of dumb. I kind of agree with that too. I, I could never get into them. Some people love them. I just I've never been able to get into those. So um, this is it. Uh, I just want to say thank you. I want to say thank you for all the support along the way. Uh, I do hope a lot of you guys continue to follow me in other places or in the other channel that I'm making. But if not, uh, hell of a ride. Hell of a ride. We won, we won a lot of money when we streamed on Twitch. We completed the bankroll challenge. Thank God. Uh, we made videos I'm really proud of. We got the word out about scammers. I always said my piece. I never got bought out by anybody in this industry. Uh, I never represented any poker site or anything like that. I always said what I thought needed to be said. Even though I took heat from people, I always tried to do the right thing. And if you remember me from anything in poker, other than hopefully maybe that I was pretty good at the game, I want to be remembered. It's not like I'm going to die. But I want to be remembered for my time here that I always tried to do the right thing. Um, and I tried to help people because that's the most important thing to me. You know, my mom's a nurse. My dad's always run nonprofits. I grew up in a household. We weren't poor, but we were middle class at best. And I always, they always taught me to like look out for people and care about people and be a good human being. And above everything else, that's what I tried to strive to be. So that's going to be it for me. This is going to be my final video. I, I keep like wanting to say it's not, and maybe I would make videos, but I can't see that ever happening. So this is it guys. Doug Polk signing out. Peace. Hello everyone. My name- so they're running a little uh, montage that I'm not going to play. Um, you think Daniel Negreanu thinks he's a beautiful human being? That's what I was going to say here. <laughs> so I'll say this as, as far as Doug Polk. I, I, he hasn't been involved in any scandal as far as like doing something wrong to someone and yeah. screaming it over. I think there's a, a, a few minor things, but it's not even worth mentioning. He, he, when he does come out and speak, I believe he's, he does present his true opinion. It is true. He, as hard as it is to believe, he never represented any poker site. And therefore, could always give his own opinion. He never shilled anything. He easily could have. He didn't. Uh, so th- these are all pluses. That when he's put out opinions, usually when I've listened to them you know, regarding the poker world, I usually have agreed with his opinions, as I've said on this show. Not every single time, but uh, most of the time, I've said, "Yeah, he's right," or "Mostly right." So I'll, I'll give him credit for all of that. Uh, Seriously, serious. Who I know personally told me that uh, he says Doug is a great guy. Doug's always treated him really well. So I, I believe probably he was a, a good person to work for, and I, 
Seriously, series seems like they'll still be working for him there. His new venture. Uh, so these these are all positives. However, I will say that he trolled Negron really hard, and they, they never <laughs> liked each other. They, they they had history going back, which for some reason Doug doesn't mention much. I think he should because some people think he's just unnecessarily cruel to Negron and just does it for attention and just does it to get uh, people over to upswing, which I think is partially true, and, and that he just – and this is Negrano's narrative is that uh, Doug Polk is, is punching up. He's trying to, to hit someone bigger than him. So so people watch him. And so he's trying to insult the bigger name and, and get attention that way. He used Negrano's name to get attention by bashing him. And, and I think some of that was true. But he also didn't like Negrano going way back. There's old videos of them playing on TV where they didn't get along. And, and then he saw an opportunity open up where he felt Negreanu was doing some things that were uh, unethical and wanted to bash them. However, if you look, and I've said this before, if you look at all the different people in poker who he could be bashing, why pick Negreanu? Has Negreanu really been that bad of a guy? I mean, he's yeah, he was he was too much of a shill for poker stars. Yes, uh, he posts some dumb things on Twitter sometimes. Uh, yes, sometimes he's arrogant. I'm not saying Negreanu is a perfect person or, or beyond criticism, and I've criticized him on this show sometimes when I felt he deserved it. But is he anywhere near the person that one should obsess over and hassle all the time? Of all the people, of all the scumbags in poker, you pick Negreanu, who isn't even a scumbag. So clearly, this was something that uh, he overdid Doug Polk, and, and he did it because uh, Negreanu was a big name and it got him a lot of attention, it got upswing a lot of attention, it got people watching his videos, and because he already didn't like Negreanu anyway, so he felt yep. good. Uh, he's like, okay, I can feel good fucking with this guy because I don't like him. I'm not just picking on some innocent person. I, I'm picking on someone I think is a jerk. And then I also think Doug convinced himself that uh, that, that Negreanu is such a jerk, he, de- he actually deserves this. So I don't think Doug even believes that he was, uh, he was exploiting this at all, but, but I think he was, and I think that he overdid it, and I think that, uh, I understand why Negranu was like kind of scratching his head going, what the fuck, why is this guy going after me so hard? And, uh, so I think Negranu, uh, is kind of confused of what brought all this on to this level, and so, so Doug can't walk away saying I was this, super nice, innocent, sweet guy who always wanted to help people, but he can walk away saying, that he has made helpful videos, he has called out scams, he has uh, taken a reasonable side in, in, in controversies and stuff. That he has uh, uh, that he's, he's never sold out or, or promoted scam sites or said anything he didn't mean. So all, all of that is true, and I think he's probably been very good and loyal to his employees and friends. And I've I've never heard otherwise as far as that. So uh, so I. I think all of that is are, are positives about Doug, and he was obviously successful in the poker realm. And uh, you know, so good luck to what he's doing. And that's I guess we won't be talking about anything he puts out poker related going forward unless he decides to come back. Yeah, I mean the the only thing I can really say about Doug is that I I don't have a negative opinion of him, and in the poker world, that's kind of a rarity. So. <laughs> That's something. Yeah, I don't either. I don't have a negative opinion of him either. And, and yeah. there's, there's been times yeah. he, he's said or done things I, I think, oh, well, I, I don't sure. know. No one's but, perfect. But, but I can say this about whatever. just about anybody who's, who's especially one who's very visible in poker, that there's been times that uh, they of say or course. do things I don't like. And, uh, you, and you cannot. It's impossible to put yourself out there as a even semi-public figure 
without someone not liking it or disagreeing it. You know, whatever. It's just, it's the way yeah. it is. And, and I know, I, look, I, I do this show here and I have people who don't like me. And I have people who, who listen who, 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 I have people who listen regularly who claim to hate me and they still listen regularly. I don't get that, you but people with six toes that want to fuck with you. <laughs> and, you know. Yeah. It's, it's so, so, and then I even have people who, who listen and like me, but then say they, they don't agree with me much or they, uh, it's fine. They, they don't, it's and fine. I, that is fine. I say as long as you listen and as long as you don't, uh, and if you, if you listen and hate me, that's still fine as long as you don't like fuck with me or cause me any problems in real life or, or harass me on the internet. If you just want to listen and privately dislike me, that's fine too. So, uh, anyway, that's, I, I don't have a bad opinion of Doug either and, uh, yeah. that's, so good luck to him in the so, next thing so he good, does. Good for him. Yeah. yeah like, good for him that he recognized that it wasn't making him happy. Good for him that he was lucky enough to build up a, and I'm not, not just lucky. He obviously worked hard, but that he was in a position where he, he at 31 can walk away and yeah. do whatever he wants. So good for him. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think about it, when he said he's 31, I go, oh, he's 31. I go, well, that's such a long time ago for me. That's a long, that's a long time, 17 years ago for me. Yeah. And then here he's 31. He's got a long time ahead where, uh, when you get, to a later age, like what we're at, you, you don't know how long there is ahead. You don't feel like you're going to die tomorrow, but uh, um, you, you start to feel like you're, you're entering the uh, later stages of life. And then, uh, then there's the coronavirus, too. You think maybe the later stages are sooner than you think. But anyway, uh, that's happening with Doug Polk, and I guess we won't see much of him anymore, unless at least as far as poker is concerned. I'm going to miss Vanessa. Yeah, that's true. If, you know what? We're missing both him and Vanessa. That's that's a big loss. And and and, and Dustin Neverwin Wolf. It kind of looks like Vanessa too. Wow. Where did what happened with Vanessa? Vanessa kind of just uh, just drifted off. Drift, well, she went on to this this job in Wall Street where she almost got fired. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that whole thing. And then she she returned to the main event and and docked off her stack with a five bet with with Jack Seven offsuit against Queens against someone who obviously that's had a big right. hand and then was mad. People were. Then she was mad that people were giving her our time about that on Twitter, saying that she would never act this way. And then people brought up a million instances where she acted exactly that way at the table. Yeah, and apparently Doug Polk put out a whole video series of times she punted her stack off. <laughs> That's what he said in his. In his I think uh, so. Yeah. She, so she. Uh, yeah. The other problem was that her her style stopped working as well with, with the modern yeah. game. So she she's moved on as well and. Uh, I guess if that's you, right. I forgot about that job that she took and the whole HR incident. Yeah, she stuff. almost got fired. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she almost got fired because of a Christmas party. Like, how does that happen? How often do you get oh. almost fired from? How often does a female almost get fired from a Christmas party, especially if it has nothing having to do with anything sexual? Like, how, yeah, does, that, how often does that happen? Uh, so that's a rough one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it was funny when she she puts this out there like like no one knew about it either, except for people within the company. It's not like this leaked out. She put it out there on Twitter, and people were like. Like friends of hers are going, uh, Vanessa, you probably shouldn't be discussing. He's like, what, what? I, it, it all got resolved amicably. We're, we're, we're past it now. I can put it out here. And they're like, no, 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 Vanessa, this is making you look bad. You, you, yeah, that's you, not how you, you do you it. You shouldn't be bragging about how you almost got fired because, uh, you got in someone's face at a Christmas party. It, like, it, uh, I could totally picture it happening too. Like, that it's was- kind of like, you know, if you, if your only work experience is as a poker player, <clears throat> I mean, it's sort of forgivable. It's kind of like, you know, Tarzan being raised by the apes in the, the middle of the forest, you know, like you, you just don't know how to act in a different environment when you put into it, you know? Yeah. 
Well, anyway, Druff, listen, this has been awesome. Oh, I think you've got to run. I, oh, yes, I'm, I know I'm it's, exhausted. I know it's late, and it's, it's almost 4 a.m. Yeah. there. And uh, thank you for yeah. joining us. And you've been here for way more than 50.01% of the show. So uh, the, the $300, That's all I care about. I the $300 kicks in. Pay up. Ben Zamokin's going to have to kick uh, some of his uh, lawyer Jew gold over this way, and uh, which will be then kicked over to the winners of the free roll. We couldn't even announce what the prize pool was because we had to see if this was going to happen, and it did. So thank you, Calwatt, for showing up, and uh, you're welcome to come anytime. I know I know we start uh, late sometimes, but uh, on, on the days we don't start as late, uh, you're always welcome to be here. I always like having these uh, conversations back and forth with you. So uh, you know, when I was down in Australia, I was actually thinking about trying to call up, but I, I never was able to. But it would have been like I probably would have been been awake at a time that the show was running. That's true. That is true. <laughs> Okay, right, well, man. yeah, we have to have you on again sometime Thanks. soon, and uh, thank you for coming on. Bye-bye. Bye. Phil Galfond continued his match against Venny Vidi, and it's it's been a complete turnaround since he came back from that break. We've been talking about this the last few weeks, but he continues to win. He had one losing session of like 70-something thousand euro, only to come back and, and crush Veni Vidi again. And and this time, Veni Vidi just vanished. He just disappeared from the table, quitting over a half an hour early, which I don't even know if, if that gets some kind of penalty because they have rules in place about uh, the way the match will be uh, conducted. But uh, Phil won... Another 140k, almost 141k euro against Veni Vidi 1993. They played 503 hands, and uh, more than half an hour before the match ended, Veni Vidi just disappeared. And it wasn't from a disconnection. He just uh, got up and left in anger that he was uh, doing so poorly and that he's been chunking off that huge lead he had. He had a 900,000 euro lead that even Phil Galfon admitted he was uh, just about sure he was not going to come back from. Now Phil Galfon has taken back about two-thirds of that and is now only down 318,000 euro and the momentum so much in Phil Galfon's favor. Uh, Galfon is winning and winning and winning ever since coming back. Remember, he, he took almost a month break the last time he played uh, prior to the uh, when he hit his low point was February 9th and he was down almost 900,000 euro Phil Galfon had uh, essentially tied two of those 15 sessions they played initially but lost 12 of the other 13 so he was 1-12-2 against Veni Vidi since returning on March 4th Phil Galfon has played uh, 13 sessions so almost as many as the 15 they originally played He's played 13 sessions since then, all of similar length to what they were playing before. And Veni Vidi has only come out ahead in uh, three of those sessions. On March 5th, Veni Vidi won uh, 21,000 euro. On March 11th, Veni Vidi won 88,000 euro. And on March 20th, Veni Vidi won 76,000 euro. However, every other time has either gone to Galfond or been essentially even. And Galfon has had some big wins, including uh, 183,000 euro on the day he came back, 92,000 euro on March 9th, um, 139,000 euro on March 14th, 110,000 euro on March 19th, and 140,000 euro, his second best one, 
today, March 21st. So he's gotten back about two-thirds of what he was down. They still have about uh, 7,500 hands left to play in this 25,000-hand match. It would not be surprising if Galfon finishes ahead and then wins the side bet, which would have been inconceivable a month and a half ago. It was thought that Galfon was probably going to finish down more than 2,000 euro against Veni Vidi and that Galfon has shown that he can't hang with the PLO superstars of 2020, that he's a PLO superstar of 2010 who just cannot handle the ones today who have gotten much better thanks to all the solvers and everything else that they have used to train themselves. But this has also raised some questions, and I'm wondering when Veni Vidi or his friends are going to come forward and say so. Now, Veni Vidi has still not revealed who he is. But if if his screen name is indicative of his age, Veni Vidi is either 26 or 27 years old, because his screen name ends with 1993. So he's not that old, and that also is going to make him less likely to be diplomatic, likely to be diplomatic about this. And this is taking place on Phil Galfon's Run It Once poker site. And I've said from the start, this is a bad idea, that this is a bad look, that if Phil crushes an opponent, maybe even cheating, that Phil Galfon himself didn't know what was happening but was done on his behalf by business partners or programmers. And that the only way to do this type of match and not face this type of scrutiny is to have this somewhere else, somewhere that's independent that neither side uh, would likely be getting a benefit. I see why he's doing this, because he's trying to promote his own poker site, which just has never done well since it launched. But I, I really feel there's a flaw in this marketing scheme. Now, had they been trading back and forth the whole way, win-lose, 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 then it wouldn't be a big deal. But since we had Veni Vidi just destroying him, and by people watching saying it didn't even look like Veni Vidi was running that well, it just kind of looked like he was playing better. And then for Galfon to come back and run him over like this, some people are going to wonder what happened during those four weeks. Is is it possible that Galfon decided, look, I've got to protect my brand and my reputation. I've got to win at all costs, even if it means doing some things I wouldn't otherwise do. I'm not accusing him of this. I'm not even backdoor accusing him of this. If I had to guess, I'd say that Phil Galfon is not cheating. However, am I as sure that he doesn't have people behind the scenes who might have done this on his behalf and he just thinks he's running really well? That's more possible. I'm not saying that's happening. But there are people including people who backed him for this, because this is not all his money by his own admission when he appeared on uh, Joey Ingram's show, that have an interest in him winning. And some of them might have the ability to modify the software to make that happen, such as programmers of the software, maybe investors in Run It Once Poker who have a relationship with the programmers of the software. This just isn't a good look. This could be all on the level, which it very well might be. It's be all on the level and just a matter of one person shifting the momentum in their favor after a break and after studying their opponent's style. There's also accusations maybe Phil Galfond is not doing anything from a software standpoint, but just has someone helping him. Maybe he has someone ghosting him. Maybe he's running some kind of solver program himself. Maybe he's even running a solver against a solver because he came to the conclusion that Veni Vidi was running a solver in the background and Phil said, well, fuck it, I'll run my own. 
Who knows? The problem is, on his own site, it's just not a good look, even if this is all on the level. But whatever it is, it looks like Phil Galfon really just has the momentum in his favor and has turned this around big time. The biggest one-day win was by Vinny Vitti on February 7th, where he won 267,000 euro. And then Phil proceeded to then lose the next two matches, 48,000 euro, 102,000 euro, before finally quitting and putting out uh, long essays about how he's feeling at the moment. We read those on the show. So we will see. I, If I had to predict, is Phil going to finish in the black here? I actually say yes, I think he will. I think, and, and Vinny Vitti quitting early, that is showing that he's not just taking this as like, oh, no big deal, it's all part of poker. He's he's pissed off. I wonder if we're going to hear from him soon. I wonder if we're going to hear accusations from him or his friends that there's some kind of cheating going on. You know, you know they're saying it privately. You know Vinny Vitti and his buddies are going, that's freaking Phil Galfon, he's cheating me with his software, I know it. He, he can't take the fact that I was crushing him, and now he's he's running these cheap programs to beat me because he can't take the fact that this is going to ruin his rep as a great PLO player and fucking asshole during those few weeks he was, you know, they are probably developing this tool, blah, blah, blah. I'm sure this is what he's thinking, what he's saying to his buddies. May not be true, may not be fair to say this, but I bet that's what he's saying. It'll be interesting to see if Vinny Vitti is willing to complete the match. If he just continues getting crushed, will he quit and pay the penalty? Will he refuse to pay the side bet, claiming he thinks he was cheated? This That could really be bad for Phil and run at once. Imagine if the story of this match ends up with Vinny Vitti saying, I'm not playing anymore, I'm not paying you your side bet, and you're a cheater. Imagine how that would go over. You think that would encourage people to play on run at once poker? <laughs> that would be a fiasco. That's why you don't do it on Run It Once Poker. That's why you do it on a neutral site and say, hey, everybody, just want to let you know if you're enjoying watching me play here, come try my poker site sometime. That's what you do. You do not do it on your own poker site for these stakes. It's not like they're playing some low-stakes match just for fun, two great players playing each other at low stakes uh, to see who can beat each other. This is for real money here, real big money. So we'll we'll see what happens from this point. But I, my feeling is it's going to be Galfon, Galfon, Galfon continuing to win as this match concludes. 775-Fraud55, 775-372-8355 if you want to get in a phone call as we're coming close to ending the show. We have a few more topics left, though. Lotteries.com is a site you probably haven't heard of because it's a UK-based site. I don't even know much about it. But it has been suspended by the uh, UK Gambling Commission, not because it is cheating people, not because it can't pay people, but because of allegations of money laundering. Lotteries.com still exists. If you go there right now, it says lotteries.com, and uh, it says, important announcement, lotteries.com's license has been suspended by the game by the Gambling Commission and cannot take any further bets or accept any other gambling activity. All customers are still able to withdraw funds held in their accounts. You can contact our toll-free line during office hours where we'll keep you updated. So they can't take bets because they had their license suspended. Uh, you can, I, it looks like you can just bet on lotteries through this site. The, the, uh, American Powerball, the Australian Lotto. It kind of looks like they are cross-booking lotteries. 
which you have to be pretty deep bankrolled to do. I, I kind of see what they're doing here. I'm not familiar with the site, but it kind of looks like there's just a bunch of lottos out there. And rather than having to travel to the locations where these lottos are, I see there's a Canadian lotto, the Australian lotto, the American lotto, that you can bet on them from the comfort of your home in jolly old England. And then they will cover the wins and losses. Or you'll cover the losses, I guess. They'll cover the wins. But maybe they're thinking it's so unlikely that someone's going to win the Powerball that they're not worried about it. Because it's not such a huge site where someone's going to win the Powerball for sure. And if they would, then they'd collect enough money anyway. So maybe they think that uh, maybe this is some sort of like insurance policy they have that in case someone hits it, that the insurance will pay. And... Maybe they have enough investors to where they can stand a big hit like that, but like how how would they like the American Powerball when that gets or the Mega Millions like when one of these gets huge? How do they deal with that? How do they deal with them when like the pot's like a billion dollars? They really pay a billion dollars if someone hits it. I I haven't looked how the site works, but it it is where you can play lotteries around the world. Uh, like. If this was not suspended, you could bet on the American Mega Millions for 101 million, the Euro Jackpot for 88 million, the Australian Powerball for 80 million. So it really does kind of look like that you are betting with them on these lotteries. Now, this isn't a bad business model, provided they can take the fact that someone could hit them for a ton of money, provided they either have the bankroll for this or have an insurance policy. Uh, this isn't a bad model because lotteries have a, a terrible return for the player. So they they have a much better margin here than they would for sports betting. But anyway, there's no margin anymore because it got closed down. And it looks like that it's because of money laundering, though the details were not really released as to what happened. They are being investigated right now based upon the section 118 parentheses 2 of the Gambling Act of 2005, which relates to the operator's ability to offer remote facilities for remote casino and remote general betting standard parentheses real event. That doesn't say much, but it it does say that they were closed down for, quote, Concerns over the parent company's anti-money laundering and social responsibility policies. So the UK Gambling Commission will do an evaluation and then decide whether they can continue operating or whether they will lose their license. So this is like a suspension while they're being investigated for what looks like money laundering. It is possible that... uh, Money laundering could have been occurring through this. Now, I don't know if you can bet on things with uh, higher odds to hit than the lotto, but it would make sense how something like this could be used for money laundering, where just tons of money could be loaded through the site, betting on these lotteries, with buying so many entries that uh, they're almost guaranteed to win, and then they get paid out as if they just won rather than uh, obtaining this money illegally. And of course, that's what money laundering is about, is to make 
money obtained illegally look like it was obtained legally. And casinos have long been used for this. In fact, there were L.A. poker rooms like The Bike, which got in trouble for not policing money laundering that was going on. So casinos are often used for that because a lot of money goes in and out through casinos, through betting, and people win and people lose in casinos. So someone who has a lot of money that they're not supposed to have because they obtained it illegally can just keep betting it until they win some jackpots at the casino and then make it look like that they just got lucky. So casinos are often used for money laundering. And this lotteries.com may have been used that way. There's some reason that the UK Gambling Commission is concerned about them and has closed them down. So we will see what happens with that, and I'll let you know if I come to learn of an update of what happens with lotteries.com or if I find out more information about the money laundering that they seem to be accused of allowing. I'm always interested in, in new poker variants that come out just to see if it'd be something I'd be interested in playing or something that might even catch on one day. I talked about in recent times the six-card PLO that was brought to Poker Stars, which adds a lot more ways to make hands. It's, it's not too different than five-card Omaha, which is known as Big O, except that's played high-low. But this was a six-card high-only Omaha where, as you can imagine, a lot of very strong hands are made when everybody has six cards in their hand to choose from, of which you use two along with the board. But they've come up with a new game that is a Hold'em variant called Swap Hold'em. Swap Hold'em is where it's similar in some ways to Pineapple and Crazy Pineapple, but not quite. Swap Hold'em is a game where you are dealt two cards, just like in Hold'em, and you see a flop turn in river, just like Hold'em. And the betting round is the same, you know, pre-flop, flop, turn, river. But where it differs from Hold'em is that, unlike in Hold'em, where you're stuck with the two cards you get, here at any point in the hand, you can choose to swap one or both of your cards for new two new cards in the deck. Now, you can only do this once. But uh, at some point, you can say, hey... I'd like to turn in two cards, and they'll give you two other cards. So it's kind of like a draw game in a way. Why would you do this at different points in the hand? Well, let's say you're dealt uh, seven-deuce offsuit, and you're facing a raise pre-flop. You may want two cards right now, because otherwise you're folding. You might as well. It's a free roll to take uh, two new cards. You know you're folding the seven-deuce offsuit. Maybe you'll get dealt pocket aces by this point, so you'll, uh, you'll throw them back in. Uh, when wouldn't you? Well, let's say you have pocket nines. Well, you want to see if you flop a set of nines. You want to turn. You don't want to turn the nines in because by uh, the, the highest chances, you're you're not going to get something that uh, is going to be better than nines. Now, let's say there's a raise and a re-raise, and you don't like your nines anymore. Let's say there's a a raise, re-raise, and four bets. Now you really don't like your nines. So now you may want to turn in the nines just in case you get dealt something that you can call with. So already you can see how this game is going to be slow. Because no one's ever going to fold until they try to get two new cards. Because no matter how bad things look, if you pick up two different whole cards, then uh, things can get a lot better. So even if you're dealt complete garbage and you're, you're facing a 4-bet or a 5-bet, you, you, you might as well take a shot at getting pocket aces, pocket kings, better than just folding. So everyone's swapping at some point before folding, for sure. 
Unless, unless they really like their hand. You're not swapping via pocket aces. But, it, you're, before you fold, you're always swapping. But you only have one chance to do it. Once you do it, you can't do it again during the hand. Now, when you'd be doing this post-slop, let's say you go in with, with pocket kings, which you're very happy with, but then the flop comes with an ace and no king. Let's say the flop is, uh, is, is ace jack four. And then someone bets, and then someone raises. Well, you're folding your kings there, right? So at that point, you'd say, okay, I'd like two new cards, please. Or let's say you flop a set, and you put in a lot of action, but by the river, there's four cards in the board of one suit, and you don't hold that suit. So all of a sudden, your set isn't good anymore. And someone's putting in action and you do, you don't you think if you call you're going to lose at that point you may want to put both cards in and see if you can maybe draw uh the one of that suit maybe get better than they have maybe be lucky enough to get the ace so maybe on the river you're going to do that maybe on the turn you'll do it if there if there's three flush cards in the board and it seems like someone has the flush you might as well rather than fold throw your cards and see if you can get a flush too that's how swap hold'em works. So here's the question. Is swap hold'em an interesting game? And is swap hold'em a game that has much skill to it? Or is it just uh, a luck fest? Well, I think it would be annoying to play live. I think online, because everything can be done quicker, and the swapping of the cards can be done a lot more quickly, it may not be as bad, but live, can you imagine how annoying it is before anyone folds, they swap their cards? So usually in Hold'em, it's raise, fold, 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 call, fold, fold, call, something like that. Here it's raise, two new cards, please, fold. Two new cards, please, fold. Two new cards, please, call. Like every time someone says two new cards, now yes, each player can only do this once per hand, but it slows down the game. Second, it's got to be really annoying that you have a hand that's really strong and that somebody can just get two new cards as a free roll to, to luck box and beat you. Like, let's say you have uh, the second nut straight and you're pretty sure by the way all the action went down that nobody has the nut straight. So you bet and, and all of a sudden a guy who's been weak the whole way and you're sure you don't have to worry about throws his cards back and then he re-raises you. And you're like, what? Did he did he luck box into into drawing the uh, the, the nut straight? The only card that the only hand that beats me. So that that can be really frustrating. You also can be very frustrated by uh, someone throwing one card back. They don't have to throw two cards; they can throw one card back. So let's say the let's say that uh, somebody has trips and they need to make a full house, or they have a set. Not a set wouldn't work, but let's say they had trips and you need to make a full house to beat your flush, and they fail. Well, they throw a card back. Oh, now that now they've drawn you out. So not only do you have to be concerned about the board drawing out on you, where if you have a flush versus their trips, but now they can draw out on your uh, flush as well by throwing their card back at some point if they don't make the full house. Now, there's of course there's some strategy adjustments you can make to this, and you can change around your the hand valuations of what you're chasing after. Maybe. Hands like uh, lower flushes aren't that valuable anymore because people can 
throw cards back and make higher flushes more easily. And maybe it's a lot harder for flushes to hold and not get drawn out by full houses, especially if the if the board is paired, that there's a much higher chance someone will catch you, either by the board making it normally like it wouldn't hold them, or that they'll throw their card back and make it. There's two ways they can make it. So maybe that uh, makes flushes less valuable overall, especially smaller ones. I'd have to see an analysis of this game or kind of play it to figure it out. Uh, is it something I, I play online if I could for fun? Yeah, I probably would, but... Uh, I think in a casino setting, this would be an annoying game, and I think that even in an online setting, there's too much luck boxing. I think this takes too much skill out of poker. And especially post-flop, at least pre-flop, it kind of just slows it down, but there's no skill pre-flop to being dealt a good hand. You're just dealt a hand, and you just help you, you just hope you get dealt a good one. A fish gets dealt just as many good and bad hands as a top pro does pre-flop. How they play preflop is different, but what they're dealt is the same. But, uh, and, and of course, it's pretty obvious to everybody that uh, if you've got trash, you're going to throw it away and try to get something better. So that's not as much influence on the, on the skill versus luck part, but, but at post-flop, it can be very hard to read what people have if they're getting two completely new cards and everything they've done up to them doesn't matter anymore. Or if they throw one card back, then it can become a little easier to read what they may have. But again, there's a lot you don't know compared to regular Hold'em and not always in a good way. Because a lot of Hold'em is figuring out the way people have played the hand up until this point. So you reason, okay, they did such and such pre-flop, so I I don't think they have this. So like, uh, for example, if a jack hits the river in regular Hold'em, and you have a set, and if it doesn't make sense for your opponent to have a straight when that jack hits, or if the jack can't make a straight, and you bet and they raise... Of course, at first, you may fear pocket jacks if you have a lower set. But then you may think, okay, pre-flop, I raised in lay position, and they just flatted me from the button. They wouldn't have done that with jacks. They wouldn't have flatted me with jacks, especially this player who I know never flats with in, in, in a weird way like that. He doesn't uh, actually plays pretty straightforward. His person's always three-betting with jacks here. So there's no way he has jacks. So then you can re-raise them thinking they probably made two pair or are bluffing you, and then you'll be righteous a bit all the time. So these are these are things that the experienced Hold'em player picks up over time, where the inexperienced player would go, oh, no, a jack hit, and he's raising me. He's got to have a set of jacks. The experienced player would say, no, this person would have three-bet pre-flop with the jacks and didn't, so therefore uh, they don't have pocket jacks, and this jack doesn't hurt me. So that's that's the type of thing which a skilled player can learn, and that gives the skilled player more of an edge. But... If someone draws two new cards and suddenly raises you, you don't know what they have. They could have really gotten anything. They could have redrawn to the nuts. So then it's very hard to read what they're holding. So that's what I think is the problem with that game. So I can't see this game really catching on. It's just another carnival game they're adding to Poker Stars because Poker Stars has been going the trend away from pure poker and just to more games that are more about uh, luck and crazy variants of poker rather than where the most skillful player wins. 
So it's something I'd try, but I don't think I'd like all that much, nor do I think it'll catch on. The six-card Omaha, I think that has a higher chance of catching on. That one, since Big O is so popular, I could see the six-card Omaha going somewhere. I tried to play six-card Omaha at a home game I'd been going to recently, and the weird thing was there weren't that many big hands. <laughs> the weird thing is that we didn't play it that much. It was in a rotation of games, but in what we played, it, it really was not getting that many big hands. We weren't seeing what I was expecting to see, but I guess we didn't have a big enough sample size. Finally, I want to talk about an interesting addition to the curriculum in the UK that may not take place right away because of the coronavirus. Maybe this is something that's going to put put on hold. I don't know about what they're doing with school over there, but uh, ignoring all that, the UK's Department for Education, known as DFE, has approved a new gambling curriculum at uh, what's known as uh, secondary schools, which I, I believe are equivalent to high schools in the U.S., that will educate teens on the risk of gambling and financial issues that would come from irresponsible gambling. Across the U.K., they will have this responsible gambling course and it will be part of the personal, social, health, and economic education program. This is a, a required portion of the curriculum. And it is meant to allow students to understand certain adult matters that will be important for them later in life. The PSHE program, that is Personal, Social, Health, and Economic, uh, is described as uh, the program will teach students how to make safe decisions on matters related to gambling, drugs, finances, sex, relationships, as well as the importance of leading a healthy lifestyle. Believe it or not, I actually think this is a valuable thing to have in high schools. Not just about the gambling, the whole thing. A lot of students in high school do book learning, but they don't learn about the right way to be a responsible adult. And they kind of just have to wing it. And sometimes they'll get guidance from their parents on this or guidance from friends or others who can help them along. But a lot of times they kind of have to learn the hard way. And it would be helpful if the high schools were to teach people how to responsibly manage money, how to handle sex responsibly, how to handle relationships responsibly, uh, have a frank talk about drugs and the temptation for them and the downsides to doing drugs and everything like that. And so, so everybody understands what the risks and consequences are for, for uh, behavior that uh, could be destructive. Of course, that won't stop everyone from being destructive, but at least just everybody has an idea, everybody learns. And something you never hear about in school is gambling. Now, this is not a gambling course. You're not learning how to play blackjack or how to play poker or how to play craps or even what these games are. From what I can tell, this is just educating students on gambling and problem gambling and how that can be bad. And I, th I think they realize they have to do this because of the expansion of gambling into life more and more these days with online gambling, online sports betting, 
and how it, it really is hard to avoid gambling as uh, you grow up and as you become a young adult. Gambling everywhere, and more and more people are doing it, and it, it becomes easy to fall into a trap where you gamble away all your money. And then when it's all gone, you wonder what happened. <laughs> so they're trying to prevent this. They are going to... They're going to not really teach people how to play these games, but they're going to talk about the different types of gamblings. Uh, slot machines, scratch cards, the lottery, uh, just anything they have there that even resembles gambling, they're going to talk about there, and the students are going to learn how to identify the risks of this type of gambling of each type of what can happen, of each of these, how they have a pitfall and how how addictive each of these can be and how to recognize when you've got a problem. UK Schools Minister Nick Gibbs said, I want to ensure every child understands the risks, which is why we are making health education, including issues such as addiction and cumulative debt, compulsory from September. Well, I think this is a good idea. They're also going to help these students learn how to seek gambling addiction treatment and how to help others that they see have a gambling problem in their lives. So while I don't think this is deserving of an entire course by itself, which this isn't, this is a within an existing course, I think this lesson is something that people should learn. Something else I think they should teach in high schools these days is how to recognize scams, how not to get scammed or ripped off, how to be a critical thinker, how not to believe everything you're told, how not to trust people who come to you unsolicited with uh, supposed deals that are great for you or, or offers that seem too good to be true how to recognize internet scams. They, they sh- there should be an anti-scam course in high school, too. Again, not a whole course, but part of a whole thing, like what they're doing with this PSHE, which is really a, a course on what to expect as an adult and how to avoid pitfalls. That's really what that, that is. It's teaching you just how to be an adult. And I think a lot of high school students need that. And a lot of high school students think they understand what you need to do to be an adult. They think they know it all already. They think that uh, they've seen their parents enough. They, they know what to do. They know how to handle everything. They, they know how to handle life. But they don't. They often don't. And, and everybody, as they get older, will look back on how they behaved and, and things they thought and things they did when they were in their early 20s. And they'll say, boy, I was stupid with some of the stuff back then. Boy, I wish I could go back to that time and not do some of the dumb things I did or not make some of the mistakes I made. And I'm not, gonna, not talking, talking about the, like things that may have been fun at the time that were kind of reckless. I, I mean just dumb mistakes, just ways they went about things that were completely incorrect and were harmful or potentially harmful or a way of looking at things that, that, were, that was just totally incorrect. 
or just very irresponsible behavior that could have been prevented if they had thought about it more. So I think there is a lack of that in schools where high school students don't really know how to become an adult, even though they're not that far from being one, especially ones that don't even go to college and have to just enter the cold real world and support themselves. But even the ones that don't, even the ones that go to college and kind of ease into the real world, it's, they're still, once once they're in the real world handling their own affairs, a lot of times they don't know what to do. And it seems like kids are becoming more and more dependent on their parents. I'm not just talking about financially. I mean just for adult matters. Matters were just that come up in life where they don't know what to do, they don't know how to handle it, and then they go to their parents and say, what do I do? I can't handle this. I think there's more and more of that compared to the past. I think every year this gets worse and worse, where kids are too dependent on their parents. Now, some of this has sprung from, in my opinion, the fact that some... uh, dangerous or semi-dangerous behaviors that kids were allowed to engage in in the past have has been recognized as not being wise to allow anymore and and the parents stopped allowing it and it, it stopped becoming commonplace for example in the 80s when i grew up i grew up in the 70s and 80s when i was uh not a little kid but once i was kind of uh old enough to leave the house even as like an eight-year-old and it's pretty much starting from the early 80s all the way through the 80s uh it was very common for kids to just be outside and just travel around the neighborhood by themselves two kids just walking around by themselves riding around their bikes by themselves uh not super far from home they can't get that far but uh you know something go two miles away from home just walk off by themselves with with another kid another eight-year-old another nine-year-old uh very common in those days fact that was kind of depicted in the movie stranger things somewhat accurately you don't see that anymore how how often do you see just two eight-year-olds walking uh miles away from home or riding their bike miles away from home you don't you don't see it um but back in those days it was very common so kids in the 70s and 80s and before that and even somewhat the 90s were more allowed to be independent even sometimes in situations where if you think back it was kind of dangerous a lot of bad things could have happened to them somehow it didn't somehow like nothing bad happened to any of the kids that i grew up with some in some cases bad stuff happened later where they uh died at a young age but uh, like there wasn't a case i knew of growing up where, where kids i knew were just kidnapped off the street but uh still it was learned over time that there was some risk that these kids were engaging in that uh, probably wasn't that wise, and parents got more protective in that way. But this also makes the kids less independent. The, the less they do by themselves, the less they learn by themselves, the less they kind of just go off by themselves when they're young, then the less ready they are for real life as they get older, the more dependent they become on their parents. And at the very least, you have to make sure your kids understand that about how to handle themselves once you're not there anymore to help them.
or once you are there, but that they need to learn to be independent. So when you're not there one day, they can handle it because you probably will be gone before they are many years before they are in most cases. So they have to be able to be able to continue and live functionally without you in their lives. But I found that sometimes young people just don't know things. They just haven't learned as basic things in life. And then they get older and they learn from experience. So it's not bad to have uh, a course about this. It's not bad to have gambling there where people are made to understand the difference between recreational gambling and irresponsible gambling. And also to understand odds and to understand in the long run the casinos are going to eat your bankroll unless you're doing some form of positive expectation gambling. In fact, I I would imagine they would not teach positive expectation gambling's existence in these schools because they would not want kids to delude themselves that they can become positive expectation gamblers since most people can't. So I wouldn't even be against that being left out. I think that would be fine to just leave that out of the course and just say... Here's how you identify problem gambling. Here's what you don't want to become. Here's how it happens. Here's how people kind of get sucked in. They'll have a good session. They'll win some. They'll think, okay, if this just happened a little bit more often, I'd be ahead. They'll remember the winning sessions, keep chasing that, and then eventually mathematically over time they're going to lose. Even have them do math problems showing that uh, eventually everybody's pretty much guaranteed to lose after a certain amount of time. I think some of this can have an impact. Some people it'll go one ear in one ear out the other. And I've given advice to gamblers before, adult gamblers, like telling them not to play six to five blackjack and explaining how much worse the odds are, explaining why it's so bad, explaining why they should seek out a three to two table. This is back in the days when you could seek out a three to two table without a lot of trouble. And then I'd see them at a six to five table and I'd say, Why are you playing here? And they'd say, Oh well, I was being unlucky at the three to two table. I moved over here and I've been luckier. I'm like, I, I just like my face hits my palm so fast when I see things like that. After they know not to go there and they go anyway. There's only so much you can do with your advice. But I will say that the more knowledge people are given to behave responsibly, the better it is for them. And you will have overall a lot more responsible behavior if at least people have the knowledge on how to be responsible. So that's the end of our topic for the evening. It's been a pretty long show, over six hours. And I want to thank Cal Watt for joining us and Tred Risky for being here once again. And I just want to say to all you listeners here that I really hope that everybody who is listening to this show gets through this time okay, both health-wise and financially. I know it's a very strange and unusual time that we're experiencing here and there's really nothing to guide us because we haven't had anything like this before but it's very possible that we will look back on this one day and say this wasn't as bad as it could have been it wasn't as bad as we were fearing it wasn't good and it impacted a lot and there was some suffering but we got past it and it was not quite as bad as some were fearing. I hope that's what we can say when we look back. And for all you listeners, I really hope that everything goes okay for you. 
that you're safe, that your families are safe, that if you do get the coronavirus, that your recovery is quick and your symptoms are not severe. And I will be here every week for you guys and trying to make sense of this whole thing, giving updates, talking about how it's affecting the poker world, the gambling world. We'll just play it by ear and see how everything goes. And hopefully we'll get past this sooner than later. Won't be that soon, but maybe it won't be that long. To at least give you something to listen to once a week. It's funny, I'm ending at 2 a.m. even though I started at 7 p.m. It's a seven-hour show. Can you believe that? Well, at least you have something to listen to for the next week or so. Probably be back on Friday or Saturday. Can't tell you which one yet. It's probably be one of those two days. Can't tell you I really have any plans. <laughs> I'm not uh, not really going anywhere. We took a hike yesterday. That's part of the reason we didn't do this show yesterday. I was I was going to start this show early yesterday and get Cal Watt, but then we were doing a hike and I wouldn't have been ready in time. So I said, "Screw it, we'll do the show on Saturday." It's all kind of the same now. Everyone's working from home. Their kids are home every day. Every day is kind of Saturday in a way. Nothing's open anymore either way. Very weird. It's also weird, like, consuming things and thinking, oh, wait, I better not use this. I better not use this paper towel. I don't know how long it'll be till I get paper towels again. I was cooking eggs the other day, and I wanted four eggs, and I said, no, I probably shouldn't have four eggs. That's wasteful. I'm going to have three eggs. And I had three eggs instead. Whereas before, I just have the four eggs and go, okay, when we run out, I'll get my, more eggs. But now it's, it's not so easy to get more eggs, is it? Alrighty. That is all for tonight. I'll be back. And everybody stay home as much as you can. You know what? Hold on a second. Hold on. Gotten a lot of texts tonight. I want to. I want to read some here. I was almost going to just shut it down and say, you know what? I'll just answer these texts privately. But uh, let me uh, read some texts here. Uh, first of all, from the four one zero, I was told the other day. Did you see that uh, Oxford Downs poker room is open? And they even suggested maybe I should prank call them. And I said, are you? St- are they still open? Person said, no, they're closed. So they finally wised up at Oxford Downs. Uh, there's a, according to someone in 213, there's a new movie called uh, Poker Queens. It looks like it's a documentary about female poker players. Uh, from the pictures I see here, it looks like that uh, Liv Boree, Jennifer Harmon, uh, looks like uh, Jennifer Tilly, I don't think really belongs there. Um, uh, it looks like uh, Kristen Bicknell and uh, who else here? Uh, Kelly Minkin. Interesting. I don't 
it's an Amazon Prime movie. If you go to uh, pokerqueensmovie.com, you can read about it. Um, someone making fun of me that I, I didn't uh, shut off that uh, phone number coming over the air. <laughs> Apologize to one step on that. And so if people were laughing about it, they're going, uh, ha, 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 it's one step. Oh, it's okay you gave it out. LMAO. Okay. Well, it's, it's not okay. I'm, I'm going to delete it in the archives. It won't be there in the archives. Uh, from this 870 regarding the private apps, these apps do have risks. However, I know a few guys that quit cash poker because they didn't make enough money anymore but have returned making six figures a year. Yeah, I mean, those apps can be good if they pay you and they're not cheating you. There are good games there, that's for sure. Uh, from the 619, William Hill is booking sumo wrestling on their Las Vegas sportsbook app. From 716... Druff, what's your take on the National Guard roaming the streets? I live in Buffalo, New York. Many people are freaked out by this, saying they're preparing for a major event. Thoughts on this? Yeah, I've heard stories like that, but I don't think it's a major event. I think that uh, in some areas they might be preparing to force people not to roam around when they don't have to, like just start enforcing a lot more when people are driving around, stopping them, saying, where are you going? really start intimidating people to stay home if they're not cooperating enough. Uh, from the 773, um, I'm a nurse in Chicago. My hospital refuses to provide me with a mask. It's only a matter of time before healthcare workers get sick. Total fail. I agree. That's crazy. From the 507, referring to uh, when I lost my internet at home, uh, my mom said she wanted to keep listening. Ha ha. Well, I'm glad you're listening with your mom. It's a nice uh, family activity. And finally, from the 702, stay home as best you can. 18 months. I don't know about 18 months, but uh, for now, I'm staying home as best as I can. I hope you all do, too. And that's all for the text. You can still text me, 775-372-8355. I will answer you. Probably, if I feel like it. Good night. Shalom.